let, let, let us do open the prayer. Heavenly Father, you are merciful unto us beyond measure, and yet there are times when it is more difficult to see your favor upon us, especially as we undergo trials and have struggles and face challenges as your beloved people as part of your body. We pray that you would give us confidence in you and certainty of your mercies, your favor, your forgiveness, and your peace that passes all human understanding. Give us that peace that we so desire and that we are so undeserving of. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, so we started uh, looking at some of these last week. Uh, specifically, I think Matthew 18, 20. Remember, that's where uh, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together in my name in the midst of them. We looked at a little bit at Luke 11. That is the account of the Lord's Prayer where the, in Luke's Gospel, where the disciples, after Jesus prays, the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he says, when you pray, say. All right? Um, and we looked at uh, 1 Timothy 2, which uh, we also mentioned, or at least there was mentioned in 1 Timothy, that when Paul is writing to Timothy, they were still under Romish rule. And here Paul is saying, this is commendable to God, and, and urging them to pray for rulers as well. You know, and God desires all people, that, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, and it, it, I think it, it, it can be very striking when we hear in our prayers, the prayer of the church in particular, especially in days forthcoming, how we will pray for our leaders. So I, I think this past Sunday we prayed for the president-elect and vice president-elect. Um, we still pray for our enemies and for those that we dislike. Okay, for various reasons, uh, we might dislike them, but God calls us to pray for them and also to love them. Remember, uh, this might be kind of a by-the-way thing, but I, I think it's important. Love does not demonstrate itself simply because the person is lovable. And, you know, all we have to do to reflect on that is, is look at God's love for sinners. Is there anything worthy or deserving of sinners that God loves them? And the answer, of course, is no. And yet, what does he do? He continues to love. Uh, God so loved the world, John 3, 16, um, and the like. And this is love, not that we love God, but the, that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. So, you know, thinking of all this, I mean, it does have to do with prayer, right? And it does have to do with the times that we're living in currently as well. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, the early Christian martyrs, for example, um, they kept to their faith that they loved their enemies and uh, to such a degree that, that many, uh, many of their persecutors, or at least uh, more than a few, became Christian. You know, and I wonder, I mean, I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit already. 
I didn't open my mouth. <laughs> it's not your fault. Uh, this time. Yeah. But but you know, just you know, how many are asking about, you know, like in the early church, why are you doing this? You know, yeah. non Christians would ask Christians, why are you doing this? Why are you suffering? Wouldn't it be easier just to, you know, light that candle and for the emperor? You know, um, and you know, they, they Christians were given kind of this uh, you know, this test and if they passed it then they were okay, but if not then they were tortured and you know, they suffered. And one was simply, okay, light a candle to the emperor, you know, kind of thing. And some did, but many didn't, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, are, are people asking that today, well, why are the Christians still gathering? Why are the Christians saying this? Why are the Christians loving those who are um, not worthy of being loved and so on and so forth? I wonder, just a hypothetical, but it is practical too, how many are saying that at the Christian church today? You know, speaking the truth when it's not politically correct to do that. Can I say that? Politically correct. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and people just uh, aren't getting it. But, um, anyway, let's uh, let's continue. Open to James chapter 1. And my, my plan today is uh, at least, uh, you know, before break uh, to, uh, to uh, review this and... Uh, Maybe perhaps another slide or two, and then uh, get into some Luther about what he says concerning prayer for this large category, which I, I think does uh, is uh, uh, relevant to uh, the study of the prayer of the church, but also greatly relevant for our day as well. Okay, so uh, James chapter one. Could someone read verses 5 through 8? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Okay, so what what is the what is the uh, the request here referred to uh, for uh, with reference to prayer? Lack of wisdom. Yeah, lack of wisdom. And uh, you know it, it's 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 written right here, but sometimes uh, you know with uh, you know the the catechesis uh, that we're using with the adults as well as uh, with with the younger people. Um, we're looking at scripture and oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll, we'll read a little bit and then we'll stop and talk about it, right? Another method in catechesis is kind of question and answer. So, you know, uh, sometimes, okay, so what is the main thing that is being asked here uh, or asked for? Wisdom. Um, let him ask who? God, right? And then, you know, because that's a way of uh, teaching, a, a, a way of training and uh Drawing attention to the text itself, you know, um, I don't know if you guys, if you find this, but especially in the public square, but even in church, so often there will be references to the Bible, but they're completely taken out of context. Yes. You know, um, and, and it's taken out of context in such a way that it benefits the speaker and doesn't really 
get at what God himself is revealing in his word. Yeah. Well, speaking of context, like that open window, and context here I think is important. Verse uh, <coughs> 4, especially verse 3, where it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Um, the idea of verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, I think a lot of us in our life will say, why, Lord? Right. Yeah. Okay, we're, we, we're kind of without answers. Yeah. And that usually is prompted because we're going through difficult times. And so the context there says, you know, verse 2, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials or, or challenges. So, um, you know, it's not just wisdom, like make me smarter, right. but rather helping in faith to tie into his will. Yeah. You know, in that regard, right? Yeah, I, well, and I'm, I'm thinking one of the examples that we'll be looking at in just a, in just a bit is, is Solomon's prayer. You know, which you know, I mean, you might not call that a trial, um, but he does ask for discernment. Right. You know, because he he finds himself, you know, not uh, not not as strong in that area. Perhaps, you know, uh, you know, somewhat weak and needing needing assistance, needing yeah. help. Being in touch with our weaknesses. Right, yeah. And, and you know, I was almost going to say, you know, you read that, count it all, join my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds. And I don't want to swim in, you know, that a gut reaction is, what? <laughs> you know, what the heck is going on here? Count it all joys, you know. And then Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are they, blessed are you when they persecute you. Yeah. You know, and say all kinds of evil yeah. things against you on account of me. And then, you know, um, for suffering, um, you know, for true godly suffering, uh, I encourage you to read Peter's letters, First and Second Peter. Um, and uh, you know, the, the, again, you know, God has a, a uh, how should I say? He's 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 on a different plane, or His word is on a different plane than we are. You know, we think of suffering. Oh, I have to deal with this, and it may be suffering, but the kind of suffering that that God reveals in His word. That comes among Christians is not merely physical. Yeah. We pray, Thy will be done in the Lord's Prayer. And we end parts of prayer with, If it be Thy will. And it's, it's not only for bad things, but going back to John 3.16, God wants us to be saved. And that part of his will, you know, we all agree with. But uh, being but human, we just... Yeah. How he answers that is received only by one who has faith. Uh, because, you know, we, we might pray, take this away, take that away, make, make life easier. And, and God essentially says no. And, uh, he does that for our good. Right? I, I mean... You know, Paul speaks of this way, crucifying the sinful flesh. You know, Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know, I, I kind of tend to think that uh, part of that denying self also is very related to what we encounter in life. Not good. 
you know, as we see it, not good, but in God's eyes, this is a means of purifying, right? I mean, so, you know, he talks about, you know, iron or, or silver being purified, right? Getting the impurities out of the, uh, out of the metals, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we, we, we say trial by fire, but, but uh, you know, how much one is strengthened by that. You know, uh, someone had mentioned earlier about uh, nurses getting the vaccines with, you know, the huge, you know, muscular, right? Uh, but how does one get stronger? Vaccines. <laughs> Practice. Well, exercise. Well, exercise. You know, you work out. You, the worst. You know, you're, you're uh, maybe, you know, you know, I, I never served in the military. I, I, I probably said that before. But, you know, it's amazing the transformations from what I understand that can take place in a 12-week period of time. Is that 12 weeks? Is that usually depends on what branch? Depending, depending on the service. Yeah, okay. Air Force is eight weeks. Yeah, they got okay. okay, I'm not talking about them. <laughs> no, but, but uh, you know, just the, the, the change that can take place in just a minimal amount of time. You know, when, when you have to change basically everything that you've done in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So you're eating. It's all irregular, right? You're you're uh, you're 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 stressing out your body pretty much almost 24/7, right? You know, uh, not getting sleep, from what I understand. Right? It's true, yeah. Um, you know, being at the ready, and you know, so you're training your body, um, but but where you started is very different from where where you end up afterwards. Your thinking changes too. Yeah. And you get haircuts. <laughs> your, your thinking changes completely unless you're already a, uh, a military person. ROTC, you're probably already there. Pardon? If you are ROTC, you were probably already on that Perhaps. mindset. But, but uh, you know, it's, you know, I, the, the, the point is, you know, how does one grow? You know, and, and you know, I, I think many will, will say this, um, academics, you know, we'll, we'll, and, and others too that uh, are aware of these things will say that the greater growth takes place with disappointment than it does success. Sometimes you have to go to rock bottom, I guess, too. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like you fail a you, you fail a test, for example, if you're in school, you fail a test, and, and you might think, you know, oh gosh, I'm so bad, you know, um, and and some will just kind of wallow in their sorrow and their grief, you know, there's nothing I can do, or others. For example, they'll 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 use that as kind of like okay, this is a kick in the pants for me. You know, I'm I'm going to apply myself more greatly. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what's amazing with with this is you know um, you know we do pray Thy will be done, O Lord. We pray His kingdom come um, and the like. And I was almost wanting to say we have to be careful with that though. Um, you know, I, I've heard it said before. Uh, you be careful about praying for patience. Oh, no. <laughs> but on whose end are we talking from? We're talking from our own end. Um, you know, but what would what would God have us pray for? Right? I mean, that's the question. So then, you know, saying you know, you know, Thy will be done, and then placing ourselves as Luther does in in. The, the morning and evening prayer into your hands I commend myself, as all Christians will do. Um, it can be a scary thing because um, because God has a plan sometimes, often, but we don't. You know, and, and, and God knows what he's doing even though we do not. 
right? I mean, and, and his will is far greater than ours, and he knows what he's doing, even though, you know, we think we know what we're doing, you know, going this way, doing that thing, uh, and the like. Um, and, and by the way, this would also apply to the church, too. Um, compromise is never the answer when it comes to the truth of, of God's word. You know, and, and yet, and, and I, I, I am kind of, uh, you know, the, the way that the, the things are going today, I, I just wonder how many congregations, how many church bodies, how many pastors and, and, and Christians are going to stand firm in their faith on Christ. Because uh, there's, uh, there's been a lot of compromise over the last 20 years. Fourth out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what? What is what is truly valuable and what is priceless is the Word of God. And you know um, that's where we take our stand. And you know we we we've we've, we've said this. Uh, you know, and, and this is part of our proclamation. But it, it it's not based on numbers. It's based on God Himself and His Word and His grace and His mm-hmm. mercy. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and, and that also applies to prayer, too. Um, who was, you remember uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, um, who was told by Samuel uh, to wait for him. I think it was, was it Gibeon. Uh, he was to wait, and uh, he didn't. He was supposed to wait a certain time until Samuel came, and, and he was like, I'm you know, ad-libbing here. He was looking at his watch. <laughs> you know, okay, uh, he's, he's not here. I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice. Yeah, that was a bad move. And that was the first time that, that it's recorded, from from what I recall, in, in Scripture, when he goes against what God says through the prophet Samuel. The second time, just as bad, um, you know, is, is when, uh, when Samuel said, okay, wait in this uh, certain place, and uh, by the way, um, demolish the Amalekites. Do away with them, everything. Don't keep anything for yourself. Kill the king. You know, you know, uh, destroy them completely. And Saul took it upon himself not to. And he used the justification in his mind of keeping the best booty for sacrifice and offering to God. And, and Samuel, uh, you know, comes and the, the memorable phrase is something like, uh, you know, uh, I hear the bleeding of sheep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear the bleeding of sheep. And uh, he was pretty ticked, I think. Um, and certainly God was, you know, and he confronts Saul to his face and he says, what did God tell you to do? How come you haven't done it? And then he said, much like Aaron did before him, well, the people did this. Um, yes, but you have charge and authority over the people. Much like Adam did. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's not, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not like he had, uh, I, I guess I want to say, you know, he may have had good intentions about offering to God the best thing, the, the best things that he found, but the problem was God told him not to do that. You know, in the same way, you know, when we look at, uh, we, we talked about uh, Genesis 3 last night, uh, you know, concerning the fall. And, you know, some would say, well, why would God punish them in such a way because they ate fruit? I mean, 
you guys eat apples and just grapes and yeah, yeah, it's just an apple, right? But that was not the issue. The issue was that God said, "Don't do it," and they did it, right? So you know, we we don't worship God our own way. We worship the way that He demands that we be worshipped. If we don't understand, so even if we don't understand it, so you know, Luther, um, you know, comments in his. Uh, in his large catechism on baptism, I think it is, you know, if, if God had if God had given us straw to use instead of water, or another element, um, then that would be the sacrament attached with the word, or the element attached with the word that makes a sacrament, because it's not dependent on us; it's dependent on His word, right? I mean, water by itself is just what water. But with the word of God, it becomes a blessed means of grace, means of forgiveness. All right. So uh, we're not done with James yet, by the way. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, and, and this is in the context of uh, trial, and, and perhaps also, you know, with, with reference uh, for uh, you know suffering and, and uh, trials of all kinds, lacking wisdom is to recognize that hey. I think a part of this is, is, is also to be able to say, you know, God is not punishing me because of any particular sin. As if, okay, I've got to change this sin, and then God is going to start loving me again. Because I, I think there there is that quite prevalency of, uh, of belief that, okay, if I'm sick, if I'm in the hospital, it's because of what I've done. Right? Um and yet, for the Christian, we know that all punishment, all punishment, and not just the punishment of, of sins before baptism, as the Catholics teach, uh, but all sin has been taken care of in who? So that means if I'm in the hospital, um, you know, with, with this ailment, it's not because God is judging me uh, because I did this or because I did that. Now, this is a different thing than if, if someone is in the hospital because they smoked for 30 years. I, I've heard, maybe you've heard that too, kind of a side note, but some will say, why is God doing this to me? <laughs> and you want to say, God didn't do this to you, you did this to me. And, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of hard to hear. It's probably hard to say too, depending on the, on the relationship. Um, but, but, but again, you know, what has God said, what has he not said? And I, I was reminded just recently of this, what has God promised, what has he not promised? Um, so I, I was uh, responding to, uh, to someone uh, recently who, uh, who basically, I, I don't know if they're Christian, uh, but, uh, but they, were, they were stating essentially that uh, they, they, they had suffered in their life. I think their mom died or her mom died years ago, you know, and there was anger and bitterness towards God. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think uh, there, there is, there, there are those who are angry at God for this or for that. Um, but at the same time, when we say, thy will be done, we're also including that in there too, right? I mean, so if this person dies or if he lives, it's not up to me. It's not up to us. And, and we believe God to be gracious and merciful um, even if that person does suffer and die, right? I mean, 
And even that person who is suffering and dying, as they're Christian, they also believe that too. Why? Because Christ himself suffered and died. Because of the promise given. And, and, and my part of the response to uh, this individual was, God has not promised us a griefless and a sorrowless life. Remember what he said to his disciples? And maybe this isn't the time to say this because of our circumstance with the government and, and fear, right? But I, I think it's a perfect place. And that is, you know, when Jesus says to his disciples in the world, you will have tribulation. But what does he say after that? But be of good cheer. I will overcome the world. You know, and in, 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 in uh, 1 John chapter 5, the evangelist says, uh, this is what has overcome the world, our faith. But not a nebulous, vacuous faith, but one that is centered on Christ Jesus, who is, by the way, coming again at his own time. And in the meantime, while he is, uh, you know, uh, absent, at least, uh, you know, in such a way before he returns, uh, what is our confidence? What is our hope? Not only that he is returning, but also in what he gives us daily now, right? His word, his mercy, uh, his, his grace and favor. Let's, uh, let's, uh, so he gives, God gives generally to all without reproach. Uh, but notice the emphasis here in verse 6, asking in faith. Now, uh, in, in terms of prayer, uh, prayer is not saying, God, give me this, or I'm not going to believe. Years ago, I, I heard of some uh, some students who, uh, who were not Christian, and yet then they claimed to have prayed, and they got an A on a test, and they said, oh, now I believe in God, because he gave me an A on this test. I, I really, truly hope that there's more to it than that. Um, because I, I, I think we're, we're kind of geared in that direction. If God answers me and gives me what I want, then he must be true, right? Then he must be my God and favorable towards me. Um, but that's that's all, you know, in, in one's mind, you know, they're at peace with God. But what happens when when, when, when the, the building crashes? What happens when the rain falls? And you know this, right? When it rains, it pours. Yeah. What happens at those times? You know, that the temptation is to say, well, God loves me if things are going well. Or when things are going well, I know God loves me. But when things are going not so well, yeah. I mean, we, we still confess that, right, because of, because of Christ. Uh, but there are those who say that, well, you know, all this is happening. God must not love me too much. Um, but, uh, you know, perhaps we also ask for the wisdom without knowing it that um, even when things are not going the way that we would like them to, but they're going the way that God, um, in, his, uh, in his merciful will, um, and also according to his hidden will, uh, you know, to us, uh, we know that God is doing what he does for our good, that we remain in the faith. Um, I had a professor, and you... Um, uh, and, and he's deceased now. He, he was the one who wrote the commentary on Revelation. I don't know if you ever had a chance Louis to have Bright. Professor Brighton. Yes. Um, Outstanding. I, I had him for a number of classes at, at the seminary. And 
I remember him saying this in, in one of the classes, and it was startling then, and it's kind of startling now, but I, I think there's uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, good that comes from it. And he said, um, of his kids, he, he actually prayed, he said he prayed every night, and he was one, and he was one in particular compared to other seminary professors, I think, because I had him for a number of classes. He said, he seemed to say this similar things in different classes. You know, and, and uh, ask me about it later. He said some, some really wild things too. Uh, good things, but you know, really shocking. Uh, but one of the things that he was mentioning was uh, every night he would pray that his children would remain in the faith, but if they were tempted to lose their faith, then he actually prayed that the Lord take them before they lose their faith. And I mean, you could you could see. I mean, if you've ever looked at the commentary, Revelation commentary, or if if, if you've known him or, or or heard about him, I'm sure there's uh, probably audio from issues, etc., and, and some other places uh, with him on there. But you could see the the intensity, the uh, you know, the uh, the love that he had for God and for truth. You know, and and to pray that Lord, if it's Your will, you know, take the child before he loses faith. Um, it, it just it, it's really striking because when we pray thy will be done I mean that then encompasses more than just right what's right in front of us you know and uh, you know who knows I mean I, I don't want to you know say speak as a prophet here but what we're facing as a society could it be God's will I'm not sure what I was watching. Charlie was watching it with me. It was one of the news, the conservative news, I think. That and they said that there's more, actually, more Christians in China than non-Christians. That very well could be. And I mean, that's God's will. And you know, God's will is to to do that here too, to change people. I'm not sure how. Yeah, and and uh, I I think. Uh, who was it? Uh, well, actually, Luther, um, you know, before he was converted, um, he was still Catholic, but before he was converted, um, you know, he reports that at the rustling of a leaf, his conscience would be struck. Because he was so burdened by the law. And uh, it, it wasn't until, you know, when he, when he uh, you know, when he believed the gospel that all of that weight was lifted. And uh, it, it's it's amazing how how often and, and it, it, it demonstrates the um, you know the tenacity and the uh, you know the, the the greatness of our sin and our arrogance and pride mm -hmm. um, that we have to be beaten as we do uh, in in order to to recognize that it's not about us. It, it, it's centered on God for us in Christ. You know, salvation, you know, I mean, so many people think that they can do it themselves. They can't. You know, and, uh, you know, I, you know, mentioning uh, hitting rock bottom. Um, in my understanding, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, and the other Anonymouses, we say that, you know, fill in the blank before. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, don't, don't most of them, you know, say that before you can improve, 
you have to hit rock bottom. You have to realize you need to. Yeah. And and you know in in, in the you know using the Bible, what else is that except you know being being struck by the law saying no you can't do this. Mm-hmm. You are condemned. You are judged. You don't deserve anything but God's judgment and wrath. Uh, remember in, in uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached that sermon. They were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized. Yeah. Uh, I think our country's in that place where they have hit rock bottom before it was back. I think the depression brought a lot of people back to God. You know, they got to where they couldn't depend on the government. They couldn't depend on yeah. So they, they yeah. turned to God. And I think the time probably coming again that people will turn back to God. I, I, I pray so. Um, I, I just wish, wish we weren't so hard on Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it, yeah, you know, and it's, you know, thinking of, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's it's really easy to, to, to fear, I think, about what might be, you know, especially when, you know, because media, you know, even if, even the, the right media, and I, I don't mean, uh, I, I mean opposed to the left. Right. You know the, uh, you know the the more conservative, uh, rather than the more liberal, um, what they say, um, you know, can can cause a great deal of concern too. The other direction, right? Um, so you know, what about uh, what do they call them preppers? You know, like well, there's there's going to be a time when when uh, you know the electric grid is going to shut down and there's going to be pandemic and okay, so we have to start stockpiling in our homes and. Yeah. You know, there there are the extremists. I, I think in, in both directions, right? Um, but uh, you know, God calls us, and and, and again, I, I think wisdom is needed here. Um, God calls us to continue to believe His promises, but at the same time, not take for granted the gifts that He has given and the preparations potentially to be made. You know, uh, and the like. Uh, I remember a time. Years ago, and actually I should, shouldn't say I remember because I really don't because I didn't live through them. Um, but in the earlier uh, years of our church body, wasn't there a time when uh, when insurance was seen, you know, purchasing insurance was seen as a lack of trust in God? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> right? Well, they, the church in the church was against insurance yeah. years ago. Yeah. You mentioned Luther. And the movies show him in the Greek, and he reads, The just shall live by his faith. It's an epiphany. He realized the whole thing right there from that one phrase. I can read, The just shall live by the faith. Yeah, sure. Okay, what's next? You know, it just doesn't hit me the way it hit him. So I don't know if that's uh, dramatic license. That's just you, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't worry, Earl. Earl, it doesn't hit you that way because you didn't grow up as a Catholic, constantly doing penance and wondering if it was enough. I think that's why it yeah. hit him in that way because he kept thinking he had to make all that up. And, and oh, yeah wipe out for his sins and as a Baptist person 
they don't have that same emphasis. I mean, it's a terrible burden. Are you saying you're equal? I'm saying people that didn't grow up Catholics. It also has to do with language, too, because, you know, we kind of, I, I think, generally speaking, we take for granted, you know, just. We take for granted faith. You know, um, even by live and buy, we take for granted these things. I mean, we're, we, 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 you know, for many of us, we were raised Christian, you know, uh, somewhat, and the like, yeah. Um, but the just shall live by faith, yeah. Um, if, if you go by, you know, what did he um, understand concerning the just or the word righteous? You know, those who do good, not those that are good, right? So, I mean, there's a difference, right? You know, so so the belief in the Catholic Church, and correct me if I'm wrong um, on this, but, you know, there, there was this um, ideal, you know, that, that you were saved by grace, but this grace moved you also to do good works. So essentially, you were saved by God's grace by what he had done, but you had something to do too. You had a part to play in it as well. Um, and uh, the belief then, as well as I, I think in, in large degree, I mean, still today, of course, in the Catholic Church, but in other areas of, of, of Christendom, as a whole, the, the you know, to speak of a righteous God, you know, is not only to be speaking of a perfect God, uh, but that one um, who demands righteousness, and this is the, and he does demand righteousness. But the way that it was understood by uh, by Luther and uh, others then, as well as now, is that you know the the righteousness of God is the righteousness of God also to judge and to condemn. Whereas Luther came to the conclusion by reading scripture that the righteousness of God is the righteousness that God freely gives for Christ's sake. God is a just God. He does judge. He does punish. But the righteousness of God, um, you know, prevalently is that uh, righteousness by which God also gives or declares. And I'm speaking justification objectively given. You know, um, and, and very different. Um, you know, so he came across those words, and and he saw God as an angry God. Yeah. He didn't love him at all. And uh, I, 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 for one, am thankful for his openness. For his openness. You know, in terms of you know, like I remember this in, in Roland Bayton's uh, "Here I Stand." Uh, you know, book. He, he says, "I hated God." I mean, how could I love a God that is so unmerciful? uncharitable and demands what I cannot do and uh, all non-Christians uh, and, um, and I'm including in here uh, in the, that definition of unchristian those who claim to be Christian but have no faith and confidence in Christ it, it's still all about what they do to God or before God and uh, th that's what's so disheartening because even now you know uh, you know I, I, I've heard on some stations anyway, um, you know, okay, so what's next? What are we going to do now? You know, uh, namely conservatives, but Christians might say that too. Well, are we going to do anything different than what we've done for the last thousands, couple thousands of years? Believe in God, trust in Him, <laughs> keep doing what He says to do, love your neighbor, love your enemy, 
Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Crazy stuff, right? Uh, but that's what God would have us do. And, and you know, it's not about reinventing the wheel. The wheel is already there. It's, it's perhaps using it. Yeah. Well, those of us that have loving fathers that disciplined us, we can understand the discipline that people that are raised, even their fathers may be loving fathers, but they don't discipline their children. It's hard for them to understand. And of course, now today, it's many to know even had a father figure in the house. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a different world. Yeah. These kids coming up now, it's a lot harder for them to understand faith. And, and just to clarify, I, I did not mean that we, we, we keep doing the status quo thing either. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking like in our education systems. Um, and they're like, I'm, I'm not, you know, that, that needs to be changed, but it doesn't start from the top down. We need to, we need to start with our school board and have them yeah. put all the books on display that they're teaching in the schools. Yeah. But, you know, that that's part of the issue, though, too, I, I think because uh, school boards and others, I mean, they, they have a, a different ideology, you know, well, and, I say and thought, that they, they need to put everything out that they're teaching so that yeah. people that want to find out what's going on in their schools can just walk in and, and yeah. look over and see and talk. Yeah, and, so, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There were so many things that were just starting to turn right, correctly, like education, you know, the parents being aware of things from education, yeah. what was being taught, and yeah. and um, making sure that history is taught and that we remember right. history, and yeah. you know, all those things. And we thought, boy, you know, we're getting this all straightened out. Yeah. And then, boom. And but at least we're more aware of all that, and we right. learned a lot. And and I, I think you know I, I'll, I'll cover this in you know basically. Uh, I'll say two things with what I'm referring to, and that's speaking the truth. Not your truth, not my truth, but the truth. Um, and then calling sin, sin, calling good, evil, or calling good, good, and evil, evil. You know, let, let's be honest and upfront about what's really going on. Education's went downhill ever since they yeah. done away with small schools and consolidated the schools yeah. with a local school board had pretty much controlled what was taught in the schools and, and it, the community was involved in the, in the small schools. Everybody knew each other. The, the one-room school, the older kids went home and told what was being taught to the younger kids. And everybody knew what was going on. Right. Yeah. All right, one last thing and then uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at James 5 after the break. Uh, but notice in, in James 1, we're still there, um, but uh, notice that, the, you know, let him ask in faith, verse 6, with no doubting. And then he gives an illustration, the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, right? Notice also, you know, how, how James admonishes, uh, you know, those who have that, uh, who have the lack of faith or who don't have faith, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from you know, uh, in, in, I think it's in Hebrews, um, he says that uh, one who uh, believes in God or, or believes in, or one who, who prays to God must believe that he is. Yes. Right? I mean, that's fairly clear. I mean, it's not a, um, God, if you're there, if you hear me, knock, knock. <laughs> you know, that's not faith. 
Um, faith is a confident trust in what God has promised and what God has given. Right? So, you know, we, we think of Abraham, for example. God told Abraham in, in Genesis 12, you know, go to uh, this land. And what does Abraham do? He doesn't stomp off and go in the other direction like Jonah did. But, I mean, that's the amazing thing about Jonah is that God still used him. He went the other way, and, and God said, no, you're going where I'm telling you to go, right? Um, even like with Moses, too. God calls Moses, remember, take off your sandals because the place you're standing is holy ground. And uh, he says, okay, I'm going to send you to the Israelites, and you're going to speak to Pharaoh, and you're going to get, you know, you're going to lead them out of the out of the, the land of Egypt. Who am I? I can't speak. That's what he said, right? Well, you brother. Right, and and then God says, who gave the mouth? And he still said, I, I, I don't want to do this. And I'm paraphrasing. And then he says, is it your brother coming? Your brother Aaron? He's going to speak for you, but you're going to go. Right? And yet God also provided him with the gifts and the abilities. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, when did Moses leave Egypt, do you recall? Was it when he was about 40? Yeah, I think that's right. He left when he was about 40. And he was trained, he was he was brought up in Pharaoh's house. Which would have been given him the best education in the land. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he knew, right? I mean, he knew how to speak. I, I don't know if they took oratory, you know, speaking and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but, but I'm sure he had various gifts that way. Um, and, uh, you know, that could be seen as a means of training then, you know, to be used uh, later by God in that way. So um, we'll continue with James 5 uh, after break. Um, so maybe around 11.05 or so. I don't know exactly what time it happened, but I read that Biden's been sworn in. It's done. Has he? It's done. So it's too late to watch that? Is it able to get through the... With, I also read that it says a lot about your democracy when you have to have 30,000 troops to guard a change in regime. They're so afraid. Maybe, maybe there's something there. Yeah. Well, but, and, and, yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you See, I don't have them in my locker, but I'm going to order them, and then I'm going to give it to Cindy. Oh. I didn't read them yet, but I read like enough pages in the missive that I like to read. Norm? What's this thing? This is a good picture shot. Mm -hmm. We were saying that when we came in, we're more afraid of Kamala. Yeah. I think they probably 
You think that's right? Sylvia would be insulted that we're putting the baby in donuts and cinnamon rolls. Oh, we've done that before. Oh, really? Insulted. Well, it ain't the first bite. They get along with each other and they just they Oh, yeah. Look in the hole there. What do you see? Charlie's role is having a baby. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he won't be here next week and here will Stop eating it right there and pretend that it's you're full and yeah, you put didn't it back out. Put it back in Now, what's your excuse for not being here next week? <laughs> oh, that's a good excuse. <laughs> I thought that baby was under stress. <laughs> Babies are pretty stressful. <laughs> when they can be as spoiled as children. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> they can. I'm starting to wonder if the Rogensmith website has just given and shots to everybody that registers. Which is, I think, a fine thing. They're asking information about insurance. Yeah, yeah. I thought this thing was free. It is. Then why do they want insurance? Well, I think they file with your insurance. And if the insurance is free, there's insurance forms. But you don't have to pay any co-pay or anything. And if you don't have insurance, it's good. What was it? The other thing I was going to say about the schools. Put all my dirtiest parents in the schools. I'm on. I'm registered for it. And they said, don't call us. We'll do Yeah, that's what I I Like cinnamon rolls. 
It was like the center and roll dough, and you divide it in three and you grate it and turn it around, and it tastes just like the cinnamon roll. And then you put the frosting and stuff. I thought, I think I'll just make some cinnamon rolls and frost them and put the sprinkles on. So it's wet in the you weren't able to enter pertinent information like, you know, you know, my health conditions. But I don't yeah. think they're looking at that. I think they're strictly using it. Sure. <laughs> I would have too, because I've been listening to everything
in any way or shape of the term. Uh, but I want to start actually at verse 13 uh, of, uh, of James chapter 5. Again, quite relevant. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, I would suggest to you that this does not necessarily mean that one who is sick and then prays is going to immediately get better. They may, in fact, end up dying. But that does not mean God has not answered the prayer. Right? I mean, save, you know, we'll save the one who is sick. Save is not, is not only meant in a physical way, right? But eternally saved. Right? I mean, th this is what's so profound in, in, in a number of the Gospels where Jesus heals somebody and, uh, and he'll actually say, your faith has made you well. That's, that's the English translation. But the literal is, your faith has saved you. Um, which kind of gives a bigger picture then than just, you know, getting over that flu or that COVID, or, you know, uh, that cancer. Um, this has to do with eternal life. You know, which, uh, remember before the fall, was there any sickness? No. There was no death. There was no disease. Um, so, you know, you know, God healing, Jesus healing people was a, a foretaste of what was to come. You know, when, uh, when, when, uh, when the Lord returns, and we rejoice in the new kingdom, there will be no sickness, no pain, no suffering. Um, so that's restored, you know, to uh, to what it was before the fall. Okay? Um, so continuing, the Lord will raise him up. Uh, that seems to have the connotation of resurrection too, doesn't it? Yeah. Raise him up. Um you know, and I, I could see how, uh, you know, some will say, well, save the sick, make them better. And then also, uh, just on a physical level, and we'll raise them up, we'll make them feel better about himself, you know, kind of thing. That's not what Scripture is talking about. Yeah, Pastor, please. Uh, I'd like to, particularly from a pastoral vantage point, you know, after kind of doing that vocation for a few years, to emphasize what he says in verse 14, let him call for the elders. Because time and again, you hear about people say, well, nobody ever called on me, and I was down and out, or I was sick, or I was in the hospital, yeah. and nobody visited me. And that's sad, and that's unfortunate on occasion, but sometimes, you, pastor's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. And sometimes you need to call the pastor. You tell him, inform him, I'm going into the hospital, I'd like a visit. You know, or I'm going through some tough times at home. I need a visit. Come, come visit me, or call the elders. You know, and I, I include the pastor with the, the, the elders. Yeah. yeah. You know, so whether the lay elder or the clergy elder. Yes. Don't sit around waiting yep. for you know somebody to just show up at your door. I mean, you know, if your cable's you know TV is on the blank, you don't wait for the guy to just maybe show up and fix it. Do you? <laughs> so you got to call them. And say my cable's on the blank. Yeah. 
So he called the pastor, let him know, and yeah. informed him. Don't just wait around. Could could this uh, could what you're saying be uh, kind of contrary to this individualistic way of handling things? You know, individualistic in the sense of okay, I, some some will say, well, I can manage this myself. Yeah. You know, I mean that's that's another component, but but also I don't need to ask for help. You know, or or you know, if if if, if, if they love me, then they'll call. You know, kind of thing. Um, and uh, you know, that's kind of an extension, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, the, the Christian church, uh, there's a reason why, like, Paul makes reference to the, 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 uh, the church as the body of Christ. Not one member, but many members. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, not this is not a theological term, but just keeping in touch, right? Uh, not only from the pastor to the people, but also perhaps to the people so blunt as to say, Pastor, would you say a prayer with me now? You know, sometimes, you know, the pastor will offer to say a prayer, but I, I love that when people would ask me, would you say a prayer, Pastor? Just cry out and say it. Yeah. You know, ask for the prayer. Especially, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about this, and I'm thinking of some of the people that have not shown up just because of COVID. We haven't heard from them. You know, it's,
I'm, I'm imagining that there were Christians in Germany at the time of, uh, in, in the 1940s. And you have war going on, and, and you know, so you have American Christians praying that the Lord give them their victory. And then you had German Christians who were praying, Lord, give us a victory. Um, you know, you know, some some will speak that way with reference to football games too, right? Yeah. <laughs> or baseball, which which doesn't work. Yeah, anytime, it, we know, anytime you've got two people in conflict, somebody's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know the, the the thought is, you know, some would say, well, we won, so that must have been God's will. Yeah. As if to say that they knew God's will. <laughs> you know, and, and the like. Uh, but but really <coughs> placing placing our hands into into God's care and keeping means just that. Even if we lose, what difference does it make? Right. I mean, we still win. Right. I mean. And Luther kind of expressed it this way. This is, I, I think, from, I think, from uh, two kinds. Of, a, a treatise called Two Kinds of Righteousness," or actually, it, it could be the freedom of the Christian um, that he wrote this. But, but uh, you know, he comments. And I'm paraphrasing, but he comments: one in a jail cell is not imprisoned. Say that again, please. One in a jail cell who is Christian is not imprisoned. Right. His body is, but his soul is not. And which is the greater, right? You know, um, and, and I'm, I'm reflective of, uh, you know, the, the last few words of, uh, I think it's the, is it the first line of a mighty fortress? You know, let them take my, what, my wife, my home. Mm -hmm. I forget the exact wording. But uh, let them take all that is mine. God remains God. And, uh, those those words uh, I, I believe uh, are to be heard, you know, at, at all times. Not just when things are going the way we like them to go, um, but even when they're not, because God again remains God, regardless. And 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 you know, consider the disciples of our Lord on Good Friday. What did they see? What did they experience? There, you know, I asked, what did they feel? Um, but what did they know? Right, the one who you know we, we hear of this with the on the with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We thought this guy was the Messiah, and he did wonderful things. Um, and then there's this strange report that his body was not in the tomb. Right? He almost wanted to knock him on the head. <laughs> Do you remember that Jesus told you this, right? Um, but uh, they were they were literally down and out. They they literally placed all their eggs in one basket. And they thought the basket was broken. They were human. They were human, yeah. Hey, we are too, aren't we? <laughs> you know, and, and remember Jesus says to them, do not fear. It is I. Jesus says that to us too, doesn't he? Uh, so, so this is not the time to, to stay away from church, regardless of a pandemic and the like, but even more so to be in church and hearing the word, being fed with the bread of life. All right, let's, uh, let's look to uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, Old Testament, <clears throat> uh, often referred to as uh, the history section or a part of the history section of, uh, of the Old Testament. 
First Kings chapter three. We've got a, a, a few more verses to read here. Put that back. Can we start with uh, Wayne over here with verse three, and we'll work ourselves around to verse fifteen. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense in high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in unrighteousness of heart with you. You have committed this great kindness for him. You have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. Therefore give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And we hear, um, you know, of course, that God. Oh, not the other way. No, my eyes are deceiving me. Go ahead. Verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. You asked for this, God answered, and you didn't ask for a long life or riches or the death of your enemies, but you asked to be able to understand how to be just and give him judgment. Behold, I have done according to your words. She has given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no evil among And if you will walk in my ways and keep my statutes, my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offering and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So he had dreamed this, uh, but in the dream, what does he ask for of God? Wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah. And, and notice, it, it, what, what's intriguing to me is it is not Solomon who said, Lord, give me according to your will what you desire. It was God who said, what can I give you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he gave him that wisdom. Uh, you know, everything was in the Lord's hands. And, uh, and, and we see also that the Lord gave blessings that Solomon had not asked for. Right, so he asked for discernment, he asked for wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, but the Lord also gave him uh, riches and uh, and uh, the certainty of his uh, of his kindness to him. Okay, and then immediately after, of course, then there's this, an account which is really profound um, of uh, of a demonstration of the Lord's wisdom given to Solomon, you know, which which really stands out. Uh, 
because uh, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, if you go to the courts, they'd be arguing this for, for ages, probably. Yep. But, uh, but he just says what he says, yeah. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy will be done. But that's not enough for us. We want to know what to do. And to know what to do or to say is wisdom. Right. And, and you know, one of the classes I teach is, uh, is it's called uh, Calling, Christian vo on Christian Vocation. And, and the majority of the students actually think that you have to know what God wants you to do in order to be doing it. Um, and and, and it's, it's in the sense of vocation, but, you know, I mean, you don't have to ask a mom, um, you know, do you know that, uh, uh, do you know what it means to be a mom? Or do you have to know what it means to be a mom to be a mom or dad? You just kind of do it, right? I mean, you mess up along the way, but you also learn a lot of stuff along the way too, right? You know, um, but, but this idea, and I, I've, I've uh, you know, commented on this uh, quite often, I think, but this idea that we have to know what God's purpose is in our life to, to do it, that's false. Um, you know, the, the small catechism of, of, of Dr. Luther says it very clearly, as does scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the, the essence of the commandments is love. What is my purpose? Love. To love others. How do you do that? Well, if you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're a citizen, you know, uh, you know towards your enemy and, and so on and so forth. You know, similar things are going on. I mean, that that word love encompasses all of it, right? Um, you know, another component of this, uh, in, in terms of, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say another component of this is uh, thinking that uh, only, only, or if, if I don't know my purpose in order that God wants to use me this way, then I've got to find it out, and that becomes kind of the goal. Yeah. And once you find it, okay, now what? Because I know what I'm supposed to do, um, but you know, uh, to, to many I, 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 uh, I give these words that it's it's not about trying to find out what you're supposed to do. It's doing what's right in front of you. You know, so uh, you know we can talk about years ahead, but but that's not the only or the primary concern of the Christian. It's the here and now, and uh, you know, with, with reference to prayer too. Um, and, and that's why, you know, you, you probably know this already, but what are what, what is uh, what are the three ways that God answers prayer? Yes, no, and wait. Yeah, wait, not yet, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I kind of surmise that that oftentimes God has answered our prayer, but we keep praying for it because we don't want to we don't want to accept don't like the answer. answer. That you, you know, um, why are we so Dare I say stupid? <laughs> fallen. At least I want to say that about myself. But yeah, we, we are fallen. We're, we're fallen creatures. We're poor, miserable sinners. Uh, and have you ever noticed that, that, that sometimes God just kind of, he, he'll kind of tap you on your shoulder sometimes, but sometimes he just knocks you over. Yeah. As long as like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, for the sake of time, I... And this is, a, this is a appropriate. Let's look at Daniel. And yes, we will be looking at one of the uh, the, the uh, 
the more memorable accounts of Daniel. <coughs> Specifically before he's thrown in the in the in the den of lions. So let me set this up by just way of reminder. There there were uh, there, there were political leaders uh, who convinced the king to basically uh, give an order, given an ordinance saying, you will pray to no one else other than, you know, other than the king, right? Uh, and if, if, uh, if uh, anyone makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Okay, now listen to what happened. Uh, could someone read verse 10 of chapter six in Daniel? Daniel's response. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Yeah. And then if, if we were to continue, basically they... They noticed. Yeah, they recognized. They, they were he had his window open. Who does that? Who opens their window when there's when <laughs> when there's basically a, a 30 day lockdown? Oh, maybe I shouldn't use that term. <laughs> there's a 30 day period where they weren't supposed to pray to anybody except the king. Notice what you know, Daniel, and and it doesn't seem like he's doing this arrogantly or frightfully. He just does what he normally does. Because who's the greater, God or the king? Of course, we know the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but, but I, I, I wonder, and this is all speculative, but I wonder, like, oh, well, the government says we can't pray, so we better not. That'll uh, be the day. That's all I'll say. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think, uh, you know, when you, when you throw, when, when you throw uncertainty in there, you know, um, then you know that's something else, and then uh, also love for neighbor and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a lot we just did not know, I think, with reference to the pandemic. I think it's becoming clearer, though, what is true and what is not. And uh, so I, I'll just leave it at that. We can talk afterwards if you'd like. Uh, I'll, I'll draw your attention uh, to uh, you know to, to read the other sections on your own. Uh, but uh, th- this is just a, a, a kind of a quick list of other prayers that are made during the service. The confession of sins, that too is a prayer, right? Where we're petitioning our Lord to forgive us our sins. Of course, we have the collect of the day. We looked at this already. The collect of the day kind of gathers the, the, the thoughts concerning the gospel in particular and, and moves that into prayer. The Lord's Prayer, of course, will we'll come to that uh, in more to greater detail coming up. The post-communion collect, and I'm, I'm just kind of going down here, but a confession of sins. The offertory also is a prayer, and we talked about that. The proper preface, which we're coming to, and then also the nuptimittis. We sing it, but it's also a prayer, right? Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. And this is one of the, the, the beauties, I think, of the hymnal, too. Uh, what were the three... Yeah, the, the three devotional books used by, by Lutherans many years ago, and that are still available today, by the way. 
One is, of course, the Bible, right? The small catechism, yeah, you could include the large. I mean, I would add the Lutheran confessions too, but but um, but the small catechism and then the hymnal. The hymnal. Uh, not only do you have devotions uh, or prayers in the hymnal, uh, but you also have, of course, confessions of faith. Uh, you have prayers in the hymns too, um, and that that's uh, that, that's a neat thing to do, and it's uh, it's very encouraging sometimes to go through the hymns and then actually pray the hymns because the words are right there. Uh, so you know, I, I'm not at all opposed to written prayers. Uh, you know, and certainly the Christian does pray ex or extemporaneously. Um, and, and we do that, but at, but there are times when we want to where we pray prayers that have already been written, um, and especially with reference to the prayer of the church, as mentioned, we pray for everything. It's not just about us. It's not just about our congregation, but it includes petitions for our congregation, and for our local context as well as the broader context. I'd like to say that the Lutheran service book is the most useful hymnal type book that I have ever used for a long term. Yeah. It has everything in it. Yeah, and, and even meditating on the hymns. I, I, I was joking with, uh, well, not really joking, but I was telling my, I, I was mentioning uh, to uh, to family that uh, I know of, uh, you might know the name Preuss. Preuss, yeah. Preuss. Uh, I, I think it was probably under I want to say Jacob was he the father of Rolf? Or who was? Well, Jacob Rice was one of the brothers. Robert had all those. Okay, maybe it was Robert, but I, and I, I'm guessing his sons probably followed in the same line. But uh, they would actually. This was a time when, when their kids were younger, um, they would they would uh, say, okay, memorize this hymn, and I'll give you five cents. You know, kind of thing. You know, but they would memorize the hymns. You know, and, and like it, uh, and, and it's. Uh, but but the the thing is, like we we, we speak of memorizing scripture. I, I pray that uh, we still retain the written word uh, in our nation. Uh, yeah. Um, go along with what uh, Earl just said. I, I find it useful, especially being in the pew now, uh, opening the hymnal before the service starts and looking at the prayers and very beginning of the day. And they have a whole page of appropriate prayers for the divine service. Right. There's a prayer before the service starts. There's a prayer for confession of sins. Right. You know, preparing. It's very preparatory. Right. And then there's a prayer for the word being preached and proclaimed. There's a prayer for before and after receiving the sacrament. And then there's a prayer after the service is over. Yeah, rather than just kind of jumping up and talking and all that visiting is great, but to kind of put a, a prayerful thought at the end of the service, it's just, and it's so, they're short, you know, they're short little collects, really, but they're right there, you don't have to go looking for them, they're right on the front, yeah. on the inside of the hymnal. Indeed. Indeed. All right, um, I'll leave you uh, with uh, just two more slides. Uh, here and I'll just kind of read through them quickly. These are from uh, Luther's Large Catechism. Uh, the handout 
you know, that uh, we have, we won't be able to get to today, but uh, continuations of uh, Luther and Lord on prayer. He says, we are in a situation where no person can perfectly keep the Ten Commandments, even though he has begun to believe. The devil, with all his power, together with the world and our own flesh, resists our efforts. Uh, and by the way, this is um, the copy from last week, so if you don't have it in front of you, uh, just uh, kind of and listen closely. The devil with all his power together with the world and our own flesh resists our efforts of keeping the Ten Commandments. Therefore, nothing is more necessary than that we should continually turn toward God's ear, call upon him, and pray to him. We must pray that he would give, preserve, and increase faith in us in the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters, which includes what? The world? The world? Our own sin, right? Uh, and our, our sinful flesh and also the devil. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters of, of keeping his word so that we might know what and how to pray our Lord Christ has himself taught us both the way and the words. Okay, the Lord's Prayer. Continuing, let this be the first and most important point. There's another one. Uh, but that all our prayers must be based and rest upon obedience to God regardless of who we are, whether we are sinners or saints, worthy or unworthy. We must know that God will not have our prayer treated as a joke, but he will be angry and punish all who do not pray, just as surely as he punishes all other disobedience. Furthermore, he will not allow our prayers to be in vain or lost. If he did not intend to answer our prayer, he would not ask you to pray and add such a severe commandment to it. So, I mean, this is another aspect of their prayer, too. We, you know, we come before God uh, not only because he promises to, to hear, but because he commands us to pray. You know, and on that basis, then we come before him. He says pray. If we don't pray, we're acting contrary to that word, right? Um, also, by the way, um, and this is very much related when, when Jesus says come, what does that sound like? says take drink. Yeah. 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 Take drink. Yeah, it's an imperative. You know, take eat, take drink, and then the promise for the forgiveness of sins. Let, let, let us do open the prayer. Heavenly Father, you are merciful unto us beyond measure. And yet there are times when it is more difficult to see your favor upon us, especially as we undergo trials and have struggles and face challenges as your beloved people, as part of your body. We pray that you would give us confidence in you and certainty of your mercies, your favor, your forgiveness, and your peace that passes all human understanding. Give us that peace that we so desire and that we are so undeserving of. For your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, so we started uh, looking at some of these last week. Uh, specifically, I think Matthew 18, 20. Remember, that's where uh, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together in my name in the midst of them. We looked at a little bit at Luke 11. That is the account of the Lord's Prayer where the, in Luke's Gospel, where the disciples 
after Jesus prays, the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he says, when you pray, say. All right. Um, and we looked at uh, 1 Timothy 2, which uh, we also mentioned, or at least there was mentioned in 1 Timothy, that when Paul is writing to Timothy, they were still under Romish rule. And here Paul is saying, this is commendable to God and, and urging them to pray for rulers as well. You know, and God desires all people that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, and it, it, I think it, it, it can be very striking when we hear in our prayers, the prayer of the church in particular, especially in days forthcoming, how we will pray for our leaders. So I, I think this past Sunday we prayed for the president-elect and vice president-elect. Um, we still pray for our enemies and for those that we dislike. Okay, for various reasons, uh, we might dislike them, but God calls us to pray for them and also to love them. Remember, uh, this might be kind of a by-the-way thing, but I, I think it's important. Love does not demonstrate itself simply because the person is lovable. And, you know, all we have to do to reflect on that is, is look at God's love for sinners. Is there anything worthy or deserving of sinners that God loves them? And the answer, of course, is no. And yet, what does he do? He continues to love. Uh, God so loved the world, John 3, 16, um, and the like. And this is love, not that we love God, but the, that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. So, you know, thinking of all this, I mean, it does have to do with prayer, right? And it does have to do with the times that we're living in currently as well. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, the early Christian martyrs, for example, um, they kept to their faith, they loved their enemies, and uh, to such a degree that, that many, uh, many of their persecutors, or at least uh, more than a few, became Christian. You know, and, and I, I wonder, I mean, this, the, I'm, I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit already. I, I, but, uh, I didn't open my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's not your fault. Uh, this time. Yeah. But, but you know, just, you know, how many are asking about, you know, like in the early church, why are you doing this? You know, yeah. non-Christians would ask, Christians, why are you doing this? Why are you suffering? Wouldn't it be easier just to, you know, light that candle and, for the emperor? You know, um, in, you know, they, they Christians were given kind of this, uh, you know, this test, and if they passed it, then they were okay. But if not, then they were tortured, and you know, they suffered. And one was simply, okay, light a candle to the emperor, you know, kind of thing. And some did, but many didn't. You know, um, and uh, you know, are, are people asking that today? Well, why are the Christians still gathering? Why are the Christians saying this? Why are the Christians loving those who are um, not worthy of being loved, and so on and so forth? I wonder, just a hypothetical, but it is practical too. And how many are saying that at the Christian church today? You know, speaking the truth when it's not politically correct to do that. Can I say that politically correct? Uh, but. Uh, yeah, and people just uh, aren't getting it. But 
Um, anyway, let's uh, let's continue. Open to James chapter one. And my my plan today is uh, at least uh, you know before break uh, to uh, to uh, review this and uh, maybe perhaps another slide or two, and then uh, get into some Luther about what he says concerning prayer for this large category. Which I, I think does uh, is uh, uh, relevant to uh, the study of the prayer of the church, but also greatly relevant for our day as well. Okay, so uh, James chapter 1, could someone read verses 5 through 8? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Okay, so what what is the what is the uh, the request here referred to uh, for uh, with reference to prayer? Lack of wisdom. Yeah, lack of wisdom. And uh, you know, it, it's it, it's written right here, but sometimes uh, you know, with uh, you know, the, the catechesis uh, that we're using with the adults as well as uh, with with the younger people, um, we're looking at scripture, and oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll we'll read a little bit and then we'll stop and talk about it, right? Another method in catechesis is kind of question and answer. So, you know, uh, sometimes, okay, so what is the main thing that is being asked here um, or asked for? Wisdom. Um, let him ask who? God. Right? And then, you know, because that's a way of uh, teaching, a, a, a way of training, and uh, drawing attention to the text itself. You know, um, I don't know if you guys, if you find this, but especially in the public square, but even in church, so often... There will be references to the Bible, but they're completely taken out of context. Yes. You know, um, and and it's taken out of context in such a way that it benefits the speaker, and doesn't really get at what God Himself is revealing in His Word. Yeah. Well, speaking of context, like that open window, and context here, I think is important. Verse uh, four. Especially verse three, where it says, "Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance." Um, the idea of verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, I think a lot of us in our life will say, "Why, Lord?" Right. Yeah. Okay, we're we, we're kind of without answers. Yeah. And that usually is prompted because we're going through difficult times. And so the context there says, you know, verse 2, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials or, or challenges. So, um, you know, it's not just wisdom, like make me smarter, right. but rather help me in faith to tie into his will. Yeah. You know, in that regard, right? Yeah, yeah I, well, and I'm, I'm thinking one of the examples that we'll be looking at then just to bit is, is Solomon's prayer. You know, which, you know, I mean, you might not call that a trial, um, 
but he does ask for discernment. Right. You know, because he, he finds himself, you know, not uh, not not as strong in that area. Perhaps. You know, uh, you know, somewhat weak and needing needing assistance, needing yeah. help. Being in touch with our weaknesses. Right. Yeah. And and you know, I was almost going to say, you know, you read that. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And I don't want to, you know, that a gut reaction is what? <laughs> you know, what the heck is going on here? Count it all joys, you know. And then Jesus says in Matthew five, blessed are they, blessed are you when they persecute you. Yeah. You know, and say all kinds of evil yeah. things against you on account of me. And then you know, um, for suffering. Um, you know, for true godly suffering, uh, I encourage you to read Peter's letters, First and Second Peter. Uh, and uh, you know, the, the, again, you know, God has a, a uh, how should I say? He's 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 on a different plane, or His word is on a different plane than we are. You know, we think of suffering. Oh, I have to deal with this, and it may be suffering, but the kind of suffering that that God reveals in His word. That comes among Christians is not merely physical. Yeah. We pray, Thy will be done in the Lord's Prayer. And we end parts of prayer with, If it be Thy will. And it's, it's not only for bad things, but going back to John 3.16, God wants us to be saved. And that part of his will, you know, we all agree with. But uh, being but human, we just... Yeah. How he answers that is received only by one who has faith. Uh, because, you know, we, we might pray, take this away, take that away, make, make life easier. And, and God essentially says no. And, uh, he does that for our good. Right? I, I mean... You know, Paul speaks of this way, crucifying the sinful flesh. You know, Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know, I, I kind of tend to think that uh, part of that denying self also is very related to what we encounter in life. Not good. You know, as we see it, not good. But in God's eyes, this is a means of purifying. Right? I mean, so, you know, he talks about, you know, iron or, or silver being purified. Right? Getting the impurities out of the uh, out of the metals, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we, we, we say trial by fire, but, but uh, you know, how much one is strengthened by that. You know, uh, someone had mentioned earlier about uh, nurses getting the vaccines with, you know, the huge, you know, muscular, right? Uh, but how does one get stronger? Vaccines. <laughs> Practice. Exercise. Well, exercise. You know, you work out. You're, the worst. You know, you're, you're, uh, maybe, you know, you know, I, I never served in the military. I, I, I probably said that before. But, you know, it's amazing the transformations from what I understand that can take place in a 12-week period of time. Is that 12 weeks? Is that usually depends on what branch? Depending on the service. Yeah. Okay. Air Force is eight weeks. Yeah, they got okay. Crazy. Okay, I'm not talking about them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, you know, just the, the the change that can take place in just a minimal amount of time. You know, when when you have to change basically everything that you've done in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So you're eating, 
is all irregular, right? You're you're uh, you're 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 stressing out your body pretty much almost 24/7, right? You know, uh, not getting sleep, from what I understand. Right? That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, being at the ready, and you know, so you're training your body, um, but but where you started is very different from where where you end up afterwards. Your thinking changes too. Yeah. And you get haircuts. <laughs> your, your thinking changes completely unless you're already a, uh, a military person. ROTC, you're probably already there. If you are ROTC, you were probably already on that Perhaps. mindset. But, but uh, you know, it's, you know, I, the, the, the point is, you know, how does one grow? You know, and, and you know, I, I think many will, will say this, um, academics, you know, will, will, and, and others too that uh, are aware of these things will say that the greater growth takes place with disappointment than it does success. Sometimes you have to go to rock bottom, I guess, too. Yeah. But I mean, you know, like you fail a, you, you fail a test, for example, if you're in school, you fail a test and, and you might think, you know, oh gosh, I'm so bad, you know, um, and, and some will just kind of wallow in their sorrow and their grief. You know, there's nothing I can do. Or others, for example, they'll 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 use that as kind of like, okay, this is a kick in the pants for me. You know, I'm I'm going to apply myself more greatly. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's amazing with with this is, you know, um, you know, we do pray, Thy will be done, O Lord. We pray, His kingdom come, um, and the like. And I was almost wanting to say, we have to be careful with that, though. Um, you know, I, I've heard it said before. Uh, you be careful about praying for patience. Oh, no. <laughs> but on whose end are we talking from? We're talking from our own end. Um, you know, but what would what would God have us pray for? Right. I mean, that's the question. So then, you know, saying you know, you know, Thy will be done, and then placing ourselves as Luther does in in. The, the morning and evening prayer into your hands I commend myself, as all Christians will do. Um, it can be a scary thing because um, because God has a plan sometimes, often, but we don't. You know, and, and, and God knows what he's doing even though we do not. Right? I mean, and, and his will is far greater than ours, and he knows what he's doing even though, you know, we think we know what we're doing. You know, going this way, doing that thing, uh, and the like. Um, and, and by the way, this would also apply to the church, too. Um, compromise is never the answer when it comes to the truth of, of God's Word. You know, and, and yet, and, and I, I, I am kind of, uh, you know, the, the way that the, the things are going today, I, I just wonder how many congregations, how many church bodies, how many pastors and, and, and Christians are going to stand firm in their faith. On Christ, because um, there's uh, there's been a lot of compromise over the last 20 years. Four thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what what is what is truly valuable and what is priceless is the Word of God, and you know um, that's where we take our stand. And you know we we we've we've, we've said this. Uh, Know, and, and this is part of our proclamation, but it, it, it's not based on numbers. It's based on God Himself and His Word and His grace and His mm -hmm. mercy. You know, um, so uh, you know, and, and, and that also applies to prayer too. 
um, who, as you remember, uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, um, who was told by Samuel uh, to wait for him. I think it was a Gibeon. Uh, he was to wait, and uh, he didn't. He was supposed to wait a certain time until Samuel came, and, and he was like, I'm, you know, ad-libbing here. He was looking at his watch. <laughs> you know, okay, uh, he's, he's not here. I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice. Yeah, that was a bad move. And that was the first time that, that it's recorded, from, from what I recall, in, in Scripture, when he goes against what God says through the prophet Samuel. The second time, just as bad, um, you know, is, is when, uh, when Samuel said, okay, wait in this uh, certain place, and uh, by the way, um, demolish the Amalekites. Do away with them, everything. Don't keep anything for yourself. Kill the king, you know, you know uh, destroy them completely. And Saul took it upon himself not to. And he used the justification in his mind of keeping the best booty for sacrifice and offering to God. And, and Samuel, uh, you know, comes and the, the memorable phrase is something like, uh, you know, uh, I hear the bleeding of sheep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear the bleeding of sheep. And uh, he was pretty ticked, I think. Um, and certainly God was. You know, and he confronts Saul to his face and he says, what did God tell you to do? How come you haven't done it? And then he says, much like Aaron did before him, well, the people did this. Um, yes, but you have charge and authority over the people. Much like Adam did. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's not, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not like he had, uh, I, I guess I want to say, you know, he may have had good intentions about offering to God the best thing, the, the best things that he found, but the problem was God told him not to do that. You know, in the same way, you know, when we look at, uh, we, we talked about uh, Genesis 3 last night, uh, you know, concerning the fall. And, you know, some would say, well, why would God punish them in such a way because they ate fruit? I mean, you guys eat apples and just grapes. And, yeah, yeah, it's just an apple, right? But that was not the issue. The issue was that God said, don't do it. And they did it. Right? So, you know, we, we don't worship God our own way, we worship the way that he demands that we be worshipped. <laughs> if we don't understand. So even if we don't understand it. So, you know, Luther, um, you know, comments in his uh, in his large catechism on baptism, I think it is, you know, if, if, God had, if God had given us straw to use instead of water, or another element, um, then that would be the sacrament attached with the word, or the element attached with the word that makes a sacrament, because it's not dependent on us, it's dependent on his word, right? I mean, water by itself is just what? Water. But with the word of God, it becomes a blessed means of grace, means of forgiveness, right? So uh, we're not done with James yet, by the way. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, and, and this is in the context of uh, trial, and, and perhaps also, you know, with, with re reference uh, for uh, 
you know, suffering and, and uh, trials of all kinds, lacking wisdom is to recognize that, hey, I, I think a part of this is, is, is also to be able to say, you know, God is not punishing me because of any particular sin. As if, okay, I've got to change this sin and then God is going to start loving me again. Because I, I think there, there is that quite prevalency of, uh, of belief that, okay, if I'm sick, if I'm in the hospital, it's because of what I've done. Right? Um, and yet, for the Christian, we know that all punishment, all punishment, and not just the punishment of, of sins before baptism, as the Catholics teach, uh, but all sin has been taken care of in who? So that means if I'm in the hospital, um, you know, with, with this ailment, it's not because God is judging me uh, because I did this or because I did that. Now, this is a different thing than if, if someone is in the hospital because they smoked for 30 years. I, I've heard, maybe you've heard that too, kind of a side note, but some will say, why is God doing this to me? And you want to say, God didn't do this to you, you did this to me. And, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of hard to hear. It's probably hard to say, too, depending on the, on the relationship. Um, but, but, but again, you know, what has God said, what has he not said? And I, I was reminded just recently of this, what has God promised, what has he not promised? Um, so I, I was uh, responding to, uh, to someone uh, recently who, uh, who basically, I, I don't know if they're Christian, uh, but, uh, but they, were, they were stating essentially that uh, they, they, they had suffered in their life. I think their mom died or her mom died years ago, you know, and there was anger and bitterness towards God. And, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, there is there there are those who are angry at God for this or for that, um, but at the same time, when we say Thy will be done, we're also including that in there too, right? I mean, so if this person dies, or if he lives, it's not up to me, it's not up to us, and we believe God to be gracious and merciful, uh, even if that person does suffer and die, right? I mean. And even that person who is suffering and dying, as they're Christian, they also believe that too. Why? Because Christ himself suffered and died. Because of the promise given. And, and, and my part of the response to uh, this individual was, God has not promised us a griefless and a sorrowless life. Remember what he said to his disciples? And maybe this isn't the time to say this because of our circumstance with the government and fear, right? But I, I think it's a perfect place. And that is, you know, when Jesus says to his disciples in the world, you will have tribulation. But what does he say after that? But be of good cheer. I will overcome the world. You know, and in, 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 in uh, 1 John chapter 5, the evangelist says, uh, this is what has overcome the world, our faith. But not a nebulous, vacuous faith, but one that is centered on Christ Jesus, who is, by the way, coming again at his own time. And in the meantime, while he is, uh, you know, uh, absent, at least, uh, you know, in such a way before he returns, uh, what is our confidence? What is our hope? 
not only that he is returning, but also in what he gives us daily now, right? His word, his mercy, uh, his, his grace and favor. Let's, uh, let's, uh, so he gives, God gives generally to all without reproach, uh, but notice the emphasis here in verse 6, asking in faith. Now, uh, in, in terms of prayer, uh, prayer is not saying, God, give me this or I'm not going to believe. Years ago, I, I heard of some uh, some students who, uh, who were not Christian and yet then they claimed to have prayed and they got an A on a test and they said, oh, now I believe in God because he gave me an A on this test. I, I really, truly hope that there's more to it than that. Um, because I, I, I think we're, we're kind of geared in that direction. If God answers me and gives me what I want, then he must be true, right? Then he must be my God and favorable towards me. Um, but that's that's all, you know, in, in one's mind, you know, they're at peace with God. But what happens when when, when, when the, the building crashes? What happens when the rain falls? And you know this, right? When it rains, it pours. Yeah. What happens at those times? You know, that the temptation is to say, well, God loves me if things are going well, or when things are going well, I know God loves me. But when things are going not so well, yeah, I mean, we, we still confess that, right, because of, because of Christ. Uh, but there are those who say that, well, you know, all this is happening, God must not love me too much. Um, but, uh, you know, perhaps we also ask for the wisdom without knowing it that um, even when things are not going the way that we would like them to, but they're going the way that God, um, in, his, uh, in his merciful will, um, and also according to his hidden will, uh, you know, to us, uh, we know that God is doing what he does for our good, that we remain in the faith. Um, I had a professor, and you... Um, uh, and, and he's deceased now. He, he was the one who wrote the commentary on Revelation. I don't know if you ever had a chance Louis to Louis Brighton. Professor Brighton. Yes. Um, Outstanding. I, I had him for a number of classes at, at the seminary. And uh, I remember him saying this in, in one of the classes. And it was startling then. And it's kind of startling now. But I, I think there's uh, you know a, a lot of uh, good that comes from it. And he said... Uh, of his kids, he he actually prayed. He said he prayed every night, and he was one, and he was one in particular compared to other seminary professors, I think, because I had him for a number of classes. He said he seemed to say this similar things in different classes, you know. And and uh, asked me about it later. He said some some really wild things too, uh, good things, but you know, really shocking. Uh, but one of the things that he was mentioning was. Uh, Every night he would pray that his children would remain in the faith, but if they were tempted to lose their faith, then he actually prayed that the Lord take them before they lose their faith. And, I mean, you could you could see, I mean, if you've ever looked at the commentary, Revelation commentary, or if, if, if you've known him or, or, or heard about him, I'm sure there's uh, probably audio from issues, etc., and, and some other places uh, with him on there. But you could see the... The intensity, the uh, you know, the uh, the love that he had for God and for truth, you know, and, and to pray that Lord, if it's your will, you know, take the child before he loses faith. Um, 
it, it just it, it, it's really striking because when we pray thy will be done I mean that then encompasses more than just right what's right in front of us you know and uh, you know who knows I mean I, I don't want to you know say speak as a prophet here but what we're facing as a society could it be God's will I'm not sure what I was watching. Charlie was watching it with me. It was one of the news, the conservative news, I think. That, and they said that there's more, actually more Christians in China than non-Christians. Mm-hmm. That very well could be. I mean. And, I mean, that's God's will. And, you know, God's will is to, to do that here, too, to change people. I'm not sure how. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I think... Uh, who was it? Uh, well, actually, Luther. Um, you know, before he was converted, um, he was still Catholic. But before he was converted, um, you know, he reports that at the rustling of a leaf, his conscience would be struck mm-hmm. because he was so burdened by the law. And uh, it, it wasn't until you know when he when he uh, you know when he believed the gospel that all of that weight was lifted. And uh, it, it's it's amazing how how often and, and it, it, it demonstrates the um, you know the tenacity and the uh, you know the, the the greatness of our sin and our arrogance and pride mm-hmm. um, that we have to be beaten as we do uh, in in order to to recognize that it's not about us. It, it, it's centered on God for us in Christ. You know, salvation, you know, I mean, so many people think that they can do it themselves. They can't. You know, and, uh, you know, I, you know, mentioning uh, hitting rock bottom. Um, in my understanding, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, and the other Anonymouses, we say that you know fill in the blank before. I mean, don't don't most of them you know say that before you can improve, you have to hit rock bottom. You have to realize you need to. Yeah, and and you know in in, in the you know using the Bible, what else is that except you know being being struck by the law saying no you can't do this, mm-hmm. you are condemned, you are judged, you don't deserve anything but God's judgment and wrath. Uh, remember, in, in, uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that sermon, they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized. Yeah. Uh, I think our country's in that place where they have hit rock bottom before it was back. I think the depression brought a lot of people back to God. You know, they got to where they couldn't depend on the government. They couldn't depend on yeah. And they yeah. to God, and I think the time probably coming again that people will turn back to God. I, I, I pray so. Um, I, I just wish we weren't so hard-hearted. Probably have to long, long Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it, yeah, you know, and it's, you know, thinking of, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy to, to, to fear, I think, about what might be, you know, especially when, you know, because media, you know, even if even the the right media, and I, I don't mean uh, I, I mean opposed to the left, 
right? You know, the, uh, you know, the, the more conservative uh, rather than the more liberal. Um, what they say um, you can, can cause a great deal of concern to the other direction, right? Um, so, you know, what about, uh, what do they call them, preppers? You know, like, well, there's, there's going to be a time when, when uh, you know, the electric grid is going to shut down and there's going to be pandemic and, okay, so we have to start stockpiling in our homes. And, yeah. You know, there, there are the extremists, I, I think, in, in both directions, right? Um, but, uh, you know, God calls us, and, and, and again, I, I think wisdom is needed here. Um, God calls us to continue to believe his promises, but at the same time, not take for granted the gifts that he has given and the preparations potentially to be made, you know, um, and the like. Um, I remember a time years ago, and actually I should, shouldn't say I remember because I really don't because I didn't live through them, um, but in the earlier uh, years of our church body, wasn't there a time when, uh, when insurance was seen, you know, purchasing insurance was seen as a lack of trust in God? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> right. You mentioned Luther. Yeah. The movies show him in the Greek, and he reads, The just shall live by his faith. It's an epiphany. He realized the whole thing right there from that one phrase. I can read the just shall live by the faith. Yeah, sure. Okay, what's next? You know, it just doesn't hit me the way it hit him. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a uh, dramatic license. That's just you, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't worry, Earl. That way, because you didn't grow up as Catholic, constantly doing penance and wondering if it was enough. I think that's why it yeah. hit him in that way, because he kept thinking he had to make all of that up and, and oh, yeah. wipe out for his sins. And as a Baptist person, they don't have that same emphasis. I mean, it's a terrible burden. Are you saying you're equal? I'm saying people that didn't grow up Catholics. <laughs> It also has to do with language, too, because, you know, we kind of, I, I think, generally speaking, we take for granted, you know, just. We take for granted faith, you know, um, even by live and by. We take for granted these things. I mean, we're, we, 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 you know, for many of us, we were raised Christian, you know, uh, Somewhat. and the like, yeah. Um, but the just shall live by faith. Yeah. Um, if, if you go by, you know, what did he um, understand concerning the just or the word righteous? You know, those who do good, not those that are good. Right. So I mean, there's a difference, right? You know. So so the belief in the Catholic Church, and correct me if I'm wrong um, on this, but you know, there there was this um, ideal. You know that that you were saved by grace, but this grace moved you also to do good works. So essentially, you were saved by God's grace by what He had done, but you had something to do too. You had a part to play in it as well. Um, and uh, the belief then 
As well as, I, I think, in, in large degree, I mean, still today, of course, in the Catholic Church, but in other areas of, of, of Christendom, as a whole, the, the, you know, to speak of a righteous God, you know, is not only to be speaking of a perfect God, uh, but that one um, who demands righteousness. And this is the, and he does demand righteousness. But the way that it was understood by uh, by Luther and uh, others then, as well as now, is that you know the the righteousness of God is the righteousness of God also to judge and to condemn. Whereas Luther came to the conclusion by reading Scripture that the righteousness of God is the righteousness that God freely gives for Christ's sake. God is a just God. He does judge. He does punish. But the righteousness of God, um, you know, prevalently is that uh, righteousness by which God also gives or declares, and I'm speaking justification objectively given, you know, um, and, and very different. Um, you know, so he came across those words and, and he saw God as an angry God. Yeah. He didn't love him at all. And uh, I, 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 for one, am thankful for his openness. For his? Openness. You know, in terms of, you know, like, I remember this in, in Roland Bayton's uh, Here I Stand, uh, you know, book. He, he says, I hated God. I mean, how could I love a God that is so unmerciful and uncharitable and demands what I cannot do? And uh, all non-Christians, uh, and um, and I'm including in here, uh, in the, that definition of unchristian, those who claim to be Christian but have no faith and confidence in Christ. It, it's still all about what they do to God or before God. And uh, that, that's what's so disheartening because even now, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard on some stations anyway, uh, you know, okay, so what's next? What are we going to do now? You know. Uh, namely conservatives, but Christians might say that too. Well, are we going to do anything different than what we've done for the last thousands, couple thousands of years? Believe in God, trust in Him, keep doing what He says to do, love your neighbor, love your enemy, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Crazy stuff, right? Uh, but that's what God would have us do. And, and, you know, it's not about reinventing the wheel. The wheel is already there. It's, it's perhaps using it. Yeah. Well, those of us that have loving fathers that disciplined us, we can understand the discipline that people that are raised, even their fathers may be loving fathers, but they don't discipline their children. It's hard for them to understand. And of course, now today, there's many that don't even have a father figure in the house. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a different world. Yeah. These kids coming up now, it's a lot harder for them. And, and just to clarify, I, I did not mean that we, we, we keep doing the status quo thing either. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking like in our education systems um, and the like. I'm, I'm not, you know, that, that needs to be changed, but it doesn't start from the top down. We need to, we need to start with our school board and have them yeah. put all the books on display that they're teaching in the schools. Yeah. But, you know, that that's part of the issue, though, too, I, I think because... Uh, school boards and others, I mean, they, they have a, a different ideology. You know, I say about that. They need to put everything out that they're teaching so that yeah. the people that want to 
find out what's going on in their schools and just walk in and, and help over and stay and talk. There yeah, and, some, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. There were so many things that were just starting to turn right correctly, like education, you know, the parents being aware of things from education, yeah. what was being taught, and, yeah. and um, making sure that history's taught and that we remember right. history and, yeah. you know, all those things. And we thought, boy, you know, we're getting this all straightened out. Yeah. And then, boom. And, but at least we're more aware of all that. And we right. learned a lot. And, and I, I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll cover this in, you know, basically, uh, you know, I, I'll say two things with what I'm referring to, and that's speaking the truth. Not your truth, not my truth, but the truth. Um, and then calling sin, sin, calling good, evil, or calling good, good, and evil, evil. You know, let, let's be honest and upfront about what's really going on. Education's went downhill ever since they yeah. done away with small schools and consolidated the schools. When yeah. the local school board had pretty much control of what was taught in the schools, and and it, the community was involved in the in the small schools. Everybody knew each other. The, the one room school, the older kids went home and told what was being taught to the younger kids, and everybody knew what was going on. Right. Yeah. All right, one last thing, and then uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at James 5 after the break. Uh, but notice in, in James 1, we're still there. Uh, but uh, notice that, the, you know, let him ask in faith, verse 6, with no doubting. And then he gives an illustration, the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, right? Notice also, you know, how, how James admonishes, uh, you know, those who have that... Uh, who have the lack of faith or who don't have faith, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. You know, uh, in, in, I think it's in Hebrews, um, he says that uh, one who uh, believes in God or, or believes in, or one who, who prays to God must believe that he is. Yes. Right? I mean, that's fairly clear. I mean, it's not a, um, God, if you're there, if you hear me, knock, knock. You know, that's not faith. Um, faith is a confident trust in what God has promised and what God has given. Right? So, you know, we, we think of Abraham, for example. God told Abraham in, in Genesis 12, you know, go to uh, this land. And what does Abraham do? He doesn't stomp off and go in the other direction like Jonah did. But, I mean, that's the amazing thing about Jonah is that God still used him. He went the other way, and, and God said, no. You're going where I'm telling you to go, right? Um, even like with Moses, too. God calls Moses, remember, take off your sandals because the place you're standing is holy ground. And uh, he says, okay, I'm going to send you to the Israelites, and you're going to speak to Pharaoh, and you're going to get, you know, you're going to lead them out of the out of the, the land of Egypt. Who am I? I can't speak. That's what he said, right? Well, you brother. Right. And, <laughs> and then God says, who gave the mouth? <laughs> and he still said, I, I, I don't want to do this. And I'm paraphrasing. And then he says, is it your brother coming? Your brother Aaron? He's going to speak for you, but you're going to go. right? And yet God also provided him with the gifts and the abilities. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, when did Moses leave Egypt, do you recall? Was it when he was about 40? Yeah, I think that's right. 40, yes. 
he left when he was about 40. And he was trained, he was he was brought up in Fairwood's house. Which would have been given him the best education in the land. Oh yeah. Yeah, so he knew, right? I mean, he knew how to speak. I, I don't know if they took oratory, you know, speaking and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but, but I'm sure he had various gifts that way. Um, and, uh, you know, that could be seen as a means of training then, you know, to be used uh, later by God in that way. So uh, we'll continue with James 5 uh, after break. Um, so maybe around 11.05 or so. I don't know exactly what time it happened, but I read that Biden's been sworn in. It's done. Has he? It's done. So it's too late to watch that? Is it able to get through the, the 30,000 30, troops? I'm sure it'll go around there. There's like 10 people and then 30,000 troops. I also read that it says a lot about your democracy when you have to have 30,000 troops to guard a change in regime. They're so afraid.
I'm starting to wonder if the Rosemith website has just given any jobs to anybody They're asking information about insurance. Yeah, yeah. I thought this thing was free. It is. Then why do they want insurance? Well, I think they file with your insurance. And if the insurance is free, the insurance but you don't have to pay any co-pay or anything. And if you don't have insurance, it's What was it? The other thing I was going to say about schools. You know, having having the schools when you say 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 the I'm on. I'm registered for it. And they said, if you don't call us, we'll call you. Then it's later, so the back to back, they face each other. So it's not a whole bill selling.
This has to do with eternal life. You know, which, uh, remember before the fall, was there any sickness? No. There was no death. There was no disease. Um, so, you know, you know, God healing, Jesus healing people was a, a foretaste of what was to come. You know, when, uh, when, when, uh, when the Lord returns and we rejoice in the new kingdom, there will be no sickness, no pain, no suffering. Um, so that's restored, you know, to uh, to what it was before the fall. Okay. Um, so continuing, the Lord will raise him up. Uh, that seems to have the connotation of resurrection, too, doesn't it? Yeah. Raise him up. Um, you know, and I, I could see how uh, you know some will say, "Well, save the sick, make them better." And then also, uh, just on a physical level, and we'll raise him up and make him feel better about himself, you know, kind of thing. That's not what Scripture is talking about. Yeah, Pastor Lee. Uh, I'd like to, particularly from a pastoral vantage point, you know, after kind of doing that vocation for a few years, to emphasize what he says in verse 14, let him call for the elders. Because time and again, hear about people say, well, nobody ever called on me, and I was down and out, or I was sick, or I was in the hospital, yeah. and nobody visited me. And that's sad, and that's unfortunate on occasion, but sometimes, you, pastor's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. And sometimes you need to call the pastor. You tell him, inform him, I'm going into the hospital, I'd like a visit. You know, or I'm going through some tough times at home. I need a visit. Come, come visit me, or call the elders. You know, and I, I include the pastor with the, the, the elders. Yeah. yeah. You know, so whether the lay elder or the clergy elder. Yes. Don't sit around waiting yep. for you know somebody to just show up at your door. I mean, you know, if your cable's you know TV yeah. is on the blank, you don't wait for the guy to just yeah. maybe show up and fix it. Do you? <laughs> so you got to call them and say my cable's on the blank. Yeah. So you call the pastor, let him know, and yeah. inform him. Don't just wait around. Could could this uh, could what you're saying be uh, kind of contrary to this individualistic way of handling things? You know, individualistic in the sense of okay, I some some will say, well, I can manage this myself. Yeah. You know, I mean that's that's another component, but but also I don't need to ask your help. You know, or, or you know, if, if 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 they love me, then they'll call. You know, kind of thing. Um, and uh, you know, that's kind of an extension. But yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, the the Christian church. Uh, there's a reason why, like Paul makes reference to the the the, uh, the church as the body of Christ. Not one member, but many members. And uh, you know, I, I guess you know, for lack of a better term. Uh, not this is not a theological term, but just keeping in touch, right? Uh, not only from the pastor to the people, but also perhaps to the people from the people to the pastor too. And be so blunt as to say, Pastor, would you say a prayer with me now? You know, sometimes you know the pastor will offer to say a prayer, but I I love that when people would ask me, would you say a prayer, Pastor? Just cry out and say it. Yeah. You know, ask for the prayer. Especially, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about this, and I'm thinking of some of the people that have not shown up just because of COVID. You know, we haven't heard from them. You know, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like a 
know we've tried to contact those people. And it's like, cool, thank you. But, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, much to, uh, much to consider here. Notice also, uh, you know, in verse 15, James continues, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. I don't know, maybe somebody's praying. <laughs> I don't think so. I do know some people that don't like rain, so really? it surprised me. <laughs> then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Yeah. I mean, unique circumstances, certainly, in Elijah's day. Um, you might recall that there was the account of uh, Elijah being a uh, I think it was Elijah in the, 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 the jar of oil, wasn't it? Or was that Elisha? Um, they're similar accounts, but uh, uh, Elijah uh, was staying at, or would be staying at, uh, at a widow's house uh, who had a son. And uh, she was uh, very concerned because she was going to have to basically sell her son, you know, in order to, to survive, I think. She wasn't even his whole life. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and Elijah said, "How you know, gather as many jars as you can." And the Lord filled up the jars with oil, and they sold the oil. You know, um, so they were able to, to make uh, the, the correct payments. Like, ambitious. Um, but uh, yeah, and this is a uh, you know, I, I also want to say this too. Uh, you know, just kind of, uh, I mean, this is not a hypothetical question, but what happens when you have Christians? Um, you know, from like, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that there were Christians in Germany at the time of, uh, in, in the 1940s. And you have war going on, and, and, you know, so you have American Christians praying that the Lord give them their victory. And then you had German Christians who were praying, Lord, give us a victory. Um, you know, you know, some, some will speak that way with reference to football games, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> or baseball, which... which it doesn't work. Yeah, it, it, we know anytime you've got two people in conflict, somebody's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the, the thought is, you know, some would say, well, we won, so that must have been God's will. Yeah. As if to say that they knew God's will. <laughs> you know, and, and the like. Uh, but but really, <coughs> placing... placing our hands into into God's care and keeping means just that. Even if we lose, what difference does it make, right? I mean, we still win, right? I mean, and Luther kind of expressed it this way. This is, I, I think, from I think from uh, two kinds. Uh, the treatise called Two Kinds of Righteousness, or actually, it, it could be the Freedom of the Christian um, that he wrote this. But but uh, you know, he comments, and I'm paraphrasing. But he comments, one in a jail cell is not imprisoned. Say that again, please. One in a jail cell who is Christian is not imprisoned. Right. His body is, but his soul is not. And which is the greater, right? You know, um, and, and I'm, I'm reflective of, uh, you know, the, the, 
last few words of, uh, I think it's the, is it the first line of a mighty fortress? You know, let them take my, what, my wife, my home? Mm -hmm. I forget the exact wording. But uh, let them take all that is mine. God remains God. And, uh, those, those words, uh, I, I believe, uh, are to be heard. Know, at, at all times, not just when things are going the way we like them to go, um, but even when they're not, because God, again, remains God, regardless. And 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 you know, consider the disciples of our Lord on Good Friday. What did they see? What did they experience? There, you know, I ask, what did they feel? Um, but what did they know? Right? The one who, you know, we, we hear this with the on the with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We thought this guy was the Messiah, and he did wonderful things. Um, and then there's this strange report that his body was not in the tomb. Right? He almost want to knock him on the head. <laughs> Do you remember that Jesus told you this, right? Um, but uh, they were they were literally down and out. They they literally placed all their eggs in one basket. And they thought the basket was broken. They were human. They were human, yeah. Hey, we are too, aren't we? You know, and, and remember Jesus says to them, do not fear. It is I. Jesus says that to us too, doesn't he? Uh, so, so this is not the time to, to stay away from church, regardless of a pandemic and the like, but even more so to be in church and hearing the word, being fed with the bread of life. All right, let's, uh, let's look to uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, Old Testament, uh, often referred to as uh, the history section or a part of the history section of, uh, of the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 3, and we've got a, a, a few more verses to read here. Put that back. <laughs> Can we start with uh, Wayne over here with verse 3 and we'll work ourselves around to verse 15. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense in high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in unrighteousness of heart with you. You have committed this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. Therefore, give me your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? All right. And
and we hear, um, you know, of course, that God will not be in our My eyes are deceiving me. Go ahead. Verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. You asked for this, God answered, and you didn't ask for a long life or riches or the death of your enemies, but you asked to be able to understand how to be just and give him judgment. Behold, I have done according to your words. She has given you a wise and understanding heart for that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no evil over And if you will walk in my ways and keep my statutes, my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offering and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So he had dreamed this, uh, but in the dream, what does he ask for of God? Yeah. And, and notice, it, it, what, what's intriguing to me is it is not Solomon who said, Lord, give me according to your will what you desire. It was God who said, what can I give you? Uh, and, and he gave him that wisdom. Uh, you know, everything was in the Lord's hands. And, uh, and, and we see also that the Lord gave blessings that Solomon had not asked for. Right, so he asked for discernment, he asked for wisdom, mm -hmm. uh, but the Lord also gave him uh, riches and uh, and uh, the certainty of his uh, of his kindness to him. Okay, and then immediately after, of course, then there's this, an account which is really profound um, of uh, of a demonstration of the Lord's wisdom given to Solomon, you know, which which really stands out. Uh, because uh, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, if you go to the courts, they'd be arguing this for, for ages, probably. Yep. But, uh, but he just says what he says, yeah. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy will be done. But that's not enough for us. We want to know what to do. And to know what to do or to say is wisdom. Right. And, and you know, one of the classes I teach is, uh, is it's called uh, Calling. Christian on Christian vocation, and a majority of the students actually think that you have to know what God wants you to do in order to be doing it. Um, and, and, and it's in the sense of vocation, but you know, I mean, you don't have to ask a mom. Um, you know, do you know that? Uh, uh, do you know what it means to be a mom? Or do you have to know what it means to be a mom to be a mom or dad? just kind of do it, right? I mean, you mess up along the way, but you also learn a lot of stuff along the way too, right? You know, um, but, but this idea, and I, I've, I've uh, you know, commented on this uh, quite often, I think, but this idea that we have to know what God's purpose is in our life to, to do it, that's false. Um, you know, the, the small catechism of, of, of Dr. Luther says it very clearly, as does scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the, the essence of the commandments is love. What is my purpose? Love. To love others. How do you do that? Well, if you're a father, 
if you're a mother, if you're a citizen, you know, uh, you know, towards your enemy, and, and so on and so forth. You know, similar things are going on. I mean, that that word love encompasses all of it, right? Uh, you know, another component of this, uh, in, in terms of, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say another component of this is uh, thinking that uh, only, only, or if, if I don't know my purpose in order that God wants to use me this way, then I've got to find it out, and that becomes kind of the goal. Yeah. And once you find it, okay, now what? Because I know what I'm supposed to do. Um, but you know, uh, to, to many, I, 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 uh, I give these words that it's it's not about trying to find out what you're supposed to do. It's doing what's right in front of you. You know, so uh, you know we can talk about years ahead, but but that's not the only or the primary concern of the Christian. It's the here and now. And uh, you know, with, with reference to prayer too, um, and and that's why you know, you, you probably know this already, but what are what what is uh, what are the three ways that God answers prayer? Yes, no, and wait. Yeah. Wait, not yet, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I kind of surmise that that oftentimes God has answered our prayer, but we keep praying for it because we don't want to we don't want to we don't like answer the answer to You know, um, why are we so dare I say stupid? Fallen. <laughs> At least I want to say that about myself. But yeah, we we are fallen. We're we're fallen creatures. We're poor miserable sinners. Uh, and have you ever noticed that, that that sometimes God just kind of he, he'll kind of tap you on your shoulder sometimes, but sometimes he just knocks you over. Yeah. As long as like, okay, I got it. You know, kind of thing. Um, for the sake of time, I and, and this is a, this is a appropriate. Let's look at Daniel. And yes, we will be looking at one of the uh, the the, uh, the more memorable accounts of Daniel. <coughs> Specifically, before he's thrown in the in the, in the den of lions. So let me set this up by just way of reminder. There there were uh, there, there were political leaders uh, who convinced the king to basically uh, give an order, given an ordinance saying, "You will pray to no one else other than you know, other than the king." Right, uh, and if if uh, if uh, anyone makes a petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Okay. Now listen to what happened. Uh, could someone read verse ten of chapter six in Daniel? Daniel's response. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house. Where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Yeah. And then if, if we were to continue, basically they they noticed. Yeah, they, they, they were waiting. He had his window open. Whoops. Who does that? Who opens their window when there's when <laughs> when there's basically a, a 30-day lockdown? <laughs> There's a 30-day period where they weren't supposed to pray to anybody except the king. 
Notice what, you know, Daniel, and, and it doesn't seem like he's doing this arrogantly or frightfully. He just does what he normally does. Because who's the greater, God or the king? Of course, we know the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but, but I, I, I wonder, and this is all speculative, but I wonder, like, oh, well, the government says we can't pray, so we better not. That'll be the day. Uh, that's all I'll say. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, you know when, when you when you throw when when you throw uncertainty in there, you know, uh, then you know that's something else. And then uh, also love for neighbor and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a lot we just did not know. I think with reference to the pandemic. I think it's becoming clearer though what is true and what is not. Uh, so I, I'll just leave it at that. We can talk afterwards if you'd like. Uh, I'll, I'll draw your attention uh, to uh, you know to, to read the other sections on your own. Uh, but uh, th- this is just a, a, a kind of a quick list of other prayers that are made during the service. The confession of sins that too is a prayer, right? Where we're petitioning our Lord to forgive us our sins. Of course, we have the collect of the day. We looked at this already. The collect of the day kind of gathers the, the, the thoughts concerning the gospel in particular and, and moves that into prayer. The Lord's Prayer, of course, will we'll come to that uh, in more to greater detail coming up. The post-communion collect, and I'm just kind of going down here, but a confession of sins. The offertory also is a prayer, and we talked about that. The proper preface, which we're coming to, and then also the nuptimittis. We sing it, but it's also a prayer. Right? Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. And this is one of the, the, the beauties, I think, of the hymnal, too. Uh, what were the three yeah, the, the three devotional books used by, by Lutherans many years ago and that are still available today, by the way? One is, of course, the Bible, right? Yeah. Small and large. The small catechism, yeah, you could include the large. I mean, I would add the Lutheran confessions, too, but... But um, but the small catechism and then the hymnal. The hymnal. Uh, not only do you have devotions uh, or prayers in the hymnal, uh, but you also have, of course, confessions of faith. Uh, you have prayers in the hymns too, um, and that that's uh, that's a neat thing to do, and it's. Uh, it's very encouraging sometimes to go through the hymns and then actually pray the hymns because the words are right there. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not at all opposed to written prayers. Uh, you know, and certainly the Christian does pray ex extemporaneously. Um, and, and we do that, but at, but there are times when we want to, where we pray prayers that have already been written. Um, and especially with reference to the prayer of the church, as mentioned, we pray for everything. It's not just about us. It's not just about our congregation, but it includes petitions for our congregation and for our local context as well as the broader context. I'd like to say that the Lutheran service book is the most useful hymnal type book that I have ever used for a long term. Yeah. It has everything. Yeah, and, and even meditating on the hymns. I, I, I was joking with, uh, well, not really joking, but I was telling my, I, I was mentioning uh, to uh, to 
family that uh, I know of, uh, you might know the name Preuss. Preuss, yeah. Preuss. Uh, I, I think it was probably under, I want to say Jacob, was he the father of Rolf? Or, or who was? Well, Jacob Preuss was one of the brothers. Robert had all those. Okay, maybe it was Robert, but I, and I, I'm guessing his sons probably followed in the same line, but uh, they would actually, this was a time when, when their kids were younger, um, they would they would uh, say, okay, memorize this hymn, and I'll give you five cents, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, you know, but they would memorize the hymns, you know, and, and like it, uh, and, and it's, um, but but the, the thing is, like, we, we, we speak of memorizing scripture, and I, I pray that uh, we still retain the written word uh, in our nation. Uh, yeah. Um, go along with what uh, Earl just said. I, I find it useful, especially being in the pew now, uh, opening the hymnal before the service starts and looking at the prayers in the very beginning of the hymnal. And they have a whole page of appropriate prayers for the divine service. Right. There's a prayer before the service starts. There's a prayer for confession of sins. Right. You know, preparing. It's very preparatory. Right. And then there's a prayer for the word being preached and proclaimed. Right. There's a prayer for before and after receiving the sacrament. And then there's a prayer after the service is over. Yeah, rather than just kind of jumping up and talking and all that visiting is great, but to kind of put a, a prayerful thought at the end of the service, it just, and it's so, they're short, you know, they're short little collects, really, but they're right there, you don't have to go looking for them, they're right on the front, on the inside of the hymnal. Indeed. Indeed. All right, um, I'll leave you uh, with uh, just two more slides. Uh, here and I'll just kind of read them through them quickly. These are from uh, Luther's large catechism. Uh, the handout, you know, that uh, we have, we won't be able to get to today, but uh, continuations of uh, Luther on the large on prayer. He says, we are in a situation where no person can perfectly keep the Ten Commandments, even though he has begun to believe. The devil, with all his power, together with the world and our own flesh, resists our efforts uh, and by the way, this is um, the copy from last week, so if you don't have it in front of you, uh, just uh, kind of listen closely. The devil with all his power together with the world and our own flesh resists our efforts of keeping the Ten Commandments. Therefore, nothing is more necessary than that we should continually turn toward God's ear, call upon him, and pray to him. We must pray that he would give, preserve, and increase faith in us in the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters, which includes what? The world, the world, politics. our own sin, right? Uh, and our, our sinful flesh and also the devil. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters of, of keeping his word, so that we might know what and how to pray our Lord Christ has himself taught us both the way and the words, okay, the Lord's Prayer. Continuing, let this be the first and most important point. There is another one. Uh, but that all our prayers must be based and rest upon obedience to God, regardless of who we are, whether we are sinners or saints, worthy or unworthy. We must know that God will not have our prayer treated as a joke, but he will be angry and punish all who do not pray, just as surely as he punishes all other disobedience. Furthermore, he will not allow our prayers to be in vain or lost. 
If he did not intend to answer our prayer, he would not ask you to pray and add such a severe commandment to it. So, I mean, this is another aspect of their prayer, too. We, you know, we come before God uh, not only because he promises to, to hear, but because he commands us to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, and on that basis, then we come before him. He says pray. If we don't pray, we're acting contrary to that word, right? Um, also, by the way, um, and this is very much related, when, when Jesus says come, what does that sound like? says take drink. Yeah. Yeah. take drink yeah it's an imperative you know take eat take drink and then the promise for the forgiveness of sins let, let, let us do open the prayer Heavenly Father you are merciful unto us beyond measure and yet there are times when it is more difficult to see your favor upon us, especially as we undergo trials and have struggles and face challenges as your beloved people, as part of your body. We pray that you would give us confidence in you and certainty of your mercies, your favor, your forgiveness, and your peace that passes all human understanding. Give us that peace that we so desire and that we are so undeserving of. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, so we started uh, looking at some of these last week. Uh, specifically, I think Matthew 18:20. Remember, that's where uh, Jesus says, "Where two or three are gathered together in my name, in the midst of them." We looked at a little bit at Luke 11. That is the account of the Lord's Prayer where the, in Luke's Gospel, where the disciples, after Jesus prays, the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he says, when you pray, say. All right? Um, and we looked at uh, 1 Timothy 2, which uh, we also mentioned, or at least there was mentioned in 1 Timothy, that when Paul is writing... To Timothy, they were still under Romish rule. And here Paul is saying this is commendable to God and, and urging them to pray for rulers as well. You know, and God desires all people that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, and it, it, I think it, it, it can be very striking when we hear in our prayers, the prayer of the church in particular. Especially in days forthcoming, how we will pray for our leaders. So I, I think this past Sunday we prayed for the president-elect and vice president-elect. Um, we still pray for our enemies and for those that we dislike. Okay, for various reasons uh, we might dislike them, but God calls us to pray for them and also to love them. Remember. Uh, this might be kind of a by-the-way thing, but I, I think it's important. Love does not demonstrate itself simply because the person is lovable. And, you know, all we have to do to reflect on that is, is look at God's love for sinners. Is there anything worthy or deserving of sinners that God loves them? And the answer, of course, is no. 
And yet, what does he do? He continues to love. Uh, God so loved the world, John 3.16, um, and the like. And this is love, not that we love God, but the, that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. So, you know, thinking of all this, I mean, it does have to do with prayer, right? And it does have to do with the times that we're living in currently as well. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, the early Christian martyrs, for example, um, they kept to their faith, they loved their enemies, and uh, to such a degree that, that many, uh, many of their persecutors, or at least uh, more than a few, became Christian. You know, and I wonder, I mean, I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit already. I didn't open my mouth. It's not your fault. This time. Yeah. But, but you know, just, you know, how many are asking about, you know, like in the early church, why are you doing this? You know, non-Christians would ask, Christians, why are you doing this? Why are you suffering? Wouldn't it be easier just to, you know, light that candle for the emperor? You know, um, in, you know, they, they Christians were given kind of this, uh, you know, this test, and if they passed it, then they were okay. But if not, then they were tortured and, you know, they suffered. And one was simply okay, light a candle to the emperor, you know, kind of thing. And some did, but many didn't. You know, um, and uh, you know, are, are people asking that today? Well, why are the Christians still gathering? Why are the Christians saying this? Why are the Christians loving those who are um, not worthy of being loved, and so on and so forth? I wonder, just a hypothetical, but it is practical too. How many are saying that at the Christian church today? You know, speaking the truth when it's not politically correct to do that. Can I say that politically correct? Uh, but. Uh, yeah, and people just uh, aren't getting it. But, um, anyway, let's uh, let's continue. Open to James chapter one. And my my plan today is uh, at least uh, you know before break uh, to uh, to uh, review this and uh, maybe perhaps another slide or two, and then uh, get into some Luther about what he says concerning prayer for this large category. Which I, I think does uh, is uh, uh, relevant to uh, the study of the prayer of the church, but also greatly relevant for our day as well. Okay, so uh, James chapter one. Could someone read verses five through eight? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Okay, so what what is the what is the uh, the request here referred to uh, for uh, with reference to prayer? Lack of wisdom. Yeah, lack of wisdom. And uh, you know, it, it's it, it's written right here, but sometimes uh, you know, with uh, you know, the, the catechesis uh, that we're using with the adults as well as uh, with with the younger people, 
um, we're looking at scripture and oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll, we'll read a little bit and then we'll stop and talk about it, right? Another method in catechesis is kind of question and answer. So, you know, uh, sometimes, okay, so what is the main thing that is being asked here um, or asked for? Wisdom. Um, let him ask who? God, right? And then, you know, because that's a way of uh, teaching, a, a, a way of training, and uh, drawing attention to the text itself. You know, um, I don't know if you guys, if you find this, but especially in the public square, but even in church, so often there will be references to the Bible, but they're completely taken out of context. Yes. You know, um, and, and it's taken out of context in such a way that it benefits the speaker and doesn't really get at what God himself is revealing in his word. Yeah. Well, speaking of context, like that open window, and the context here I think is important. Verse uh, <coughs> 4, especially verse 3, where it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Um, the idea of verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, I think a lot of us in our life will say, why Lord? Right. Yeah. Okay, we're, we, we're kind of without answers. Yeah. And that usually is prompted because we're going through difficult times. And so the context there says, you know, verse 2, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials or, or challenges. So, um, you know, it's not just wisdom like make me smarter, right. but rather help me in faith to tie into His will. Yeah, you know in that regard, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, and I'm, I'm thinking one of the examples that we'll be looking at in just a, in just a bit is, is Solomon's prayer. Yeah. You know, which you know, I mean, you might not call that a trial, um, but he does ask for discernment. Right. You know, because he, he finds himself, you know, not uh, not not as strong in that area. Perhaps. You know, um, you know, somewhat weak and needing needing assistance, needing yeah. help. Being in touch with our weaknesses. Right. Yeah. And and you know, I was almost going to say, you know, you read that. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And I almost would, you know, that a gut reaction is what. <laughs> You know, what the heck is going on here? Count it all joys, you know, and then Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are they, blessed are you when they persecute you. Yeah. You know, and say all kinds of evil yeah. things against you on account of me. And then, you know, um, for suffering, um, you know, for true godly suffering, uh, I encourage you to read Peter's letters, First and Second Peter. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, it, it, again, you know, God has a, a uh, how should I say, he's, he's, he's on a different plane, or his word is on a different plane than we are. You know, we think of suffering, oh, I have to deal with this. And it may be suffering, but the kind of suffering that, that God reveals in his word that like comes among Christians is not merely physical. Yeah. We pray, thy will be done in the Lord's prayer. And we end parts of prayer with, if it be thy will. And it's it's not only for bad things, but going back to John 3.16, God wants us to be saved. 
and that part of his will, you know, we all agree with, but uh, being but human, we just... Yeah. How he answers that is received only by one who has faith. Uh, because, you know, we, we might pray, take this away, take that away, make, make life easier, and, and God essentially says no. And, uh, he does that for our good. Right? I, I mean, you know, Paul speaks of this way, crucifying the sinful flesh. You know, Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know, I, I kind of tend to think that uh, part of that denying self also is very related to what we encounter in life. Not good. You know, as we see it, not good. But in God's eyes, this is a means of purifying. Right? I mean, so, you know, he talks about, you know, iron or, or silver being purified. Right? Getting the impurities out of the, uh, out of the metals, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we, we, we say trial by fire, but, but uh, you know, how much one is strengthened by that. You know, uh, someone had mentioned earlier about uh, nurses getting the vaccines with, you know, the huge, you know, muscular, right? Uh, but how does one get stronger? Vaccine? <laughs> Practice. Well, exercise. Well, exercise. You know, you work out. You, the exercise. You know, you're, you're uh, maybe, you know, to, you know, I... I never served in the military. I, I, I probably said that before, but you know it's amazing the transformations from what I understand that can take place in a 12-week period of time. Is that 12 weeks? Is that usually depends on what branch? Depending on the service. Yeah. Okay. Air Force is eight weeks. Yeah, they got okay. Casey. Okay. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> no, but but uh, you know just the, the the change that can take place in just a minimal amount of time. You know, when, when you have to change basically everything that you've done in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So your eating is all irregular, right? You're you're uh, you're 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 stressing out your body pretty much almost 24/7, right? You know, uh, not getting sleep, from what I understand. Right? It's true. Yeah. Um, you know, being at the ready, and you know, so you're training your body, um, but but where you started is very different from where where you end up. Afterwards, your thinking changes too. Yeah, and you get haircuts. <laughs> your your thinking changes completely, unless you're already a, uh, a military person. ROTC, you're probably already there. If you are ROTC, you were probably already on that Perhaps. mindset. But, but I, you know, it's you know, I, the, the the point is, you know, how does one grow? You know, and, and you know, I, I think many will, will say this. Um, academics, you know, will, will, and, and others too that uh, are aware of these things will say that the greater growth takes place with disappointment than it does success. Sometimes you have to go to rock bottom, I guess, too. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like you fail a you, you fail a test, for example, if you're in school, you fail a test, and, and you might think, you know, oh gosh, I'm so bad, you know, um, and and some will just kind of wallow in their sorrow and their grief. You know, there's nothing I can do. Or others, for example, they'll 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 use that as kind of like, okay, this is a kick in the pants for me. You know, I'm I'm going to apply myself more greatly. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, what's amazing with with this is, you know, um, you know, we do pray, Thy will be done, O Lord. We pray His kingdom come, um, and the like. And I was almost wanting to say, we have to be careful with that, though. 
Um, you know, I, I've heard it said before, uh, you, be careful about praying for patience. Oh, no. <laughs> but, on whose end are we talking from? We're talking from our own end. Um, you know, but what would, what would God have us pray for? Right? I mean, that's the question. So then, you know, saying, you know, you know thy will be done, and then placing ourselves as Luther does in, in the, the morning and evening prayer into your hands, I commend myself, as all Christians will do. Um, it can be a scary thing because um, because God has in plan sometimes, often, what we don't. You know, and, and, and God knows what he's doing even though we do not. I mean, and, and his will is far greater than ours, and he knows what he's doing, even though, you know, we think we know what we're doing, you know, going this way, doing that thing, uh, and the like. Um, and, and by the way, this would also apply to the church, too. Um, compromise is never the answer when it comes to the truth of, of God's word. You know, and, and yet, and, and I, I, I am kind of... Uh, you know, the, the way that they, the things are going today, I, I just wonder how many congregations, how many church bodies, how many pastors and, and, and Christians are going to stand firm in their faith on Christ. Because um, there's a, there's been a lot of compromise over the last 20 years. 4,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what, what, is, what is truly valuable and what is priceless is... Word of God, and you know um, that's where we take our stand. And you know we, we, we've 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 said this, uh, you know, and, and this is part of our proclamation. But it, it, it's not based on numbers; it's based on God Himself and His Word and His grace and His mm-hmm. mercy. You know, um, so uh, you know, and, and, and that also applies to prayer too. Um, who was you remember uh, Saul? The first king of Israel, um, who was told by Samuel uh, to wait for him. I think it was, was it Gibeon. Uh, he was to wait, and uh, he didn't. He was supposed to wait a certain time until Samuel came, and, and he was like, I'm, you know, ad living here. He was looking at his watch. <laughs> you know, okay, uh, he's he's not here. I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice. Yeah, that was a bad. And that was the first time that, that it's recorded from from what I recall in, in scripture when he goes against what God says through the prophet Samuel. The second time, just as bad, um, you know, is, is when uh, when Samuel said, okay, wait in this uh, certain place and uh, by the way, um, demolish the Amalekites. Do away with them, everything. Don't keep anything for yourself. Kill the king, you know, you know, uh, destroy them completely. And Saul took it upon himself not to. And he used the justification in his mind of keeping the best booty for sacrifice and offering to God. And and Samuel, uh, you know, comes and the the memorable phrase is something like, uh, you know, uh, I hear the bleeding of sheep. Yeah, yeah. I hear the bleeding of sheep, and uh, he was pretty ticked, I think. Um, and certainly God was, you know. And he confronts Saul to his face, and he says, 
what did God tell you to do? How come you haven't done it? And then he said, much like Aaron did before him, well, the people did this. Um, yes, but you have charge and authority over the people. Much like Adam did. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's not, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not like he had, uh, I, I guess I want to say, you know, he may have had good intentions about offering to God the best thing, the, the best things that he found, but the problem was God told him not to do that. You know, in the same way, you know, when we look at, uh, we, we talked about uh, Genesis 3 last night, uh, you know, concerning the fall, and, you know, some would say, well, why would God punish them in such a way because they ate fruit? I mean, you guys eat apples and just grapes. And, yeah, yeah, it's just an apple, right? But that was not the issue. The issue was that God said, don't do it. And they did it. Right? So, you know, we, we don't worship God our own way. We worship the way that he demands that we be worshipped. If we don't understand. So, even if we don't understand it. So, you know, Luther... Um, you know, comments in his uh, in his large catechism on baptism, I think it is. You know, if, if God had if God had given us straw to use instead of water, or another element, um, then that would be the sacrament attached with the word, or the element attached with the word that makes a sacrament, because it's not dependent on us; it's dependent on His word. Right? I mean, water by itself is just what? Water. Water. But with the Word of God, it becomes a blessed means of grace. A means of forgiveness. Right? So uh, we're not done with James yet, by the way. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, and, and this is in the context of uh, trial, and, and perhaps also, you know, with, with reference uh, for, uh, you know, Suffering and, and uh, trials of all kinds, lacking wisdom is to recognize that, hey, I, I think a part of this is, is, is also to be able to say, you know, God is not punishing me because of any particular sin. As if, okay, I've got to change this sin and then God is going to start loving me again. Because I, I think there there is that quite prevalency of, uh, of belief that, okay, if I'm sick, if I'm in the hospital, it's because of what I've done. Right? Um, and yet, for the Christian, we know that all punishment, all punishment, and not just the punishment of, of sins before baptism, as the Catholics teach, uh, but all sin has been taken care of in who? So that means if I'm in the hospital, um, you know, with, with this ailment, it's not because God is judging me uh, because I did this or because I did that. Now, this is a different thing than if, if someone is in the hospital because they smoked for 30 years. I, I've heard, maybe you've heard that too, kind of a side note, but some will say, why is God doing this to me? <laughs> and you want to say, God didn't do this to you, you did this to me. And, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of hard to hear. It's probably hard to say, too, depending on the, on the relationship. Um, but, but, but again, you know, what has God said, what has he not said? And I, I was reminded just recently of this, what has God promised, what has he not promised? Um, so I, I was uh, responding to, uh, to someone uh, recently who, uh, 
who basically, I, I don't know if they're Christian, uh, but uh, but they were they were stating essentially that uh, they, they they had suffered in their life. I think their mom died, or her mom died years ago, you know, and there was anger and bitterness towards God. And uh, you know, um, I, I think uh, there, there is there there are those who are angry at God for this or for that. Um, but at the same time, when we say Thy will be done, we're also including that in there too. Right? I mean, so if this person dies, or if he lives, it's not up to me. It's not up to us. And, and we believe God to be gracious and merciful, uh, even if that person does suffer and die. Right? I mean, and even that person who is suffering and dying, as they're Christian, they also believe that too. Why? Because Christ Himself suffered and died. Because of the promise given. And 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 my. Part of the response to uh, this individual was, God has not promised us a griefless and a sorrowless life. Remember what he said to his disciples? And maybe this isn't the time to say this because of our circumstance with the government and, and fear, right? But I, I think it's a perfect place. And that is, you know, when Jesus says to his disciples in the world, you will have tribulation. But what does he say after that? But be of good cheer. I will overcome the world. You know, and in, 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 in uh, 1 John chapter 5, the evangelist says, uh, this is what has overcome the world, our faith. But not a nebulous, vacuous faith, but one that is centered on Christ Jesus, who is, by the way, coming again at his own time. And in the meantime, while he is... Uh, you know, uh, absent, at least, uh, you know, in such a way before he returns, uh, what is our confidence, what is our hope? Not only that he is returning, but also in what he gives us daily now, right? His word, his mercy, uh, his, his grace and favor. Let's, uh, let's, uh, so he gives, God gives generally to all without reproach, uh, but notice the emphasis here in verse 6. Asking in faith. Now, uh, in, in terms of prayer, uh, prayer is not saying, God, give me this or I'm not going to believe. Years ago, I, I heard of some uh, some students who, uh, who were not Christian and yet then they claimed to have prayed and they got an A on a test and they said, oh, now I believe in God because he gave me an A on this test. I, I really really hope that there's more to it than that. Um, because I, I, I think we're, we're kind of geared in that direction. If God answers me and gives me what I want, then he must be true. Right? Then he must be my God and favorable towards me. Um, but that's that's all, you know, in, in one's mind, you know, they're at peace with God. But what happens when 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 the the building crashes? What happens when the rain falls? And you know this, right? When it rains, it pours. Yeah. What happens at those times? You know, that the temptation is to say, well, God loves me if things are going well. Or when things are going well, I know God loves me. But when things are going not so well, yeah. I mean, we, we still confess that, right? Because of, because of Christ. Uh, but there are those who say, that well you know all this is happening God must not love me too much 
Um, but uh, you know, perhaps we also ask for the wisdom without knowing it that um, even when things are not going the way that we would like them to, but they're going the way that God, um, in His uh, in His merciful will, um, and also according to His hidden will, uh, you know, to us, uh, we know that God is doing what He does for our good, and that we remain in the faith. Um, I had a professor, and you. Um, uh, and, and he's deceased now. He he was the one who wrote the commentary on Revelation. I don't know if you ever had a chance Louis to Louis Bright, Professor Brighton. Yes. Um, Outstanding. I, I had him for a number of classes at, at the seminary, and uh, I remember him saying this in, in one of the classes, and it was startling then, and it's kind of startling now. But I, I think there's uh, you know a, a lot of uh, good that comes from it, and he said. Uh, of his kids, he he actually prayed. He said he prayed every night, and he was one, and he was one in particular compared to other seminary professors, I think, because I had him for a number of classes. He said he seemed to say this similar things in different classes, you know. And and uh, asked me about it later. He said some some really wild things too, uh, good things, but you know, really shocking. Uh, but one of the things that he was mentioning was. Uh, Every night he would pray that his children would remain in the faith, but if they were tempted to lose their faith, then he actually prayed that the Lord take them before they lose their faith. And I mean, you could you could see. I mean, if you've ever looked at the commentary, Revelation commentary, or if if, if you've known him or, or or heard about him, I'm sure there's uh, probably audio from issues, etc., and, and some other places uh, with him on there. But you could see the. The intensity, the uh, you know, the uh, the love that he had for God and for truth, you know, and, and to pray that Lord, if it's your will, you know, take the child before he loses faith. Um, it, it just it, it's really striking because when we pray, Thy will be done. I mean, that then encompasses more than just right what's right in front of us. And uh, you know who knows? I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, say speak as a prophet here, but what we're facing as a society could it be God's will? Of course. I, I'm not sure what I was watching. Charlie was watching it with me. I, it was one of the news, the conservative news, I think. That and they said that there's more, actually, more Christians in China than non-Christians. That very well could be. I mean, and, I mean, that's God's will. And, you know, God's will is to, to do that here, too, to change people. I'm not sure how. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I think, uh, who was it? Uh, well, actually, Luther, um, you know, before he was converted, um, he was still Catholic, but before he was converted, um, you know, he reports that at the rustling of a leaf, his conscience would be struck. Because he was so burdened by the law, and uh, it, it wasn't until you know when he when he uh, you know when he believed the gospel that all of that weight was lifted. And uh, it, it's it's amazing how how often and, and it, it, it demonstrates the um, you know the tenacity and the uh, you know the 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 greatness of our sin 
in our arrogance and pride mm -hmm. um, that we have to be beaten as we do uh, in, in order to, to recognize that it's not about us. You know, it, it, it's centered on God for us in Christ. You know, salvation, you know, I mean, so many people think that they can do it themselves. They can't. You know, and, uh, you know, I, you know, mentioning uh, hitting rock bottom. Um, in my understanding, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, and the other Anonymous is, if we say that, you know, fill in the blank before. Um, I, I, think, yeah, I mean, don't, don't most of them, you know, say that before you can improve, you have to hit rock bottom. You have to realize you need to. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in, in the, you know, using the Bible, what else is that except, you know, being being struck by the law saying, no, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. You are condemned, you are judged, you don't deserve anything but God's judgment and wrath. Uh, remember in, in, uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached that sermon, they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized. Yeah. Uh, I think our country's in that place where they have hit rock bottom before it was back. I think the depression brought a lot of people back to God. You know, they got to where they couldn't depend on the government. They couldn't depend on yeah. So they, they yeah. turned to God, and I think the time probably coming again that people will turn back to God. I, I, I pray so. Um, I, I just wish, yeah, wish we, we weren't we so hard on Yeah. <laughs> You know, because it, it, yeah, you know, and it's, you know, thinking of, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy to, to, to fear, I think, about what might be, you know, especially when, you know, because media, you know, even if, even the, the right media, and I, I don't mean, uh, I, I mean opposed to the left, right, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the more conservative uh, rather than the more liberal. Um, what they say um, you know, can can cause a great deal of concern to the other direction, right? Um, so you know, what about uh, what do they call them preppers? You know, like well, there's there's going to be a time when when uh, you know the electric grid is going to shut down and there's going to be pandemic and okay, so we have to start stockpiling in our homes. And, yeah. You know, there there are the extremists. I I think in, in both directions, right? Um, but, uh, you know, God calls us, and, and, and again, I, I think wisdom is needed here. Um, God calls us to continue to believe his promises, but at the same time, not take for granted the gifts that he has given and the preparations potentially to be made, you know, uh, and the like. Uh, I remember a time years ago, and actually I should, shouldn't say I remember because I really don't because I didn't live through them. Um, but in the earlier uh, years of our church body, wasn't there a time when uh, when insurance was seen, you know, purchasing insurance was seen as a lack of trust in God? Yeah, sure. <coughs> right. Well, they, the church in the Lutheran church was against in yeah. church years ago. Yeah. And better to get in your church than. You mentioned Luther. The movies show him in the Greek, and he reads, the just shall live by his faith. 
It's an epiphany. He realized the whole thing right there from that one phrase. I can read the just to live by the faith. Yeah, sure. Okay, what's next? You know, it just doesn't hit me the way it hit him. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a uh, dramatic license. That's just you, Earl. Carl, it doesn't hit you that way because you didn't grow up as Catholic, constantly doing penance and wondering if it was enough. I think that's why it yeah. hit him in that way because he kept thinking he had to make all of that up and, and oh, yeah. wipe out for his sins. And as a Baptist person, they don't have that same emphasis. I mean, it's a terrible burden. Are you saying you people? I'm saying people that didn't grow up Catholics. But yeah, I, I think, people. And, 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 and this girl, it also has to do with language, too, because, you know, we kind of, I, I think, generally speaking, we take for granted, you know, just. We take for granted faith. You know, um, even by live and buy, we take for granted these things. I mean, we're, we, 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 you know, for many of us, we were raised Christian, you know, uh, somewhat, and the like, yeah. Um, but the just shall live by faith, yeah. Um, if, if you go by, you know, what did he um, understand concerning the just or the word righteous? You know, those who do good, not those that are good, right? So, I mean, there's a difference, right? You know, so so the belief in the Catholic Church, and correct me if I'm wrong um, on this, but you know there there was this uh, ideal, you know that that you were saved by grace, but this grace moved you also to do good works. So essentially, you were saved by God's grace by what He had done, but you had something to do too. You had a part to play in it as well. Uh, and uh, the belief then. As well as, I, I think, in, in large degree, I mean, still today, of course, in the Catholic Church, but in other areas of, of, of Christendom, as a whole, the, the, you know, to speak of a righteous God, you know, is not only to be speaking of a perfect God, uh, but that one um, who demands righteousness. And this is the, and he does demand righteousness, but the way that it was understood by, uh, by Luther and uh, others then as well as now is that you know the the righteousness of God is the righteousness of God also to judge and to condemn whereas Luther came to the conclusion by reading scripture that the righteousness of God is the righteousness that God freely gives for Christ's sake God is a just God he does judge he does punish but the righteousness of God um, you know prevalently is that uh, righteousness by which God also gives or declares, and I'm speaking justification objectively given, you know, um, and, and very different. Um, you know, so he came across those words and, and he saw God as an angry God. Yeah. He didn't love him at all. And uh, I, 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 for one, am thankful for his openness. For his? Openness. You know, in terms of, you know, like, I remember this in, in Roland Bacon's uh, Here I Stand, uh, you know, book. He, he says, I hated God. I mean, how could I love a God that is so unmerciful and uncharitable and demands what I cannot do? 
and uh, all non-Christians, uh, and, um, and I'm including in here uh, in the, that definition of unchristian those who claim to be Christian but have no faith and confidence in Christ. It, it's still all about what they do to God or before God. And uh, that, that's what's so disheartening because even now, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard on some stations anyway, uh, you know, okay, so what's next? What are we going to do now? You know, uh, namely conservatives, but Christians might say that too. Well, are we going to do anything different than what we've done for the last thousands, couple thousands of years? Believe in God, trust in Him, keep doing what He says to do, love your neighbor, love your enemy, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Crazy stuff, right? Uh, but that's what God would have us do. And, and, you know, it's not about reinventing the wheel. The wheel is already there. It's, it's perhaps using it. Yeah. Well, those of us that have loving fathers that disciplined us, we can understand the discipline that people that are raised, even their fathers may be loving fathers, but they don't discipline their children. It's hard for them to understand. And, of course, now today there's many to know even had a father figure in the house. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a different world. Yeah. These kids coming up now, it's a lot harder for them to understand things. And, and just to clarify, I, I did not mean that we, we, we keep doing the status quo thing either. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking like in our education systems. Um, and they're like, I'm, I'm not, you know, that, that needs to be changed, but it doesn't start from the top down. We need a, we need a start with our school board. And, have yeah. put all the books on display that they're teaching in the schools. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's part of the issue, though, too, I, I think because uh, school boards and others, I mean, they, they have a, a different ideology. You know, that's what I say, they, they need to put everything out that they're teaching so that yeah. the people that want to find out what's going on in their schools can just walk in and, and help over and stay talking. Yeah, and, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. There were so many things that were just starting to turn right correctly, like education, you know, the parents being aware of things from education, yeah. what was being taught, and, yeah. and um, making sure that history is taught and that we remember right. history and, yeah. you know, all those things. And we thought, boy, you know, we're getting this all straightened out. Yeah. And then, boom. And, but at least, we're more aware of all that, and we've right. learned a lot. And, and I, I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll cover this in, you know, basically, uh, you know, I, I'll say two things with what I'm referring to, and that's speaking the truth. Not your truth, not my truth, but the truth. Um, and then calling sin, sin, calling good, evil, or calling good, good, and evil, evil. You know, let, let's be honest and upfront about what's really going on. Education's went downhill ever since they yeah. done away with small schools and consolidated the schools. When yeah. the local school board had pretty much control of what was taught in the schools, and, and the, the community was involved in the, in the small schools. Everybody knew each other. The, the one room school, the older kids went home and told what was being taught to the younger kids, and everybody knew what was going on. Right. And, yeah. All right, one last thing, and then uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at James 5 after the break. Uh, but notice in, in James 1, we're still there, 
but uh, notice that the you know let him ask in faith verse six with no doubting, and then he gives an illustration. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, right? Notice also, you know how how James admonishes uh, you know those who have that uh, who have the lack of faith or who don't have faith. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. You know, uh, in, in, I think it's in Hebrews. Um, he says that uh, one who uh, believes in God or, or believes in, or one who, who prays to God must believe that He is. Yes. Right. I mean, that's fairly clear. I mean, it's not a um, God. If you're there, if you hear me, knock knock. You know, that's not faith. Um, faith is a confident trust in what God has promised and what God has given. Right. So you know, we we think of Abraham, for example. God told Abraham in, in Genesis 12, you know, go to uh, this land. And what does Abraham do? He doesn't stomp off and go in the other direction like Jonah did. But, I mean, that's the amazing thing about Jonah is that God still used him. He went the other way, and, and God said, no, you're going where I'm telling you to go, right? Um, even like with Moses, too. God calls Moses, remember, take off your sandals because the place you're standing is holy ground. And uh, he says, "Okay, I'm going to send you to the Israelites, and you're going to speak to Pharaoh, and you're going to get, you know, you're going to lead them out of the, out of the, the land of Egypt." Who am I? I can't speak. That's what he said, right? Well, you brother, right? And <laughs> and then God says, "Who gave the mouth?" <laughs> and he still said, I, "I I don't want to do this." And I'm paraphrasing. And then he says, "Is it your brother coming?" Brother Aaron, he's going to speak for you, but you're going to go, right? And yet God also provided him with the gifts and the abilities. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, when did Moses leave Egypt, do you recall? Was it when he was about 40? Yeah, I think that's right. He left when he was about 40. And he was trained, he was he was brought up in Pharaoh's house. Which would have been given him the best education in the Yeah, so he knew. Right? I mean, he knew how to speak. I, I don't know if they took oratory, you know, speaking and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but but I'm sure he had various gifts that way. Um, and, uh, you know, that could be seen as a means of training then, you know, to be used uh, later by God in that way. So James chapter 5, we're in James. Um, so, a, again, this is concerning prayer. And, and this, uh, this list, of course, is not at all exhaustive. Um, in any way or shape of the term. Uh, but I want to start actually at verse 13 uh, of, uh, of James chapter 5. Again, quite relevant. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, I would suggest to you that this does not necessarily mean that one who is sick and then prays is going to immediately get better. They may, in fact, end up dying. But that does not mean God has not answered the prayer. Right? I mean, save, you know, will save the one who is sick. Save is not, is not only meant in a physical way, right? Mm -hmm but eternally saved. 
right? I mean, th this is what's so profound in, in, in a number of the Gospels where Jesus heals somebody and uh, and he'll actually say your faith has made you well. That's, that's the English translation. But the literal is your faith has saved you. Um, which kind of gives a bigger picture then than just, you know, getting over that flu or that COVID or, you know, uh, that cancer. Um, this has to do with eternal life. You know, which, uh, remember before the fall, was there any sickness? No. There was no death. There was no disease. Um, so, you know, you know, God healing, Jesus healing people was a, a foretaste of what was to come. You know, when uh, when when uh, when the Lord returns and we rejoice in the new kingdom, there will be no sickness, no pain, no suffering. Um, so that's restored. You know, to uh, to what it was before the fall. Right. Um, so continuing, the Lord will raise him up. Uh, that seems to have the connotation of resurrection to doesn't it? Yeah. Raise him up. Um, you know, and I, I could see how, uh, you know, some will say, well, save the sick, make them better. And then also, uh, just on a physical level, and we'll raise him up, we'll make him feel better about himself. You know, kind of thing. That's not what Scripture is talking about. Yeah. Pastor, please. Uh, I'd like to, particularly from a pastoral vantage point, and you know, after kind of doing that location for a few years, emphasize what he says in verse 14. Let him call for the elders. Because time and again, you hear about people say, well, nobody ever called on me and I was down and out or I was sick or I was in the hospital yeah. and nobody visited me. And that's sad and that's unfortunate on occasion, but sometimes the pastor's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. And sometimes you need to call the pastor you tell him, inform him, I'm going into the hospital, I'd like a visit. Right. You know, or I'm going through some tough times at home, I need a visit. Come come visit me. Or call the elders. You know, and I, I, I include the pastor with the, the, the elders. Yeah. You know, so whether the lay elder or the clergy elder. Yes. Don't sit around waiting yep. for, you know, somebody to just show up at your door. I mean, you know, if your cable's, you know, TV yeah. is on the blank, you don't wait for the guy to just maybe show up and fix it, do you? <laughs> so you got to call them and say my cable's on the blank. Yeah. So you call the pastor, let him know, and yeah. inform him. Don't just wait around. Could could this uh, could what you're saying be uh, kind of contrary to this individualistic way of handling things? You know, individualistic in the sense of okay, I some some will say, well, I can manage this myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's another component, but but also I don't need to ask your help. You know, or or you know, if if if, if, if they love me, then they'll call. You know, kind of thing. Um, and uh, you know, that's kind of an extension. But yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, the, the Christian church, uh, there's a reason why, like Paul makes reference to the the the, uh, the church as the body of Christ, not one member, but many members. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, not this is not a theological term, but just keeping in touch, right? Uh, not only from the pastor 
to the people, but also perhaps to the people, from the people to the pastor too. If he's so blunt as to say, Pastor, would you say a prayer with me now? You know, sometimes, you know, the pastor will offer to say a prayer, but I, I love that when people would ask me, would you say a prayer, Pastor? Just come right out and say it. Yeah. You know, ask for the prayer. Especially, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about this, and I'm thinking of some of the people that have not shown up just because of COVID. We haven't heard from them. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, it's like what you're saying, you know, Pastor Blake says, you know, I know we've tried to contact those people. And it's like, cool, thank you. But, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, much to, uh, much to consider here. Notice also, uh, you know, in verse 15, James continues, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. I don't know, maybe somebody's praying. I don't think so. I do know some people that don't like rain, so it surprise me. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its I mean, unique circumstances, certainly, in Elijah's day. Um, you might recall that there was the account of uh, Elijah being, uh, I think it was Elijah in the, 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 the jar of oil, wasn't it? Or was that Elisha? Um, there's similar accounts, but uh, uh, Elijah uh, was staying at, or would be staying at, uh, at a widow's house uh, who had a son. And uh, she was... Uh, very concerned because she was going to have to basically sell her son, you know, in order to, to survive. I think she wasn't even an Israelite. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Elijah said, "Help, you know, gather as many jars as you can." And the Lord filled up the jars with oil, and they sold the oil. You know, um, so they were able to, to make uh, the rent payments. Like, um, but. Uh, yeah, and this is, a, you know, I, I also want to say this, too, uh, you know, just kind of, a, I mean, this is not a hypothetical question, but what happens when you have Christians, um, you know, from, like, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that there were Christians in Germany at the time of, uh, in, in the 1940s, and you have war going on, and, and, you know, so you have American Christians praying that the Lord give them their victory. And then you had German Christians who were praying, Lord, give us a victory. Um, you know, you know, some some will speak that way with reference to football games too, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or baseball, which, which it doesn't work. Yeah, anytime, it, it, we don't, anytime you get two people in conflict, somebody's going to want Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know the, the the thought is, you know, some would say, well, we won, so that must have been God's will. Yeah. As if to say that they knew God's will. <laughs> You know, and the like, uh, but but really placing placing our hands into into God's care and keeping means just that. Even if we lose, what difference does it make, right? I mean, we still win, right? I mean, 
and Luther kind of expressed it this way. This is, I, I think, from I think from uh, two kinds. Of, uh, a treatise called Two Kinds of Righteousness, or actually, it, it could be the freedom of the Christian um, that he wrote this. But but uh, you know, he comments. And I'm paraphrasing, but he comments: one in a jail cell is not imprisoned. Say that again, please. One in a jail cell who is Christian is not imprisoned. Right. His body is, but his soul is not. And which is the greater, right? You know, um, and, and I'm, I'm reflective of, uh, you know, the, the last few words of, uh, I think it's the, is it the first line of a mighty fortress? You know, let them take my, what, my wife, my home? Mm-hmm. I forget the exact wording. But uh, let them take all that is mine. God remains God. And, uh, those those words, uh, I, I believe, uh, are to be heard. You know, at, at all times, not just when things are going the way we like them to go, um, but even when they're not, because God, again, remains God, regardless. And 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 you know, consider the disciples of our Lord on Good Friday. What did they see? What did they experience? There, I asked, what did they feel? Um, but what did they know? Right, the one who you know we, we hear this with the on the with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We thought this guy was the Messiah, and he did wonderful things. Um, and then there's this strange report that his body was not in the tomb. Right? He almost wanted to knock him on the head. <laughs> Do you remember that Jesus told you this? Right, um, but uh, they were they were literally down and out. They, they literally placed all their eggs in one basket. And they thought the basket was broken. They were human. They were human, yeah. Hey, we are too, aren't we? <laughs> you know, and, and remember, Jesus says to them, do not fear, because I. Jesus says that to us too, doesn't he? Uh, so, so this is not the time to, to stay away from church, regardless of a pandemic and the like, but even more so to be in church and hearing the word, being fed with the bread of life. All right, let's uh, let's look to First uh, Kings chapter three, Old Testament, uh, often referred to as uh, the history section or a part of the history section of uh, of the Old Testament. First Kings chapter three, and we've got a, a, a few more verses to read here. Put that back. Can we start with uh, Wayne over here with verse 3 and we'll work ourselves around to verse 15. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense in high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in unrighteousness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and 
you have given him a son to on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. Therefore give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Right. And we hear, um, you know, of course, that God. Oh, that's the other way. Well, my eyes are deceiving me. Go ahead. Verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. You asked for this, God answered, and you didn't ask for a long life or riches or the death of your enemies, but you asked to be able to understand how to be just and give him judgment. Behold, I have done according to your word. She has given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no evil over And if you will walk in my ways and keep my statutes, my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offering and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So he had dreamed this, uh, but in the dream, what does he ask for of God? Yeah. And, and notice it, it, what's intriguing to me is it is not Solomon who said Lord give me according to your will what you desire it was God who said what can I give you mm-hmm. uh, and, and he gave him that wisdom uh, you know everything was in the Lord's hands and, uh, and, and we see also that the Lord gave blessings that Solomon had not asked for Right, so he asked for discernment, he asked for wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, but the Lord also gave him uh, riches and uh, and uh, the certainty of his uh, of his kindness to him. Okay, and then immediately after, of course, then there's this, an account which is really profound um, of uh, of a demonstration of the Lord's wisdom given to Solomon, you know, which which really stands out. Uh, because uh, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, if you go to the courts, they'd be arguing this for, for ages, probably. Yeah. But uh, but he just says what he says, yeah. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy will be done. But that's not enough for us. We want to know what to do. And to know what to do or to say is wisdom. Right. And, and you know, one of the classes I teach is uh, it's called uh, Calling. Christian on Christian vocation, and, and a majority of the students actually think that you have to know what God wants you to do in order to be doing it. Um, and and, and it's, it's in the sense of vocation, but you know, I mean, you don't have to ask a mom. Um, you know, do you know that? Uh, uh, do you know what it means to be a mom? Or do you have to know what it means to be a mom to be a mom or dad? just kind of do it, right? I mean, you mess up along the way, but you also learn a lot of stuff along the way too, right? Yeah. 
you know. Um, but but this idea, and I, I've, I've uh, you know commented on this uh, quite often, I think. But this idea that we have to know what God's purpose is in our life to to do it, that's false. Um, you know, the, the small catechism of, of, of Dr. Luther says it very clearly, as does scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the, the essence of the commandments is love. What is my purpose? Love. To love others. How do you do that? Well, if you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're a citizen, you know, uh, you know towards your enemy and, and so on and so forth. You know, similar things are going on. I mean, that that word love encompasses all of it, right? Um, you know, another component of this, um, in, in terms of, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say another component of this is uh, thinking that uh, only, only, or if, if I don't know my purpose in order that God wants to use me this way, then I've got to find it out, and that becomes kind of the goal. Yeah. And once you find it, okay, now what? Because I know what I'm supposed to do, um, but you know, uh, to, to many I, 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 uh, I give these words that it's it's not about trying to find out what you're supposed to do. It's doing what's right in front of you. You know, so uh, you know we can talk about years ahead, but but that's not the only or the primary concern of the Christian. It's the here and now, and uh, you know, with, with reference to prayer too. Um, and, and that's why, you know, you, you probably know this already, but what are what, what is uh, what are the three ways that God answers prayer? Yes, no, and wait. Yeah, wait, not yet, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I kind of surmise that that oftentimes God has answered our prayer, but we keep praying for it because we don't want to we don't want to take we don't like answer the answer. Yeah. You know, um, why are we so Dare I say stupid? <laughs> fallen. At least I want to say that about myself. But yeah, we, we are fallen. We're, we're fallen creatures. We're poor, miserable sinners. Uh, and have you ever noticed that, that, that sometimes God just kind of, he, he'll kind of tap you on your shoulder sometimes, but sometimes he just knocks you over. Yeah. And long, it's like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, for the sake of time, I and, and this is a, this is a, appropriate. Let's look at Daniel. And yes, we will be looking at one of the uh, the the, uh, the more memorable accounts of Daniel, <coughs> specifically before he's thrown in the in the in the den of lions. So let me set this up by just way of reminder. There there were. Uh, there were political leaders um, who convinced the king to basically uh, give an order, give it an ordinance saying, "You will pray to no one else other than, you know, other than the king." Right? Um, and if if uh, if uh, anyone makes a petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Okay. Now listen to what happened. Uh, could someone read verse 10 of chapter 6 in Daniel? Daniel's response. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. 
he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Yeah. And then if, if we were to continue, basically they they noticed yeah, they recognized they, they were waiting he had his window open. Who does that? Who opens their window when there's when <laughs> when there's basically a, a thirty day lockdown? <laughs> There's a 30-day period where they weren't supposed to pray to anybody except the king. Notice what you know, Daniel, and, and it doesn't seem like he's doing this arrogantly or frightfully. He just does what he normally does. Because who's the greater, God or the king? Of course, we know the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 I I, I wonder. And this is all speculative, but I wonder, like, oh, well, the government says we can't pray, so we better not. Um, That'll be the day. That's all I'll say. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think, uh, you know, when you, when, you throw, when, when you throw uncertainty in there, you know, um, then, you know, that's something else. And then uh, also love for neighbor and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a lot we just did not know, I think, with reference to the pandemic. I think it's becoming clearer, though, what is true and what is not. And uh, so I'll just leave it at that. We can talk afterwards, if you like. Uh, I'll, I'll draw your attention uh, to, uh, you know, to, to read the other sections on your own. Uh, but uh, th- this is just a, a Kind of a quick list of other prayers that are made during the service. The confession of sins, that too is a prayer, right? Where we're petitioning our Lord to forgive us our sins. Of course, we have the collect of the day. We looked at this already. The collect of the day kind of gathers the, the, the thoughts concerning the gospel in particular and, and moves that into prayer. The Lord's Prayer, of course, will we'll come to that uh, in more to greater detail coming up. The post communion collect. And I'm just kind of going down here, but a confession of sins. The offertory also is a prayer, and we talked about that. The proper preface, which we're coming to, and then also the numptimitis. We sing it, but it's also a prayer, right? Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. And this is one of the, the, the beauties, I think, of the hymnal, too. Uh, what were the three, yeah, the, the three devotional books used by, by Lutherans many years ago? And that are still available today, by the way. One is, of course, the Bible, right? Yeah. Small and large. The small catechism, yeah, you could include the large. I mean, I would add the Lutheran Confessions too, but but um, but the small catechism and then the hymnal. The hymnal. Uh, not only do you have devotions uh, or prayers in the hymnal. Uh, but you also have, of course, confessions of faith. Uh, you have prayers in the hymns too, um, and that, that's uh, that, that's a neat thing to do. And it's uh, it's very encouraging sometimes to go through the hymns and then actually pray the hymns because the words are right there. Uh, so you know, I, I'm not at all opposed to written prayers. Um, you know, and certainly the Christian does pray ex extemporaneously. Um, and and we do that, but at, but there are times when we want to where we pray prayers that have already been written, um, and especially with reference to the prayer of the church, as mentioned, we pray for everything. It's not just about us. 
it's not just about our congregation, but it includes petitions for our congregation and for our local context as well as the broader context. I'd like to say that the Lutheran service book is the most useful hymnal type book that I have ever used for a long term. Yeah. It has everything in it. Yeah, and, and even meditating on the hymns. I, I, I was joking with, uh, well, not really joking, but I was telling my, I, I was mentioning uh, to, uh, to family that uh, I know of, uh, you might know the name Royce. Royce, yeah. Royce. Uh, I, I think it was probably under, I want to say Jacob. Was he the father of Rolf? Or, or who was? <laughs> well, Jacob Royce was one of the brothers. Robert had all those. Okay, maybe it was Robert, but I, I, and I, I'm guessing his sons probably followed in the same line. But uh, they would actually. This was a time when, when their kids were younger, um, they would they would uh, say, "Okay, memorize this hymn, and I'll give you five cents." <laughs> you know, kind of thing. You know, but they would memorize the hymns. You know, and, and like it, uh, and, and it's. Um, but but the the thing is, like we we, we speak of memorizing scripture. And I, I pray that. Uh, we still retain the written word uh, in our nation. Uh, yeah. Um, going along with what uh, Earl just said, I, I find it useful, especially being in the pew now, uh, opening the hymnal before the service starts and looking at the prayers in the very beginning of the hymnal. And they have a whole page of appropriate prayers for the divine service. Right. There's a prayer before the service starts. There's a prayer for confession of sins. Right. You know, preparing. It's very preparatory. Right. And then there's a prayer for the word being preached and proclaimed. There's a prayer for before and after receiving the sacrament. And then there's a prayer after the service is over. Yeah, rather than just kind of jumping up and talking and all that visiting is great, but kind of put a, a prayerful thought at the end of the service it's just, right. and it's so they're short you know they're short little collects really right. but they're right there you don't have to go looking for them they're right on the front yeah. on the inside of the hymnal yeah. Indeed. Indeed. all right um, I'll leave you uh, with uh, just two more slides uh, here and I'll, I'll just kind of read that through them quickly these are from uh, Luther's large catechism uh, the handout you know that uh, we have we won't be able to get to today but uh, continuations of uh, Luther on, the on prayer he says we are in a situation where no person can perfectly keep the Ten Commandments even though he has begun to believe the devil with all his power together with the world in our own flesh resists our efforts uh, and by the way this is on um, the copy from last week so if you don't have it in front of you uh, just uh, kind of kind of listen closely the devil with all his power together with the world and our own flesh resists our efforts of keeping the Ten Commandments. Therefore, nothing is more necessary than that we should continually turn toward God's ear, call upon him, and pray to him. We must pray that he would give, preserve, and increase faith in us in the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters, which includes what? The world. The world. Politics. Our own sin. Right? Uh, and our, our sinful flesh and also the devil. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters of, of keeping his 
word, so that we might know what and how to pray our Lord Christ as himself taught us both the way and the words. Okay, the Lord's Prayer. Continuing, let this be the first and most important point. There's another one. Uh, but that all our prayers must be based and rest upon obedience to God, regardless of who we are, whether we are sinners or saints, worthy or unworthy. We must know that God will not have our prayer treated as a joke, but he will be angry and punish all who do not pray, just as surely as he punishes all other disobedience. Furthermore, he will not allow our prayers to be in vain or lost. If he did not intend to answer our prayer, he would not ask you to pray and add to such a severe commandment to it. So, I mean, this is another aspect of their prayer, too. We, you know, we come before God uh, not only because he promises to, to hear, but because he commands us to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, and on that basis, then we come before him. He says pray. If we don't pray, we're acting contrary to that word, right? Uh, also, by the way, uh, and this is very much related when, when Jesus says come, what does that sound like? says take drink. Yeah. Yeah. Take drink. Yeah, it's an imperative. You know, take eat, take drink, and then the promise for the forgiveness of sins. Let, let, let us do open the prayer. Heavenly Father, you are merciful unto us beyond measure. And yet there are times when it is more difficult to see your favor upon us, especially as we undergo trials and have struggles and face challenges as your beloved people, as part of your body. We pray that you would give us confidence in you and certainty of your mercies, your favor, your forgiveness, and your peace that passes all human understanding. Give us that peace that we so desire and that we are so undeserving of. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, so we started uh, looking at some of these last week. Uh, specifically, I think Matthew 18:20. Remember, that's where uh, Jesus says, "Where two or three are gathered together in my name, in the midst of them." We looked at a little bit at Luke 11. That is the account of the Lord's Prayer where the, in Luke's Gospel, where the disciples, after Jesus prays, the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he says, when you pray, say. Right? Um, and we looked at uh, 1 Timothy 2, which uh, we also mentioned, or at least there was mentioned in 1 Timothy, that when Paul is writing, to Timothy, they were still under Romish rule. And here Paul is saying this is commendable to God and and urging them to pray for rulers as well. You know, and God desires all people that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, And I think it, it, it can be very striking when we hear in our prayers the prayer of the church in particular Especially in days forthcoming, how we will pray for our leaders. So I, I think this past Sunday we prayed for the president-elect and vice president-elect. Um, we still pray for our enemies and for those that we dislike. Okay.
for various reasons. Uh, we might dislike them, but God calls us to pray for them and also to love them. Remember, uh, this might be kind of a by-the-way thing, but I, I think it's important. Love does not demonstrate itself simply because the person is lovable. And, you know, all we have to do to reflect on that is, is look at God's love for sinners. Is there anything worthy or deserving of sinners that God loves them? And the answer, of course, is no. And yet, what does he do? He continues to love. Uh, God so loved the world, John 3.16, um, and the like. And this is love, not that we love God, but the, that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. So, you know, thinking of all this, I mean, it does have to do with prayer, right? And it does have to do with the times that we're living in currently as well. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, the early Christian martyrs, for example, um, they kept to their faith, they loved their enemies, and uh, to such a degree that, that many, uh, many of their persecutors, or at least uh, more than a few, became Christian. You know, and I wonder, I mean, I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit already. I, I, uh, I didn't open my mouth. Yeah, it's not your fault. Uh, this time. Yeah. But, but you know, just, you know, how many are asking about, you know, like in the early church, why are you doing this? You know, yeah. non-Christians would ask, Christians, why are you doing this? Why are you suffering? Wouldn't it be easier just to, you know, light that candle and for the emperor? You know, um, in, you know, they, they Christians were given kind of this, uh, you know, this test, and if they passed it, then they were okay. But if not, then they were tortured and you know they suffered. And one was simply okay, light a candle to the emperor, you know, kind of thing. And some did, but many didn't. You know, um, and uh, you know, are, are people asking that today? Well, why are the Christians so gathering? Why are the Christians saying this? Why are the Christians loving those who are um, not worthy of being loved, and so on and so forth? I wonder, just a hypothetical, but it is practical too. And how many are saying that at the Christian church today? You know, speaking the truth when it's not politically correct to do that. Can I say that politically correct? Uh, but. Uh, yeah, and people just uh, aren't getting it. But, um, anyway, let's uh, let's continue. Open to James chapter one. And my my plan today is uh, at least uh, you know before break uh, to uh, to uh, review this and uh, maybe perhaps another slide or two, and then uh, get into some Luther about what he says concerning prayer for this large category. Which I, I think does uh, is uh, uh, relevant to uh, the study of the prayer of the church, but also greatly relevant for our day as well. Okay, so uh, James chapter one. Could someone read verses five through eight? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. 
For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Okay, so what what is the what is the uh, the request here referred to uh, for uh, with reference to prayer? The lack of wisdom. Yeah, lack of wisdom. And. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's written right here, but sometimes uh, you know, with uh, you know the, the catechesis uh, that we're using with the adults as well as uh, with with the younger people, um, we're looking at scripture, and oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll we'll read a little bit and then we'll stop and talk about it, right? Another method in catechesis is kind of question and answer. So you know, uh, sometimes okay. So what is the main thing that is being asked here? Or ask for wisdom. Um, let him ask who? God, right? And then you know because that's a way of, of teaching, a, a, a way of training, and uh, drawing attention to the text itself. You know, um, I don't know if you guys, if you find this, but especially in the public square, but even in church, so often there will be references to the Bible, but they're completely taken out of context. Yes. You know, uh, and and it's taken out of context in such a way that it benefits the speaker, and doesn't really get at what God Himself is revealing in His Word. Yeah. Well, speaking of context, like that open window, and context here, I think is important. Verse uh, <coughs> four, especially verse three, where it says, "Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance." Um, the idea of verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, I think a lot of us in our life will say, why, Lord? Right. Yeah. Okay, we're, we, we're kind of without answers. Yeah. And that usually is prompted because we're going through difficult times. And so the context there says, you know, verse 2, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials or, or challenges. So, um, you know, it's not just wisdom, like make me smarter, right. but rather helping in faith to tie into his will. Yeah. You know, in that regard, right? Yeah, yeah I, well, and I'm, I'm thinking one of the examples that we'll be looking at in just a, in just a bit is, is Solomon's prayer. Yeah. You know, which, you know, I mean, you might not call that a trial, um, but he does ask for discernment, right? You know, because he he finds himself, you know, not uh, not not as strong in that area, perhaps, you know, um, you know, somewhat weak and needing needing assistance, needing yeah. help, being in touch with our weaknesses. Right. Yeah. And and you know, I was almost going to say, you know, you read that count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And I almost would, you know, that a gut reaction is what. <laughs> You know, what the heck is going on here? Count it all joys, you know, and then Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are they, blessed are you when they persecute you. Yeah. You know, and say all kinds of evil yeah. things against you on account of me. And then, you know, um, for suffering, uh, you know, for true godly suffering, uh, I encourage you to read Peter's letters, First and Second Peter. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, it, it, again, you know, God has a, a uh, how should I say, he's, he's, he's on a different plane, or his word is on a different plane than we are. 
You know, we think of suffering, oh, I have to deal with this. And it may be suffering, but the kind of suffering that, that God reveals in his word that like comes among Christians is not merely physical. Yeah. We pray, thy will be done in the Lord's prayer. And we end parts of prayer with, if it be thy will. And it's it's not only for bad things, but going back to John 3.16, God wants us to be saved. And that part of his will, you know, we all agree with. But uh, being but human, we just... How he answers that is received only by one who has faith. Uh, because, you know, we, we might pray, take this away, take that away, make, make life easier, and, and God essentially says no. And he does that for our good. Right? I, I mean, you know, Paul speaks of this way, crucifying the sinful flesh. You know, Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know, I, I kind of tend to think that uh, part of that denying self also is very related to what we encounter in life. Not good. You know, as we see it, not good. But in God's eyes, this is a means of purifying. Right? I mean, so, you know, he talks about, you know, iron or, or silver being purified. Right? Getting the impurities out of the, uh, out of the metals, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we, we, we say trial by fire, but, but uh, you know, how much one is strengthened by that. You know, uh, someone had mentioned earlier about uh, nurses getting the vaccines with, you know, the huge, you know, muscular, right? Uh, but how does one get stronger? Vaccine. <laughs> Practice. Well, exercise. Well, exercise. You know, you work out. You, the exercise. You know, you're, you're uh, maybe, you know, to, you know, I... I never served in the military. I, I, I probably said that before, but you know it's amazing the transformations from what I understand that can take place in a 12-week period of time. Is that 12 weeks? Is that usually it depends on what branch? Depending on the service. Yeah. Okay. Air Force is eight weeks. Yeah, they got okay. Casey. Okay, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, you know just the, the the change that can take place in just a minimal amount of time. You know, when, when you have to change basically everything that you've done in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So your eating is all irregular, right? You're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're stressing out your body pretty much almost 24-7, right? You know, uh, not getting sleep, from what I understand. Right? That's true, yeah. Um, you know, being at the ready, and you know, so you're training your body. Um, but, but where you started is very different from where, where you end up. Afterwards, your thinking changes too. Yeah, and you get haircuts. <laughs> your your thinking changes completely, unless you're already a, uh, a military person. ROTC, you're probably already there. If you are ROTC, you were probably already on that Perhaps. mindset. But, but I, you know, it's you know, I, the, the the point is, you know, how does one grow? You know, and, and you know, I, I think many will, will say this. Um, academics, you know, will, will, and, and others too that uh, are aware of these things will say that the greater growth takes place with disappointment than it does success. Sometimes you have to go to rock bottom, I guess, too. Yeah. 
But I mean, you know, like you fail a you, you fail a test, for example, if you're in school, you fail a test, and, and you might think, you know, oh gosh, I'm so bad, you know, um, and and some will just kind of wallow in their sorrow and their grief, you know, there's nothing I can do. Or others, for example, they'll 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 use that as kind of like, okay, this is a kick in the pants for me, you know, I'm I'm going to apply myself more greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, what's amazing with with this is, you know, um, you know. We do pray, Thy will be done, O Lord. We pray His kingdom come, um, and the like. And I was almost wanting to say we have to be careful with that issue, though. Um, you know, I, I've heard it said before. Uh, you, be careful about praying for patience. Oh, no. <laughs> but on whose end are we talking from? We're talking from our own end. Um, you know, but what would what would God? have us pray for right I mean that's the question so then you know saying you know thy will be done and then placing ourselves as Luther does in, in the, the morning and evening prayer into your hands I commend myself as all Christians will do um, it can be a scary thing because um, because God has a plan sometimes often but we don't you know, and, and, and God knows what he's doing, even though we do not, right? I mean, and, and his will is far greater than ours, and he knows what he's doing, even though, you know, we think we know what we're doing, you know, going this way, doing that thing, uh, and the like. Um, and, and by the way, this would also apply to the church, too. Um, compromise is never the answer when it comes to the truth of, of God's word. You know, and, and yet, and and. I, I, I am kind of, uh, you know, the, the way that they, the things are going today, I, I just wonder how many congregations, how many church bodies, how many pastors and, and, and Christians are going to stand firm in their faith on Christ. Because um, there's uh, there's been a lot of compromise over the last 20 years. 4,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what, what, is, what is truly valuable... And what is priceless is the Word of God. And, you know, um, that's where we take our stand. And, you know, we, we, we've, we've, we've said this, uh, you know, and, and this is part of our proclamation, but it, it, it's not based on numbers. It's based on God himself and his Word and his grace and his mercy. You know, um, so, uh, you know, and, and, and that also applies to prayer, too. Um, who was, you remember uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, um, who was told by Samuel uh, to wait for him. I think it was, was it Gibeon. Uh, he was to wait, and uh, he didn't. He was supposed to wait a certain time until Samuel came, and, and he was like, I'm, you know, ad-libbing here. He was looking at his watch. <laughs> You know, okay, uh, he's he's not here. I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice. Yeah, that was a bad move. And that was the first time that that it's recorded from from what I recall in in scripture when he goes against what God says through the prophet Samuel. The second time, just as bad, um, you know, is is when uh, when Samuel said, "Okay, wait in this uh, certain place." And uh, by the way. Um, Demolish the Amalekites. Do away with them. Everything. Don't keep anything for yourself. Kill the king. You know. You know. Uh, destroy them completely. 
And Saul took it upon himself not to. And he used the justification in his mind of keeping the best booty for sacrifice and offering to God. And, and Samuel uh, you know, comes and the, the memorable phrase is something like, uh, you know, uh, I hear the bleeding of sheep. Yeah, yeah, I hear the bleeding of sheep. And uh, he was pretty ticked, I think. Um, and certainly God was. You know, and he confronts Saul to his face and he says, what did God tell you to do? How come you haven't done it? And then he says, much like Aaron did before him, well, the people did this. Um, yes, but you have charge and authority over the people. Much like Adam did. Yeah. So, you know, it, and it's not, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not like he had, uh, I, I guess I want to say, you know, he may have had good intentions about offering to God the best thing, the, the best things that he found, but the problem was God told him not to do that. You know, in the same way, you know, when we look at, uh, we, we talked about uh, Genesis 3 last night, uh, you know, concerning the fall, and, you know, some would say, well, why would God punish them in such a way because they ate fruit? I mean, you guys eat apples and just grapes. Yeah, yeah, it's just an apple, right? But that was not the issue. The issue was that God said, don't do it. And they did it. Right? So, you know, we, we don't worship God our own way. We worship the way that He demands that we be worshipped. If we don't understand. So, even if we don't understand it. So, you know, Luther... Um, you know, comments in his uh, in his large catechism on baptism, I think it is. You know, if, if God had if God had given us straw to use instead of water, or another element, um, then that would be the sacrament attached with the word, or the element attached with the word that makes a sacrament, because it's not dependent on us; it's dependent on His word. Right? I mean, water by itself is just what? Water. Water. But with the Word of God, it becomes a blessed means of grace. A means of forgiveness. Right? So uh, we're not done with James yet, by the way. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, and, and this is in the context of uh, trial, and, and perhaps also, you know, with, with reference uh, for, uh, you know, Suffering and, and uh, trials of all kinds, lacking wisdom is to recognize that, hey, I, I think a part of this is, is, is also to be able to say, you know, God is not punishing me because of any particular sin. As if, okay, I've got to change this sin and then God is going to start loving me again. Because I, I think there there is that quite prevalency of, uh, of belief that, okay, if I'm sick, if I'm in the hospital, it's because of what I've done. Right? Um, and yet, for the Christian, we know that all punishment, all punishment, and not just the punishment of, of sins before baptism, as the Catholics teach, uh, but all sin has been taken care of in who? So that means if I'm in the hospital, um, you know, with, with this ailment, it's not because God is judging me uh, because I did this or because I did that. Now, this is a different thing than if, if someone is in the hospital because they smoked for 30 years. 
I, I've heard, maybe you've heard that too, kind of a side note, but some will say, why is God doing this to me? Okay. And you want to say, God didn't do this to you, you did this to me. And uh, I mean, that, that's kind of hard to hear. It's probably hard to say too, depending on the, on the relationship. Um, but, but, but again, you know, what has God said, what has he not said? And I, I was reminded just recently of this, what has God promised, what has he not promised? Um, so I, I was uh, responding to uh, to someone uh, recently who uh, who basically I, I don't know if they're Christian, uh, but uh, but they were they were stating essentially that uh, they, they they had suffered in their life. I think their mom died or her mom died years ago, you know, and there was anger and bitterness towards God, and uh, you know. Um, I, I think uh, there, there is there there are those who are angry at God for this or for that, um, but at the same time, when we say Thy will be done, we're also including that in there too, right? I mean, so if this person dies, or if he lives, it's not up to me, it's not up to us, and, and we believe God to be gracious and merciful, uh, even if that person does suffer and die, right? I mean. And even that person who is suffering and dying, as they're Christian, they also believe that too. Why? Because Christ himself suffered and died. Because of the promise given. And and, and my part of the response to uh, this individual was, God has not promised us a griefless and a sorrowless life. Remember what he said to his disciples? And maybe this isn't the time to say this because of our circumstance with the government and fear, right? But I, I think it's a perfect place. And that is, you know, when Jesus says to his disciples in the world, you will have tribulation. Yeah. But what does he say after that? But be of good cheer. I will, I will overcome the world. You know, and in, 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 in uh, 1 John chapter 5, the evangelist says, uh, this is what has overcome the world, our faith. But not a nebulous, vacuous faith, but one that is centered on Christ Jesus, who is, by the way, coming again at his own time. And in the meantime, while he is, uh, you know, uh, absent, at least, uh, you know, in such a way before he returns, uh, what is our confidence? What is our hope? Not only that he is returning, but also in what he gives us daily now. Right? His word, his mercy, uh, his, his grace and favor. Let's uh, let's uh, so he gives God gives generally to all without reproach. Uh, but notice the emphasis here in verse six, asking in faith. Now, uh, in, in terms of prayer, uh, prayer is not saying God give me this or I'm not going to. Years ago, I, I heard of some uh, some students who, uh, who were not Christian, and yet then they claimed to have prayed, and they got an A on a test, and they said, oh, now I believe in God, because he gave me an A on this test. I, I really, truly hope that there's more to it than that, um, because I, I, I think we're, we're kind of geared in that direction. If God answers me and gives me what I want, then he must be true, right? Then he must be my God and favorable towards me. Uh, but... That's that's all you know. In, in one's mind, you know they're at peace with God. But what happens 
when 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 the the building crashes. What happens when the rain falls? And you know this, right? When it rains, it pours. Yeah. What happens at those times? You know that the temptation is to say, "Well, God loves me if things are going well, or when things are going well, I know God loves me." But when things are going not so well, yeah. I mean, we we still confess that, right? Because of because of Christ. Uh, but there are those who say that, well, you know, all this is happening, God must not love me too much. Um, but, uh, you know, perhaps we also ask for the wisdom without knowing it that um, even when things are not going the way that we would like them to, but they're going the way that God, uh, in His uh, in His merciful will, uh, and also according to His hidden will, uh, you know, to us, uh, we know that God is doing what he does for our good, that we remain in the faith. Um, I had a professor, and you, um, uh, and, and he's deceased now. He, he was the one who wrote the commentary on Revelation. I don't know if you ever had a chance Louis to have Bright. Professor Brighton. Yes. Um, I, I had him for a number of classes at, at the seminary. And uh, I remember him saying this in, in one of the classes, and it was startling then, and it's kind of startling now, but I, I think there's uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, good that comes from it. And he said, uh, of his kids, he, he actually prayed, he said he prayed every night, and he was one, and he was one in particular compared to other seminary professors, I think, because I had him for a number of classes. He said, he seemed to say this similar things in different classes, you know, and, and uh, Ask me about it later. He said some, some really wild things, too. Uh, good things, but, you know, really shocking. Uh, but one of the things that he was mentioning was uh, every night he would pray that his children would remain in the faith. But if they were tempted to lose their faith, then he actually prayed that the Lord take them before they lose their faith. And, I mean, you could you could see, I mean, if you've ever looked at the commentary, Revelation commentary, or if, if, if you've known him, or, or, or heard about him, I'm sure there's uh, probably audio from issues, etc., and, and some other places uh, with him on there. But you could see the the intensity, the uh, you know, the uh, the love that he had for God and for truth. You know, and, and to pray that Lord, if it's Your will, you know, take the child before he loses faith. Um, it, it just it, it's really striking. Because when we pray, Thy will be done, I mean, that then encompasses more than just right, what's right in front of us. You know, and, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, say, speak as a prophet here, but what we're facing as a society, could it be God's will? Of course. I, I'm not sure what. I was watching, Charlie was watching it with me. It was one of the news, the conservative news, I think. That, and they said that there's more, actually more Christians in China than non-Christians. That very well could be. I mean, and, I mean, that's God's will. And, you know, God's will is to, to do that here, too, to change people. I'm not sure how. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I think, uh, who was it? Uh, well, actually, Luther. Um, you know, before he was converted, um, he was still Catholic, but before he was converted, um, you know, he reports that at the rustling of a leaf, 
his conscience would be struck. And because he was so burdened by the law. And uh, it, it wasn't until, you know, when he, when he, uh, you know, when he believed the gospel that all of that weight was lifted. And uh, it, it's, it's amazing how, how often, and, and it, it, it demonstrates the, um, you know, the tenacity and the, uh, you know, the, the, the greatness of our sin and our arrogance and pride mm -hmm. um, that we have to be beaten as we do uh, in, in order to, to recognize that it's not about us. It, it, it's centered on God for us in Christ. You know, salvation, you know, I mean, so many people think that they can do it themselves. They can't. You know, and, uh, you know, I, you know, you're mentioning uh, hitting rock bottom. Um, in my understanding, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, and the other Anonymous is, you say that you know Philip the night before. Um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, don't don't most of them you know say that before you can improve, you have to hit rock bottom. You have to realize you need to. Yeah, and and you know in in, in the you know using the Bible, what else is that except you know being being struck by the law saying no you can't do this, you are condemned, you are judged, you don't deserve anything but God's judgment and wrath. Uh, remember, in, in, uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that sermon, they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized. Yeah. Uh, I think our country's in that place where they have hit rock bottom before it was back. I think the Depression brought a lot of people back to God. You know, they got to where they couldn't depend on the government. They couldn't depend on so they, they yeah. turn to God, and I think the time probably coming again that people will turn back to God. I I, I pray so. Um, I, I just wish we, we weren't so hard. Probably have to walk on first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it yeah I, you know and it's you know thinking of uh, you know I, I guess you know it's 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 really easy to 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 fear I think about what might be you know especially when you know because media you know. Even if even the the right media, and I, I don't mean uh, I, I mean opposed to the left, right? You know the uh, you know the the more conservative uh, rather than the more liberal. Um, what they say um, you know, can can cause a great deal of concern to the other direction, right? Um, so you know what about uh, what do they call them preppers? You know, like, well, there's there's going to be a time when, when uh, you know, the electric grid is going to shut down and there's going to be pandemic. And, okay, so we have to start stockpiling in our homes. And, yeah. You know, there there are the extremists, I, I think, in, in both directions, right? Um, but, uh, you know, God calls us, and, and, and again, I, I think wisdom is needed here. Um, God calls us to continue to believe his promises, but at the same time not take for granted the gifts that he has given and the preparations potentially to be made, you know, um, and the like. Um, I remember a time years ago, and actually I should, shouldn't say I remember because I really don't because I didn't live through them, um, but in the earlier uh, years of our church body, 
wasn't there a time when uh, when insurance was seen, you know, purchasing insurance was seen as a lack of trust in God? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> right. Well, they, the insurance in the church was against in yeah. church years ago, yeah. and better to get in your church than you mentioned Luther. Yeah. The movies show him in the Greek, and he reads, The just shall live by his faith. It's an epiphany. He realized the whole thing right there from that one phrase. I can read, The just shall live by the faith. Yeah, sure. Okay, what's next? You know, it just doesn't hit me the way it hit him. So I don't know if that's a dramatic license. That's just you, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't worry, Earl. Earl, it doesn't hit you that way because you didn't grow up as Catholic, constantly doing penance and wondering if it was enough. I think that's why it yeah. hit him in that way because he kept thinking he had to make all that up. And, and oh, yeah wipe out for his sins and as a Baptist person they don't have that same emphasis. I mean it's a terrible burden. Are you saying you people? I'm saying people that didn't grow up Catholics. It also has to do with language too because you know we kind of I, I think generally speaking we take for granted you know just we take for granted faith you know, um, even by live and buy, we take for granted these things. I mean, we're, we, 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 you know, for many of us, we were raised Christian, you know, uh, Somewhat. and the like, yeah. Um, but the just shall live by faith, yeah. Um, if, if you go by, you know, what did he um, understand concerning the just or the word righteous? You know, those who do good, not those that are good. Right? So, I mean, there's a difference, right? You know, so so the belief in the Catholic Church, and correct me if I'm wrong um, on this, but, you know, there, there was this uh, ideal, you know, that, that you were saved by grace, but this grace moved you also to do good works. So, essentially, you were saved by God's grace, by what he had done, but you had something to do, too. You had a part to play in it as well. Um and uh, the belief then, as well as I, I think in, in large degree, I mean, still today, of course, in the Catholic Church, but in other areas of, of, of Christendom, as a whole, the, the you know, to speak of a righteous God, you know, is not only to be speaking of a perfect God, uh, but that one um, who demands righteousness, and this is the, and he does demand righteousness, but the way that it was understood by uh, by Luther and uh, others then as well as now is that, you know, the, the righteousness of God is the righteousness of God also to judge and to condemn. Whereas Luther came to the conclusion by reading scripture that the righteousness of God is the righteousness that God freely gives for Christ's sake. God is a just God. He does judge. He does punish. But the righteousness of God, um, you know, prevalently is that uh, righteousness by which God also gives or declares, and I'm speaking justification objectively given, 
you know, um, and, and very different. Um, you know, so he came across those words and, and he saw God as an angry God. Yeah. He didn't love him at all. And uh, I, 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 for one, am thankful for his openness. For his? Openness. You know, in terms of, you know, like, I remember this in, in Roland Bacon's uh, Here I Stand, uh, you know, book. He, he says, I hated God. I mean, how could I love a God that is so unmerciful and uncharitable and demands what I cannot do? And uh, all non-Christians, uh, and, um, and I'm including in here uh, in the, that definition of unchristian, those who claim to be Christian but have no faith and confidence in Christ. It, it's still all about what they do to God or before God. And uh, that, that's what's so disheartening because even now, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard on some stations anyway, uh, you know, okay, so what's next? What are we going to do now? You know, uh, namely conservatives, but Christians might say that too. Well, are we going to do anything different than what we've done for the last thousands, couple thousands of years? Believe in God, trust in Him, keep doing what He says to do, love your neighbor, love your enemy, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Crazy stuff, right? Uh, but that's what God would have us do. And, and, you know, it's not about reinventing the wheel. The wheel is already there. It's, it's perhaps using it. Yeah. You know, those who want to have loving fathers and discipline us, we can understand God discipline, but people that are raised, even their fathers may be loving fathers, but they don't discipline their children. It's hard for them to understand. And of course, now today, there's many that don't even have a father figure in the house. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a different world. Yeah. These kids coming up now, it's a lot harder for them to understand things. And, and just to clarify, I, I did not mean that we, we, we keep doing the status quo thing. Either, um, but uh, you know, I'm thinking like in our education systems, um, and like I'm, I'm not, you know, that that needs to be changed, but it doesn't start from the top down. We need a we need to start with our school board and have them yeah. put all the books on display that they're teaching in the schools. Yeah. But you know that that's part of the issue though too. I, I think because uh, school boards and others, I mean, they they have a, a different ideology. You know, so I they need to put everything out that they're teaching so that yeah. the people that want to find out what's going on in their school can just walk in and, and look over what's being taught. There were so many things that were just starting to turn right correctly, like education, yeah. you know, the parents being aware of things from education, yeah. what was being taught, and, yeah. and um, making sure that history is taught and that we remember right. history and yeah. you know all those things and we thought boy you know we're getting this all straightened out yeah and then boom and but at least we're more aware of all that and we've right. learned a lot and, and I, I think you know I, I'll, I'll cover this in you know basically uh, you know I, I'll say two things with what I'm referring to and that's speaking the truth not your truth, not my truth, but the truth. Um, and then calling sin, sin, calling good, evil, or calling good, good, and evil, evil. You know, let, let's be honest and upfront about what's really going on. Right? I mean, 
education has went downhill ever since they yeah. done away with small schools and consolidated the schools. Yeah. When the local school board had pretty much control of what was taught in the schools and, and the, the community was involved in the, in the small schools, everybody knew each other. The, the one room school, the older kids went home and told what was being taught to the younger kids. And, Everybody knew what was going on. Right. Yeah. All right. One last thing, and then uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll look at James five after the break. Uh, but notice in, in James one, we're still there. Um, <laughs> but uh, notice that the you know let him ask in faith verse six with no doubting, and then he gives an illustration. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Right. Notice also, you know how how James admonishes. Uh, you know those who have that uh, who have the lack of faith or who don't have faith that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord you know uh, in, in, I think it's in Hebrews um, he says that uh, one who uh, believes in God or, or believes in or one who, who prays to God must believe that he is yes right I mean that's fairly clear I mean it's not a um, God if you're there, if you hear me, knock, knock. You know, that's not faith. Um, faith is a confident trust in what God has promised and what God has given. Right? So, you know, we, we think of Abraham, for example. God told Abraham in, in Genesis 12, you know, go to uh, this land. And what does Abraham do? He doesn't stomp off and go in the other direction like Jonah did. But, I mean, that's the amazing thing about Jonah is that God still used him. He went the other way, and, and God said, no, you're going where I'm telling you to go, right? Um, even like with Moses, too. God calls Moses, remember, take off your sandals because the place you're standing is holy ground. And uh, he says, okay, I'm going to send you to the Israelites, and you're going to speak to Pharaoh, and you're going to, get, you know, you're going to lead them out of, the, out of the, the land of Egypt. Who am I? I can't speak. That's what he said, right? Well, you brother. Right, and and then God says, "Who gave the mouth?" And He still said, "I I, I don't want to do this." And I'm paraphrasing. And then He says, "Is it your brother coming? Your brother Aaron? He's going to speak for you, but you're going to go, right?" And yet God also provided him with the gifts and the abilities. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, when did Moses leave Egypt? Do you recall? Was it when he was about forty? Yeah, I think that's about right. 40, yes. He left when he was about 40, and he was trained. He was he was brought up in Pharaoh's house, which would be given him the best education. Oh yeah, yeah. So he knew, right? I mean, he knew how to speak. I, I don't know if they took oratory, you know, speaking and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but but I'm sure he had various gifts that way. Um, and uh, you know that could be seen as a means of training then, you know, to be used uh, later by God. In so James chapter 5, we're in James. Um, so a, again, this is concerning prayer. And, and this uh, this list, of course, is not at all exhaustive um, in any way or shape of the term. Uh, but I want to start actually at verse 13 uh, of, uh, of James chapter 5. Mm -hmm. Again, quite relevant. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, 
anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, I would suggest to you that this does not necessarily mean that one who is sick and then prays is going to immediately get better. They may, in fact, end up dying. But that does not mean God has not answered the prayer. Right? I mean, save, you know, we'll save the one who is sick. Save is not is not only meant in a physical way, right? But eternally save. Right? I mean, th- this is what's so profound in, in, in a number of the Gospels where Jesus heals somebody and... Uh, and he'll actually say, your faith has made you well. That's, that's the English translation. But the literal is, your faith has saved you. Um, which kind of gives a bigger picture then than just, you know, getting over that flu or that COVID or, you know, uh, that cancer. Um, this has to do with eternal life. You know, which, uh, remember before the fall, was there any sickness? No. There was no death. There was no disease. Um, so, you know, you know, God healing, Jesus healing people was a, a foretaste of what was to come. You know, when, uh, when, when, uh, when the Lord returns and we rejoice in the new kingdom, there will be no sickness, no pain, no suffering. Um, so that's restored, you know, to uh, to what it was before the fall. Right. Um, so continuing, the Lord will raise him up. Uh, that seems to have the connotation of resurrection, too, doesn't it? Yeah. Raise him up. Um, you know, and I, I could see how uh, you know some will say, "We'll save the sick, make them better," and then also uh, just on a physical level, and we'll raise him up, we'll make him feel better about himself. That's not what Scripture is talking about. Yeah, Pastor, please. Uh, I'd like to, particularly from a pastoral vantage point, you know, after kind of doing that vocation for a few years, to emphasize what he says in verse 14. Let him call for the elders. Because time and again, you hear about people say, well, nobody ever called on me, and I was down and out, or I was sick, or I was in the hospital, yeah. nobody visited me. And that's sad, and that's unfortunate on occasion, but sometimes the pastor's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. And sometimes you need to call the pastor. You tell him, inform him, I'm going into the hospital, I'd like a visit. You know, or I'm going through some tough times at home, I need a visit. Come come visit me, or call the elders. You know, and I, I include the pastor with the the elders. Yeah. You know, so whether the lay elder or the clergy elder. Yes. Don't sit around waiting yep. for, you know, somebody to just show up at your door. I mean, you know, if your cable's, you know, TV is on the blank, you don't wait for the guy to just maybe show up and fix it. Do you? <laughs> so you got to call them and say, my cable's on the blank. Yeah. So you call the pastor, let him know, and yeah. inform him. Don't just wait around. Could, could this... Uh, could what you're saying be uh, kind of contrary to this individualistic way of handling things? You know, individualistic in the sense of okay, I, some some will say, well, I can manage this myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's another component, but but also, well, I don't need to ask for help. 
you know, or, or you know, if, 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 if they love me, then they'll call, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, that's kind of an extension. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the, uh, the, the Christian church, uh, there's a reason why, like, Paul makes reference to the, 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 uh, the church as the body of Christ. Not one member, but many members. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, not this is not a theological term, but just keeping in touch. Right? Uh, not only from the pastor to the people, but also perhaps to the people, from the people to the pastor too. If he's so blunt as to say, Pastor, would you say a prayer with me now? You know, sometimes, you know, the pastor will offer to say a prayer, but I, I love that when people would ask me, would you say a prayer, Pastor? Just come right out and say it. Yeah. You know, ask for the prayer. Especially, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about this, and I'm thinking of some of the people that have not shown up just because of COVID. We haven't heard from them. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, it's like what you're saying, you know, Pastor Blake says, you know, I know we've tried to contact those people. And it's like, cool, thank you. But, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, much to, uh, much to consider here. Notice also, uh, you know, in verse 15, James continues, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. <laughs> I don't know, maybe somebody's praying. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I do know some people that don't like rain, so it always surprised me. <laughs> then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its I mean, unique circumstances, certainly, in Elijah's day. Um, you might recall that there was the account of uh, Elijah being, uh, I think it was Elijah in the, 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 the jar of oil, wasn't it? Or was that Elisha? Um, they're similar accounts, but uh, uh, Elijah uh, was staying at, or would be staying at, uh, at a widow's house uh, who had a son. And uh, she was... Uh, very concerned because she was going to have to basically sell her son, you know, in order to, to survive. I think she wasn't even Israelite. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Elijah said, "Help, you know, gather as many jars as you can." And the Lord filled up the jars with oil, and they sold the oil. You know, um, so they were able to, to make uh, the the correct payments, like ambitions. Um, but. Uh, yeah, and this is, a, you know, I, I also want to say this, too. Uh, you know, just kind of, a, I mean, this is not a hypothetical question, but what happens when you have Christians, um, you know, from, like, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that there were Christians in Germany at the time of, uh, in, in the 1940s. And you have war going on, and, and, you know, so you have American Christians praying that the Lord give them their victory. And then you had German Christians who were praying, Lord, give us a victory. Um, you know, 
you know, some some will speak that way with reference to football games too, right? Yeah. <laughs> or baseball, which which it doesn't work. Yeah, anytime, it, we know anytime you get two people in conflict, somebody's going to that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know the, the the thought is, you know, some would say, well, we won, so that must have been God's will. Yeah. As if to say that they knew God's will. <laughs> you know, and, and the like. Uh, but but really placing <coughs> placing our hands into into God's care and keeping means just that. Even if we lose, what difference does it make? Right. I mean, we still win. Right. I mean. And Luther kind of expressed it this way. This is, I, I think, from I think from uh, two kinds. Of, a, a treatise called Two Kinds of Righteousness, or actually, it, it could be the Freedom of the Christian um, that he wrote this. But but uh, you know, he comments. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he comments: one in a jail cell is not imprisoned. Say that again, please. One in a jail cell who is Christian is not imprisoned. Right. His body is, but his soul is not. And which is the greater, right? You know, um, and, and I'm, I'm reflective of, uh, you know, the, the last few words of, uh, I think it's the, is it the first line of a mighty fortress? You know, let them take my, what, my wife, my home? Mm -hmm. I forget the exact wording. But uh, let them take all that is mine. God remains God. And, uh, those those words, uh, I, I believe, uh, are to be heard. You know, at, at all times, not just when things are going the way we like them to go, um, but even when they're not, because God, again, remains God, regardless. And 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 you know, consider the disciples of our Lord on Good Friday. What did they see? What did they experience? There, I ask, what did they feel? Um, but what did they know? Right, the one who you know we, we hear this with the on the with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We thought this guy was the Messiah, and he did wonderful things. Um, and then there's this strange report that his body was not in the tomb. Right? He almost wanted to knock him on the head. <laughs> Do you remember that Jesus told you this, right? Um, but uh, they were they were literally down and out. Yeah. They they literally placed all their eggs in one basket. And they thought the basket was broken. They were human. They were human, yeah. Hey, we are too, aren't we? You know, and, and remember Jesus says to them, do not fear, because I. Jesus says that to us too, doesn't he? Uh, so, so this is not the time to, to stay away from church, regardless of a pandemic and the like, but even more so to be in church and hearing the word, being fed with the bread of life. All right, let's uh, let's look to First uh, Kings chapter three, Old Testament, uh, often referred to as uh, the history section or a part of the history section of uh, of the Old Testament. First Kings chapter three. We've got a, a, a few more verses to read here. Put that back. <laughs> Can we start with uh, Wayne over here with verse 3 and we'll work ourselves around to verse 15. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense in high places. 
Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in unrighteousness of heart with you. You have forgiven this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? All right, and we hear, um, you know, of course, that God. Oh, that's the other way. Well, my eyes are deceiving me. Go ahead. Verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. You asked for this, God answered, and you didn't ask for a long life or riches or the death of your enemies, but you asked to be able to understand how to be just and give him judgment. Behold, I have done according to your word, she and given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal honor. And if you will walk in my ways and keep my statutes, my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offering and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So he had dreamed this, uh, but in the dream, what does he ask for of God? Yeah. And, and notice it, it, what's intriguing to me is it is not Solomon who said, Lord, give me according to your will what you desire. It was God who said, what can I give you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he gave him that wisdom. Uh, you know, everything was in the Lord's hands. And, uh, and, and we see also that the Lord gave blessings that Solomon had not asked for. Right, so he asked for discernment, he asked for wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, but the Lord also gave him uh, riches and uh, and uh, the certainty of his uh, of his kindness to him. Okay, and then immediately after, of course, then there's this, an account which is really profound um, of uh, of a demonstration of the Lord's wisdom given to Solomon, you know, which which really stands out. Uh, because uh, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, if you go to the courts, they'd be arguing this for, for ages, probably. Yeah. But uh, but he just says what he says, yeah. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy will be done. But that's not enough for us. We want to know what to do. And to know what to do or to say is wisdom. Right. And, and you know, one of the classes I teach is, uh, is it's called 
calling, Christian on Christian vocation, and a majority of the students actually think that you have to know what God wants you to do in order to be doing it. Um, and and it's in the sense of vocation, but you know, I mean, you don't have to ask a mom. Um, you know, do you know that? Uh, uh, do you know what it means to be a mom? Or do you have to know what it means to be a mom to be a mom? Or dad? You just kind of do it, right? I mean, you mess up along the way, but you also learn a lot of stuff along the way too, right? You know, um, but, but this idea, and I, I've, I've uh, you know, commented on this uh, quite often, I think, but this idea that we have to know what God's purpose is in our life to, to do it, that's false. Um, you know, the, the small catechism of, of, of Dr. Luther says it very clearly, as does scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the, the essence of the commandments is love. What is my purpose? Love. To love others. How do you do that? Well, if you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're a citizen, you know, uh, you know towards your enemy and, and so on and so forth. You know, similar things are going on. I mean, that, that word love encompasses all of it, right? Um, you know, another component of this um, in, in terms of... Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say another component of this is uh, thinking that uh, only, only, or if, if I don't know my purpose in order that God wants to use me this way, then I've got to find it out. And that becomes kind of the goal. Yeah. And once you find it, okay, now what? Because I know what I'm supposed to do, um, but you know, uh, to, to many I, 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 uh, I give these words that it's it's not about trying to find out what you're supposed to do. It's doing what's right in front of you. You know, so uh, you know we can talk about years ahead, but but that's not the only or the primary concern of the Christian. It's the here and now, and uh, you know, with with reference to prayer too. Um, and, and that's why, you know, you, you probably know this already, but what are what, what is uh, what are the three ways that God answers prayer? Yes, no, and wait. Yeah, wait, not yet, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I kind of surmise that that oftentimes God has answered our prayer, but we keep praying for it because we don't want to we don't want to we don't like the answer. answer. Yeah. You know, um, why are we so Dare I say stupid? <laughs> fallen. At least I want to say that about myself. But yeah, we, we are fallen. We're, we're fallen creatures. We're poor, miserable sinners. Uh, and have you ever noticed that, that, that sometimes God just kind of, he, he'll kind of tap you on your shoulder sometimes, but sometimes he just knocks you over. Yeah. And long it's like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, for the sake of time, I and, and this is a, this is a, appropriate. Let's look at Daniel. And yes, we will be looking at one of the uh, the the, uh, the more memorable accounts of Daniel, <coughs> specifically before he's thrown in the in the in the den of lions. So let me set this up by just way of reminder. There there were. Uh, there were political leaders uh, who convinced the king to basically uh, give an order, given an ordinance saying, 
you will pray to no one else other than, you know, other than the king. Right? Uh, and if, if, uh, if uh, anyone makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Okay? Now listen to what happened. Uh, could someone read verse 10 of chapter 6 in Daniel? Daniel's response. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Yeah. And then if, if we were to continue, basically they they noticed, yeah, they recognized. They, they he had his window open. Who does that? Who opens their window when there's when <laughs> when there's basically a, a 30-day lockdown? Oh, maybe I use that <laughs> there's a 30-day period where they weren't supposed to pray to anybody except the king. Notice what you know, Daniel, and, and it doesn't seem like he's doing this arrogantly or frightfully. He just does what he normally does. Because who's the greater, God or the king? Of course, we know the answer. Right, mm-hmm. uh, but 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 I, I I wonder, and this is all speculative. But I wonder, like, oh well, the government says we can't pray, so we better not. That'll uh, be the day. That's all I'll say. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, you know when you when you throw when when you throw uncertainty in there, you know. Uh, then you know that's something else, and then uh, also love for neighbor and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a lot we just did not know, I think, with reference to the pandemic. I think it's becoming clearer, though, what is true and what is not. And uh, so I, I'll just leave it at that. We can talk afterwards if you like. Uh, I'll, I'll draw your attention uh, to uh, you know to, to read the other sections on your own, uh, but. Uh, this is just a, a, a kind of a quick list of other prayers that are made during the service. The confession of sins, that too is a prayer, right? We're, we're petitioning our Lord to forgive us our sins. Of course, we have the collect of the day. We looked at this already. The collect of the day kind of gathers the, the, the thoughts concerning the gospel in particular and, and moves that into prayer. The Lord's Prayer, of course, will we'll come to that uh, in more to greater detail coming up. The post-communion collect, and I'm just kind of going down here, but a confession of sins. The offertory also is a prayer, and we talked about that. The proper preface, which we're coming to, and then also the nuptimittis. We sing it, but it's also a prayer, right? Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. And this is one of the, the, the beauties, I think, of the hymnal, too. Uh, what were the three, yeah, the, the three devotional books used by, by Lutherans? many years ago, and that are still available today, by the way. One is, of course, the Bible, right? Small and large. The small catechism, yeah, you could include the large. I mean, I would add the Lutheran Confessions, too, but but, um, but the small catechism and then the hymnal. The hymnal. Uh, not only do you have devotions um, or that prayers in the hymnal, uh, but you also have, of course, confessions of faith. Uh, you have prayers in the hymns too, um, and that—that's uh, 
it's a neat thing to do, and it's uh, it's very encouraging sometimes to go through the hymns and then actually pray the hymns because the words are right there. Uh, so you know, I, I'm not at all opposed to written prayers. Uh, you know, and certainly the Christian does pray ex or ex contemporaneously, um, and and we do that, but at, but there are times when we want to where we pray prayers that have already been written. Um, and especially with reference to the prayer of the church, as mentioned, we pray for everything. It's not just about us. It's not just about our congregation, but it includes petitions for our congregation and for our local context as well as the broader context. I'd like to say that the Lutheran service book is the most useful hymnal type book that I have ever used for a long term. Yeah. It has everything in it. Yeah, and, and even meditating on the hymns. I, I, I was joking with, uh, well, not really joking, but I was telling my, I, I was mentioning uh, to uh, to family that uh, I know of, uh, you might know the name Preuss. Preuss, yeah. Preuss. Uh, I, I think it was probably under, I want to say Jacob. Was he the father of Rolf? Or, or who was... Well, Jacob Price was one of the brothers. Robert had all those. Okay, maybe it was Robert, but I, and I, I'm guessing his sons probably followed in the same line. But uh, they would actually. This was a time when, when their kids were younger, um, they would they would uh, say, "Okay, memorize this hymn, and I'll give you five cents." You know, kind of thing. You know, but they would memorize the hymns. You know, and, and like it, uh, and, and it's. Um, but but the the thing is like we, we, we speak of memorizing scripture and I, I pray that uh, we still retain the written word uh, in our nation. Uh, yeah. Um, going along with what uh, Earl just said, I, I find it useful, especially being in the pew now, uh, opening the hymnal before the service starts and looking at the prayers in the very beginning of the hymnal. And they have a whole page of appropriate prayers for the divine service. Right. There's a prayer before the service starts. There's a prayer for confession of sins. Right. You know, preparing. It's very preparatory. Right. And then there's a prayer for the word being preached and proclaimed. There's a prayer for before and after receiving the sacrament. And then there's a prayer after the service is over. Yeah, rather than just kind of jumping up and talking and all that visiting is great, but to kind of put a, a prayerful thought at the end of the service, it's just, right. and it's so, they're short, you know, they're short little collects, really, but they're right there, you don't have to go looking for them, they're right on the front, yeah. on the inside of the hymnal. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. All right, um, I'll leave you uh, with uh, just two more slides. Uh, here and I'll, I'll just kind of read the, through them quickly. These are from uh, Luther's large catechism. Uh, the handout, you know, that uh, we have, we won't be able to get to today, but uh, continuations of uh, Luther's large on prayer. He says, we are in a situation where no person can perfectly keep the Ten Commandments, even though he has begun to believe. The devil, with all his power, together with the world and our own flesh, resists our efforts uh, and by the way, this is um, the copy from last week, so if you don't have it in front of you, uh, just uh, kind of listen closely. 
The devil with all his power together with the world and our own flesh resists our efforts of keeping the Ten Commandments. Therefore, nothing is more necessary than that we should continually turn toward God's ear, call upon Him, and pray to Him. We must pray that He would give, preserve, and increase faith in us in the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. We pray that He would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters, which includes what? The world, the world, politics. our own sin, right? Uh, and our, our sinful flesh and also the devil. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters of, of keeping his word, so that we might know what and how to pray our Lord Christ has himself taught us both the way and the words. Okay, the Lord's Prayer. Continuing, let this be the first and most important point. There is another one. Uh, but that all our prayers must be based and rest upon obedience to God, regardless of who we are, whether we are sinners or saints, worthy or unworthy. We must know that God will not have our prayer treated as a joke, but he will be angry and punish all who do not pray, just as surely as he punishes all other disobedience. Furthermore, he will not allow our prayers to be in vain or lost. If he did not intend to answer our prayer, he would not ask you to pray and add such a severe commandment to it. So, I mean, this is another aspect of their prayer, too. We, you know, we come before God uh, not only because he promises to here, but because he commands us to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, and on that basis, then we come before him. He says pray. If we don't pray, we're acting contrary to that word, right? Um, also, by the way, um, and this is very much related, when, when Jesus says come, what does that sound like? When he says take. Take drink. Yeah, it's an imperative. You know, take eat, take drink, and then the promise for the forgiveness of sins. Let 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 us do open the prayer. Heavenly Father, you are merciful unto us beyond measure, and yet there are times when it is more difficult to see your favor upon us, especially as we undergo trials and have struggles and face challenges as your beloved people as part of your body. We pray that you would give us confidence in you and certainty of your mercies, your favor, your forgiveness, and your peace that passes all human understanding. Give us that peace that we so desire and that we are so undeserving of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. um, so we started uh, looking at some of these last week. Uh, specifically, I think Matthew 18:20. Remember, that's where uh, Jesus says, "Where two or three are gathered together in my name, in the midst of them." We looked at a little bit at Luke 11. That is the account of. The Lord's Prayer, where the in Luke's Gospel, where the disciples, after Jesus prays, the disciples ask Jesus, "Lord, teach us to pray." And then He says, "When you pray, say." All right. Um, and we looked at First uh, Timothy two, which uh, we also mentioned, or at least there was mentioned in First Timothy that when Paul is writing to Timothy, they were still under Romish rule. And here Paul is saying, this is commendable to God, and 
and urging them to pray for rulers as well. You know, and God has sent all people that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, and it, it, I think it, it, it can be very striking when we hear in our prayers, the prayer of the church in particular, especially in days forthcoming, how we will pray for our leaders. So I, I think this past Sunday we prayed for the president-elect and vice president-elect. Um, we still pray for our enemies and for those that we dislike. Okay, For various reasons, uh, we might dislike them, but God calls us to pray for them and also to love them. Remember, uh, this might be kind of a by-the-way thing, but I, I think it's important. Love does not demonstrate itself simply because the person is lovable. And, you know, all we have to do to reflect on that is, is look at God's love for sinners. Is there anything worthy or deserving of sinners that God loves them? And the answer, of course, is no. And yet, what does he do? He continues to love. Uh, God so loved the world, John 3.16, um, and the like. And this is love, not that we love God, but the, that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. So, you know, thinking of all this, I mean, it does have to do with prayer, right? And it does have to do with the times that we're living in currently as well. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, the early Christian martyrs, for example, um, they kept to their faith that they loved their enemies and uh, to such a degree that, that many, uh, many of their persecutors, or at least uh, more than a few, became Christian. You know, and I wonder, I mean, I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit already. I, I, uh, I didn't open my mouth. Yeah, it's not your fault. Uh, this time. Yeah. But, but you know, just, you know, how many are asking about, you know, like in the early church, why are you doing this? You know, non-Christians would ask, Christians, why are you doing this? Why are you suffering? Wouldn't it be easier just to, you know, light that candle and for the emperor? You know, um, and you know that they, they Christians were given kind of this, uh, you know, this test. And if they passed it, then they were okay. But if not, then they were tortured and you know they suffered. And one was simply okay, light a candle to the emperor, you know, kind of thing. And some did, but many didn't. You know, um, and uh, you know, are, are people asking that today? Well, why are the Christians so gathering? Why are the Christians saying this? Why are the Christians loving those who are um, not worthy of being loved, and so on and so forth? I wonder, just a hypothetical, but it is practical too. How many are saying that at the Christian church today? You know, speaking the truth when it's not politically correct to do that. Can I say that politically correct? Um, but. Uh, yeah, and people just uh, aren't getting it. But um, anyway, let's uh, let's continue. Open to James chapter one. And my my plan today is uh, at least uh, you know before break uh, to uh, to uh, review this and uh, maybe perhaps another slide or two, and then uh, get into some Luther about what he says concerning prayer for this large category. Which I, I think does uh, 
is uh, uh, relevant to uh, the study of the prayer of the church, but also greatly relevant for our day as well. Okay, so uh, James chapter 1, could someone read verses 5 through 8? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Okay, so what, what is the, what is the, uh, the request here referred to uh, for, uh, with reference to prayer? Lack of wisdom. Yeah, lack of wisdom. And uh, you know, it, it's it, it's written right here, but sometimes uh, you know, with uh, you know the, the catechesis uh, that we're using with the adults as well as uh, with with the younger people, um, we're looking at scripture, and oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll we'll read a little bit and then we'll stop and talk about it, right? Another method in catechesis is kind of question and answer. So, you know, uh, sometimes, okay, so what is the main thing that is being asked here uh, or asked for? Wisdom. Um, let him ask who? God. Right? And then, you know, because that's a way of uh, teaching, a, a, a way of training and uh, drawing attention to the text itself. You know, um, I don't know if you guys, if you find this, but especially in the public square, but even in church, so often... There will be references to the Bible, but they're completely taken out of context. Yes. You know, um, and and it's taken out of context in such a way that it benefits the speaker and doesn't really get at what God Himself is revealing His Word. Yeah. Well, speaking of context, like that open window, and context here I think is important. Verse uh, four. Especially verse 3, where it says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Um, the idea of verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, I think a lot of us in our life will say, Why, Lord? Yeah. Okay, we're, we, we're kind of without answers. Yeah. And that usually is prompted because we're going through difficult times. And so the context there says, you know, verse 2, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials or, or challenges. So, um, you know, it's not just wisdom, like make me smarter, right. but rather help me in faith to tie into his will. Yeah. You know, in that regard, right? Yeah, yeah I, well, and I'm, I'm thinking one of the examples that we'll be looking at then just the just a bit is, is Solomon's prayer, you know, which, you know, I mean, you might not call that a trial, um, but he does ask for discernment, right? you know, because he, he finds himself, you know, not, uh, not, not as strong in that area, you know, um, you know, somewhat weak and needing, needing assistance, needing yeah. help, you know, in uh, touch with our weaknesses. Right, yeah, and, and you know, I was almost going to say, you know, you read that, count it all, join my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds, and I don't want to swim it, you know, that a, a, a gut reaction is, what? 
you know, what the heck is going on here? Count it all joys, you know, and then Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are they, or blessed are you when they persecute you. Yeah. You know, and say all kinds of evil yeah. things against you on account of me. And then, you know, um, for suffering, uh, you know, for true godly suffering, uh, I encourage you to read Peter's letters. First and second Peter. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, it, it, again, you know, God has a, a uh, how should I say, he's, he's, he's on a different plane, or his word is on a different plane than we are. You know, we think of suffering, oh, I have to deal with this. And it may be suffering, but the kind of suffering that, that God reveals in his word that like comes among Christians is not merely physical. Yeah. We pray, thy will be done in the Lord's Prayer. And we end parts of prayer with, if it be thy will. And it's it's not only for bad things, but going back to John 3.16, God wants us to be saved. And that part of his will, you know, we all agree with. But uh, being but human, we just... How he answers that is received only by one who has faith. Uh, because, you know, we, we might pray, take this away, take that away, make, make life easier, and, and God essentially says no. And, uh, he does that for our good. Right? I, I mean, you know, Paul speaks of this way, crucifying the sinful flesh. You know, Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, I, I kind of tend to think that uh, part of that denying self also is very related to what we encounter in life. Not good. You know, as we see it, not good. But in God's eyes, this is a means of purifying. Right? I mean, so, you know, he talks about, you know, iron or, or silver being purified. Right? Getting the impurities out of the uh, out of the metals, you know, kind of thing. And uh, you know, we, we, we say trial by fire, but but uh, you know, how much one is strengthened by that? You know, uh, someone had mentioned earlier about uh, nurses getting the vaccines with you know the huge, you know, muscular, right? Uh, but how does one get stronger? Vaccine. <laughs> practice, exercise. Well, exercise. You know, you work out. You, the you know, you're, you're, uh, maybe you know. You know, I, I never served in the military. I, I, I probably said that before, but you know, it's amazing the transformations from what I understand that can take place in a 12-week period of time. Is that 12 weeks? Is that usually depends on what branch? Depending, depending on the service. Yeah. Okay. Air Force is eight weeks. Yeah, they got okay. Casey. Okay, I'm not talking about them. <laughs> no, but but uh, you know, just the, the the change that can take place in just a minimal amount of time. You know, when when you have to change basically everything that you've done in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So your eating is all irregular, right? You're you're uh, you're 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 stressing out your body pretty much almost 24/7, right? You know, uh, not getting sleep, from what I understand. Right? It's true, yeah. Um, you know, being at the ready, and you know, so you're training your body, um, but but where you started is very different from where where you end up afterwards. Your thinking changes too. Yeah. And you get haircuts. 
<laughs> your, your thinking changes completely on, unless you're already a, uh, a military person. ROTC, you're probably already there. Or, if you are ROTC, you are probably already on that mindset. But, but uh, you know, it's you know, I, the, the the point is, you know, how does one grow? You know, and and you know, I, I think many will will say this. Um, academics, you know, will, will and, and others too that uh, are aware of these things will say that the greater growth takes place with disappointment than it does success. Sometimes you have to go to rock bottom, I guess, too. Yeah. But I mean, you know, like you fail a you, you fail a test, for example, if you're in school, you fail a test, and, and you might think, you know, oh gosh, I'm so bad, you know, um, and and some will just kind of wallow in their sorrow and their grief, you know, there's nothing I can do. Or others, for example, they'll 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 use that as kind of like, okay, this is a kick in the pants for me, you know, I'm I'm going to apply myself more greatly. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's amazing with with this is, you know, um, you know. We do pray, Thy will be done, O Lord. We pray His kingdom come, um, and the like. And I was almost wanting to say we have to be careful with that, though. Um, you know, I, I've heard it said before. Uh, you be careful about praying for patience. Oh, no. <laughs> but on whose end are we talking from? We're talking from our own end. Um, you know, but what would what would God? Have us pray for, right? I mean, that's the question. So then, you know, saying, you know, you know, Thy will be done, and then placing ourselves as Luther does in, in the, the morning and evening prayer into Your hands, I commend myself. As all Christians will do, um, it can be a scary thing because um, because God has a plan. Sometimes, often, but we don't. You know, and, and, and God knows what he's doing, even though we do not, right? I mean, and, and his will is far greater than ours, and he knows what he's doing, even though, you know, we think we know what we're doing, you know, going this way, doing that thing, uh, and the like. Um, and, and by the way, this would also apply to the church, too. Um, compromise is never the answer when it comes to the truth of, of God's word. You know, and, and yet, and and... I, I, I am kind of, uh, you know, the, the way that they, the things are going today, I, I just wonder how many congregations, how many church bodies, how many pastors and, and, and Christians are going to stand firm in their faith on Christ. Because um, there's uh, there's been a lot of compromise over the last 20 years. 4,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what, what is what is truly valuable and what is priceless is the Word of God. And, you know, um, that's where we take our stand. And, you know, we, we, we've, we've, we've said this, uh, you know, and, and this is part of our proclamation, but it, it, it's not based on numbers. It's based on God himself and his Word and his grace and his mercy. You know, um, so, uh, you know, and, and, and that also applies to prayer, too. Um, who was, you remember uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, um, who was told by Samuel uh, to wait for him. I think it was a Gibeon. Uh, he was to wait, and uh, he didn't. He was supposed to wait a certain time until Samuel came, and, and he was like, I'm 
you know, ad-libbing here. He was looking at his watch. <laughs> you know, okay, uh, he's, he's not here. I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice. Yeah, that was a bad move. And that was the first time that, that it's recorded, from, from what I recall, in, in Scripture, when he goes against what God says through the prophet Samuel. The second time, just as bad, um, you know, is, is when, uh, when Samuel said, okay, wait in this uh, certain place. And uh, by the way, uh, demolish the Amalekites. Do away with them, everything. Don't keep anything for yourself. Kill the king. You know, you know, uh, destroy them completely. And Saul took it upon himself not to. And he used the justification in his mind of keeping the best booty for sacrifice and offering to God. And, and Samuel, uh, you know, comes and the, the memorable phrase is something like, uh, you know, uh, I hear the bleeding of sheep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear the bleeding of sheep. And uh, he was pretty ticked, I think. Um, and certainly God was, you know, and he confronts Saul to his face and he says, what did God tell you to do? How come you haven't done it? And then he says, much like Aaron did before him, well, the people did this. Um, yes, but you have charge and authority over the people. Much like Adam did. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's not, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not like he had, uh, I, I guess I want to say, you know, he may have had good intentions about offering to God the best thing, the, the best things that he found, but the problem was God told him not to do that. You know, in the same way, you know, when we look at, uh, we, we talked about uh, Genesis 3 last night, uh, you know, concerning the fall. And, you know, some would say, well, why would God punish them in such a way because they ate fruit? I mean, you guys eat apples and just grapes. And, yeah, yeah, it's just an apple, right? But that was not the issue. The issue was that God said, don't do it. And they did it. Right? So, you know, we, we don't worship God our own way. We worship the way that he demands that we be worshipped. <laughs> if we don't understand. So even if we don't understand it. So, you know, Luther, um, you know, comments in his uh, in his large catechism on baptism, I think it is, you know, if, if, God had, if God had given us straw to use instead of water or another element, um, then that would be the sacrament attached with the word, or the element attached with the word that makes a sacrament, because it's not dependent on us, it's dependent on his word, right? I mean, water by itself is just what? Water. Water. But with the word of God, it becomes a blessed means of grace, means of forgiveness, right? So uh, we're not done with James yet, by the way. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, and, and this is in the context of uh, trial, and, and perhaps also, you know, with, with re reference uh, for, uh, you know, suffering and, and uh, trials of all kinds, lacking wisdom is to recognize that, hey, I, I think a part of this is, is, is also to be able to say, you know, God is not punishing me because of any particular sin. As if, okay, I've got to change this sin, and then God is going to start loving me again. Because I, I think there, there is that quite 
prevalency of, uh, of belief that, okay, if I'm sick, if I'm in the hospital, it's because of what I've done, right? Um, and yet, for the Christian, we know that all punishment, all punishment, and not just the punishment of, of sins before baptism, as the Catholics teach, uh, but all sin has been taken care of in who? So that means if I'm in the hospital, um, you know, with, with this ailment, it's not because God is judging me uh, because I did this or because I did that. Now, this is a different thing than if, if someone is in the hospital because they smoked for 30 years. I, I've heard, maybe you've heard that too, kind of a side note, but some will say, why is God doing this to me? And you want to say, God didn't do this to you, you did this to me. And, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of hard to hear. It's probably hard to say, too, depending on the, on the relationship. Um, but, but, but again, you know, what has God said? What has he not said? And I, I was reminded just recently of this. What has God promised? What has he not promised? Um, so I, I was uh, responding to, uh, to someone uh, recently who, uh, who basically, I, I don't know if they're Christian, uh, but... Uh, but they were they were stating essentially that uh, they, they they had suffered in their life. I think their mom died or her mom died years ago, you know. And there was anger and bitterness towards God. And uh, you know, um, I, I think uh, there, there is there there are those who are angry at God for this or for that. Um, but at the same time, when we say Thy will be done, we're also including that in there too, right? I mean. So if this person dies, or if he lives, it's not up to me. It's not up to us. And, and we believe God to be gracious and merciful, uh, even if that person does suffer and die, right? I mean, and even that person who is suffering and dying, as they're Christian, they also believe that too. Why? Because Christ himself suffered and died. Because of the promise given. And and, and my part of the response to to uh, this individual was God has not promised us a griefless and a sorrowless life. Remember what he said to his disciples, and maybe this isn't the time to say this because of our circumstance with the government and, and fear, right? But I, I think it's a perfect place. And that is, you know, when Jesus says to his disciples in the world, you will have tribulation. But what does he say after that? But be of good cheer. I will overcome the world. You know, and in, 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 in uh, 1 John chapter 5, the evangelist says, uh, this is what has overcome the world, our faith. But not a nebulous, vacuous faith, but one that is centered on Christ Jesus, who is, by the way, coming again at his own time. And in the meantime, while he is... Uh, you know, uh, absent, at least, uh, you know, in such a way before he returns, uh, what is our confidence, what is our hope? Not only that he is returning, but also in what he gives us daily now, right? His word, his mercy, uh, his, his grace and favor. Let's, uh, let's, uh, so he gives, God gives generally to all without reproach, uh, but notice the emphasis here in verse 6. Asking in faith. Now, uh, in, in terms of prayer, uh, 
prayer is not saying, God, give me this or I'm not going to believe. Years ago, I, I heard of some uh, some students who, uh, who were not Christian and yet then they claimed to have prayed and they got an A on a test and they said, oh, now I believe in God because he gave me an A on this test. I, I really, truly hope that there's more to it than that. Um, because I, I, I think we're, we're kind of geared in that direction. If God answers me and gives me what I want, then he must be true, right? Then he must be my God and favorable towards me. Uh, but that's that's all, you know, in, in one's mind, you know, they're at peace with God. But what happens when when, when, when the, the building crashes? What happens when the rain falls? And you know this, right? When it rains, it pours. Yeah. What happens at those times? You know, that the temptation is to say, well, God loves me if things are going well. Or when things are going well, I know God loves me. But when things are going not so well, yeah. I mean, we, we still confess that, right, because of, because of Christ. Uh, but there are those who say that, well, you know, all this is happening, God must not love me too much. Um, but, uh, you know, perhaps we also ask for the wisdom without knowing it that um, even when things are not going the way that we would like them to, but they're going the way that God, um, in, his, uh, in his merciful will, um, and also according to his hidden will, uh, you know, to us, uh, we know that God is doing what he does for our good, that we remain in the faith. Um, I had a professor, and you... Um, uh, and, and he's deceased now. He, he was the one who wrote the commentary on Revelation. I don't know if you ever had a chance Lily to have Bright. Professor Brighton. Yes. Um, Outstanding. I, I had him for a number of classes at, at the seminary. And uh, I remember him saying this in, in one of the classes. And it was startling then. And it's kind of startling now. But I, I think there's uh, you know a, a lot of uh, good that comes from it. And he said... Um, of his kids, he, he actually prayed, he said he prayed every night, and he was one, and he was one in particular compared to other seminary professors, I think, because I had him for a number of classes. He said, he seemed to say this similar things in different classes. You know, and, and uh, ask me about it later, he said some, some really wild things too. Uh, good things, but, you know, really shocking. Uh, but one of the things that he was mentioning was uh, every night he would pray, that his children would remain in the faith, but if they were tempted to lose their faith, then he actually prayed that the Lord take them before they lose their faith. And I mean, you could you could see. I mean, if you've ever looked at the commentary, Revelation commentary, or if if, if you've known him or, or or heard about him, I'm sure there's uh, probably audio from issues, etc., and, and some other places uh, with him on there. But you could see the the intensity, the uh, you know the uh, the love that he had for God and for truth. You know, and, and to pray that Lord, if it's Your will, you know, take the child before he loses faith. Um, it, it just it, it's really striking because when we pray, Thy will be done. I mean, that then encompasses more than just right what's right in front of us. You know, and. Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, say speak as a prophet here, but what we're facing as a society 
Could it be God's will? Of course. I'm not sure what I was watching. Charlie was watching it with me. It was one of the news, the conservative news, I think. That and they said that there's more, actually, more Christians in China than non-Christians. That very well could be. And I mean, that's God's will. And you know, God's will is to to do that here too, to change people. I'm not sure how. Yeah, and and uh, I I think uh, who was it? Uh, Well, actually, Luther. um, You know, before he was converted, um, he was still Catholic, but before he was converted. Um, you know, he reports that at the rustling of a leaf, his conscience would be struck. Mm-hmm. Because he was so burdened by the law. And uh, it, it wasn't until, you know, when he, when he uh, you know, when he believed the gospel that all of that weight was lifted. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, it's amazing how, how often, and, and it, 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 it demonstrates the... Um, you know the tenacity and the uh, you know the, the the greatness of our sin and our arrogance and pride mm-hmm. um, that we have to be beaten as we do uh, in in order to to recognize that it's not about us. You know it, it, it's centered on God for us in Christ. You know salvation. You know, I mean, so many people think that they can do it themselves. They can't. You know, and uh, you know, I, you know, you're mentioning uh, hitting rock bottom. Um, in my understanding, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, and the other anonymous is, if we say that, you know, fill in the blank before. I mean, don't don't most of them, you know, say that before you can improve. You have to hit rock bottom. You have to realize you need to. Yeah, and and you know in, in in the you know using the Bible, what else is that except you know being being struck by the law saying no you can't do this, mm-hmm. you are condemned, you are judged, you don't deserve anything but God's judgment and wrath. Uh, remember in, in uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached that sermon, they were cut to the heart and they said what must we do to be saved? And he says repent and be baptized.
pandemic and okay so we have to start stockpiling in our homes and yeah you know there there are the extremists i, I think in, in both directions right um but uh you know god calls us and and, and again I, I think wisdom is needed here um god calls us to continue to believe his promises but at the same time not take for granted the gifts that he has given and the preparations potentially to be made you know um, and the like um, i remember a time years ago and actually i should, shouldn't say i remember because i really don't because i didn't live through them um, but in the earlier uh, years of our church body wasn't there a time when uh, when insurance was seen you know purchasing insurance was seen as a lack of trust in god yeah sure <clears throat> right okay. You mentioned Luther. Yeah. The movies show him in the Greek, and he reads, The just shall live by his faith. It's an epiphany. He realized the whole thing right there from that one phrase. I can read the just shall live by the faith. Yeah, sure. Okay, what's next? You know, it just doesn't hit me the way it hit him. Yeah. So I don't know if that's uh, dramatic license. That's just you, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> don't worry, Earl. Earl, it doesn't hit you that way because you didn't grow up as Catholic, constantly doing penance and wondering if it was enough. I think that's why it yeah. hit him in that way, because he kept thinking he had to make all of that up and, and oh, yeah. wipe out for his sins. And as a Baptist person, they don't have that same emphasis. I mean, it's a terrible burden. Are you saying you people? I'm saying people that didn't grow up Catholics. Yeah, I think girl. It also has to do with language too, because you know we kind of, I, I think, generally speaking, we take for granted, you know, just. We take for granted faith, you know, um, even by live and by, we take for granted these things. I mean, we're, we, 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 you know, for many of us, we were raised Christian, you know, uh, somewhat, and the like, yeah. Um, but the just shall live by faith, yeah. Um, if, if you go by, you know, what did he? Um, understand concerning the just or the word righteous. You know, those who do good, not those that are good. Right? So, I mean, there's a difference. Right? You know, so so the belief in the Catholic Church, and correct me if I'm wrong um, on this, but, you know, there, there was this yeah. um, ideal, you know, that, that you were saved by grace, but this grace moved you also to do good works so essentially you were saved by god's grace by what he had done but you had something to do too you had a part to play in it as well um, and uh, the belief then as well as i, I think in, in large degree i mean still today of course in the catholic church but in other areas of, of, of christendom as a whole the, the you know to speak of a righteous god you know is not only to be speaking of a perfect god uh, but that one um, who demands righteousness, and this is the, and he does, 
demand righteousness, but the way that it was understood by uh, by Luther and uh, others then as well as now is that you know the the righteousness of God is the righteousness of God also to judge and to condemn. Whereas Luther came to the conclusion by reading Scripture that the righteousness of God is the righteousness that God freely gives for Christ's sake. God is a just God. He does judge. He does punish. But the righteousness of God, um, you know, prevalently is that uh, righteousness by which God also gives or declares, and I'm speaking justification objectively, given, you know, um, and, and very different. Um, you know, so he came across those words and, and he saw God as an angry God. Yeah. He didn't love him at all. And uh, I, 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 for one, am thankful for his openness. For his? Openness. You know, in terms of, you know, like I remember this in, in Roland Bayton's uh, Here I Stand, uh, you know, book, he, he says, I hated God. I mean, how could I love a God that is so unmerciful and uncharitable and demands what I cannot do? And uh, all non-Christians, uh, and, um, and I'm including in here, uh, in the, that definition of unchristian, those who claim to be Christian but have no faith and confidence in Christ. It, it's still all about what they do to God or before God. And uh, that, that's what's so disheartening because even now, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard on some stations anyway, uh, you know, okay, so what's next? What are we going to do now? You know, uh, namely conservatives, but Christians might say that too. Well, are we going to do anything different than what we've done for the last thousands, couple thousands of years? Believe in God, trust in Him, keep doing what He says to do, love your neighbor, love your enemy, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Crazy stuff, right? Uh, but that's what God would have us do. And, and, you know, it's not about reinventing the wheel. The wheel is already there. It's, it's perhaps using it. Yeah. Well, those of us that have loving fathers and discipline us, we can understand all discipline, but people that are raised, even their fathers may be loving fathers, but they don't discipline their children. It's hard for them to understand. And of course, now, today, there's many that don't even have a father figure in the house. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a different world. Yeah. These kids coming up now, it's a lot harder for them to understand things. And, and just to clarify, I, I did not mean that we, we, we keep doing the status quo thing either. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking like in our education systems um, and the like, I'm, I'm not, you know, that, that needs to be changed, but it doesn't start from the top down. We need a, we need to start with our school board and have them yeah. put all the books on display that they're teaching in the schools. Yeah. But, you know, that that's part of the issue, though, too, I, I think because uh, school boards and others, I mean, they, they have a, a different ideology. You know, they need to put everything out that they're teaching so that yeah. the people that want to find out what's going on in their school can just walk in and, and help over what's being taught. Yeah, and, some, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There were so many things that were just starting to turn right correctly, like education, you know, the parents being aware of things from education, yeah. what was being taught, and, yeah. and um, 
making sure that history is taught and that we remember right. history and yeah. you know all those things and we thought boy you know we're getting this all straightened out yeah and then boom and but at least we're more aware of all that and we right. learned a lot and, and I, I think you know I, I'll, I'll cover this in you know basically uh, you know I, I'll say two things with what I'm referring to and that's speaking the truth not your truth, not my truth, but the truth. Um, and then calling sin, sin, calling good, evil, or calling good, good, and evil, evil. You know, let, let's be honest and upfront about what's really going on. Right? Education's went downhill ever since they yeah. done away with small schools and consolidated the schools. Yeah. When the local school board had pretty much control of what was taught in the schools, and, and the, the community was involved in the in the small schools, everybody knew each other. The, the one room school, the older kids went home and told all the kids talk to the younger kids, and everybody knew what was going on. Right. Yeah. All right. One last thing, and then uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll look at James five after the break. Uh, but notice in in James one, we're still there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, notice. That the, you know, let him ask in faith, verse 6, with no doubting. And then he gives an illustration. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, right? Notice also, you know, how, how James admonishes, uh, you know, those who have that, uh, who have the lack of faith or who don't have faith, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. You know, uh, in, in, I think it's in Hebrews, um, he says that uh, one who, uh, believes in God or, or believes in or one who, who prays to God must believe that he is yes right I mean that's fairly clear I mean it's not a um, God if you're there if you hear me knock knock you know that's not faith um, faith is a confident trust in what God has promised and what God has given right so you know we, we think of Abraham for example God told Abraham in, in Genesis 12, you know, go to uh, this land. And what does Abraham do? He doesn't stomp off and go in the other direction like Jonah did. But, I mean, that's the amazing thing about Jonah is that God still used him. He went the other way, and, and God said, no, you're going where I'm telling you to go, right? Um, even, like, with Moses, too. God calls Moses, remember, take off your sandals because the place you're standing is holy ground. And uh, he says, "Okay, I'm going to send you to the Israelites, and you're going to speak to Pharaoh, and you're going to get, you know, you're going to lead them out of the, out of the, the land of Egypt." Who am I? I can't speak. That's what he said, right? Well, you brother, right? And <laughs> and then God says, "Who gave the mouth?" <laughs> and he still said, I, "I I don't want to do this." And I'm paraphrasing. And then he says, "Is it your brother coming?" Brother Aaron, he's going to speak for you, but you're going to go, right? And yet God also provided him with the gifts and the abilities. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, um, when did Moses leave Egypt, do you recall? Was it when he was about 40? Yeah, like that's right. He left when he was about 40. And he was trained, he was he was brought up in Pharaoh's house. Which would have been given the best education in the land. Oh, yeah. yeah, so he knew. Right? I mean, he knew how to speak. I, I don't know if they took oratory, you know, speaking and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but but I'm sure he had various gifts that way. Um, and 
that you know that could be seen as a means of training then you know to be used uh, later by God in that way. So James chapter five, we're in James. Um, so again, this is concerning prayer, and, and this uh, this list, of course, is not at all exhaustive um, in any way or shape of the term. Uh, but I want to start actually at verse 13 uh, of, uh, of James chapter 5. Again, quite relevant. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, I would suggest to you that this does not necessarily mean that one who is sick and then prays is going to immediately get better. They may, in fact, end up dying. But that does not mean God has not answered the prayer. Right? I mean, save, you know, will save the one who is sick. Save is not, is not only meant in a physical way, right? But eternally saved. Right? I mean, th this is what's so profound in, in, in a number of the Gospels where Jesus heals somebody and uh, and he'll actually say, your faith has made you well. That's, that's the English translation. But the literal is, your faith has saved you. Um, which kind of gives a bigger picture then than just, you know, getting over that flu. Or that COVID, or you know, uh, that cancer. Um, this has to do with eternal life. You know, which uh, remember before the fall, was there any sickness? No. There was no death. There was no disease. Um, so you know, you know, God healing, Jesus healing people was a, a foretaste of what was to come. You know, when uh, when when uh, when the Lord returns. And we rejoice in the new kingdom. There will be no sickness, no pain, no suffering. Um, so that's restored, you know, to uh, to what it was before the fall. Okay. Um, so continuing, the Lord will raise him up. Uh, that seems to have the connotation of resurrection, too, doesn't it? Yeah. Raise him up. Um, you know, and I, I could see how uh, you know some will say, "We'll save the sick, make them better," and then also uh, just on a physical level, and we'll raise them up, we'll make them feel better about himself, you know, kind of thing. That's not what Scripture is talking about. Yeah, Pastor. Uh, I'd like to, particularly from a pastoral vantage point, you know, after kind of doing that vocation for a few years, to emphasize what he says in verse 14: "Let him call for the elders." Because time and again, you hear about people say, well, nobody ever called on me, and I was down and out, or I was sick, or I was in the hospital, yeah. and nobody visited me. And that's sad, and that's unfortunate on occasion, but sometimes, you, pastor's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. And sometimes you need to call the pastor. You tell him, inform him, I'm going into the hospital, I'd like a visit. You know, or I'm going through some tough times at home. I need a visit. Come, come visit me, or call the elders. You know, and I, I include the pastor with the, the, the elders. Yeah. You know, so whether the lay elder or the clergy elder, 
Yes. Don't sit around waiting yep. for you know somebody to just show up at your door. I mean, you know, if your cable's you know TV is on the blank, you don't wait for the guy to just maybe show up and fix it, do you? <laughs> so you got to call them and say my cable's on the blank. Yeah. So you call the pastor, let him know, and yeah. inform him. Don't just wait around. Could could this uh, could what you're saying be uh, kind of contrary to this individualistic? way of handling things you know individualistic in the sense of okay I some some will say well I can manage this myself yeah you know I mean that's that's another component but but also I don't need to ask for help you know or or you know if, 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 if they love me then they'll call you know kind of thing um, and uh, you know that's kind of an extension but yeah I mean you know the uh, the, the Christian church uh, there's a reason why, like Paul makes reference to the the the, uh, the church as the body of Christ, not one member, but many members. And uh, you know, I, I guess you know, for lack of a better term, uh, not this is not a theological term, but just keeping in touch, right? Uh, not only from the pastor to the people, but also perhaps to the people from the people to the pastor too. If he's so blunt as to say, Pastor, would you say a prayer with me now? You know, sometimes, you know, the pastor will offer to say a prayer, but I, I love that when people would ask me, would you say a prayer, Pastor? Just cry out and say it. Yeah. You know, ask for the prayer. Especially, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about this, and I'm thinking of some of the people that have not shown up just because of COVID. <laughs> we haven't heard from them. You know, it's, it's kind of like a Saying, you know, Pastor Blake says, you know, I know we've tried to contact those people. It's like, cool, oh, thank you. But, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah much, to, uh, much to consider here. Notice also, uh, you know, in verse 15, James continues, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. I don't know, maybe somebody's praying. I don't think so. I do know some people that don't like rain, so he surprised me. <laughs> yeah. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Yeah. I mean, unique circumstances, certainly, in Elijah's day. Um, you might recall that there was the account of uh, Elijah being, uh, I think it was Elijah in the, 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 the jar of oil, wasn't it? Or was that Elisha? Um, they're similar accounts, but uh, uh, Elijah... Uh, was staying at, or would be staying at uh, at a widow's house, uh, who had a son, and uh, she was uh, very concerned because she was going to have to basically sell her son, you know, in order to, to survive. I think she wasn't even Israelite. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Elijah said, "Help, you know, gather as many jars as you can," and the Lord filled up the jars with oil, and they sold the oil. Um, so they were able to, to make uh, the, the correct payments and the like. Um, 
But uh, yeah, and this is, a, you know, I, I also want to say this too, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, I mean, this is not a hypothetical question, but what happens when you have Christians, um, you know, from like, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that there were Christians in Germany at the time of, uh, in, in the 1940s. And you have war going on, and, and you know, so you have American Christians praying that the Lord give them their victory. And then you had German Christians who were praying, Lord, give us a victory. Um, you know, you know, some some will speak that way with reference to football games too, right? Yeah. <laughs> or baseball, which, which doesn't work. Yeah, anytime, it, we know, anytime you've got two people in conflict, somebody's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know the, the the thought is, you know, some would say, well, we won, so that must have been God's will. Yeah. As if to say that they knew God's will. <laughs> you know, and, and the like. Uh, but but really, <coughs> placing placing our hands into into God's care and keeping means just that. Even if we lose, what difference does it make? Right. I mean, we still win. Right. I mean. And Luther kind of expressed it this way. This is, I, I think, from I think from uh, two kinds. Of, uh, a treatise called Two Kinds of Righteousness, or actually, it, it could be the Freedom of the Christian um, that he wrote this. But but uh, you know, he comments. And I'm paraphrasing, but he comments: one in a jail cell is not imprisoned. Say that again, please. One in a jail cell who is Christian is not imprisoned. Right. His body is, but his soul is not. And which is the greater, right? You know, um, and, and I'm, I'm reflective of, uh, you know, the, the last few words of, uh, I think it's the, is it the first line of a mighty fortress? You know, let them take my, what, my wife, my home? Mm -hmm. I forget the exact wording. But uh, let them take all that is mine. God remains God. And, uh, those those words uh, I, I believe uh, are to be heard, you know, at, at all times. Not just when things are going the way we like them to go, uh, but even when they're not, because God again remains God, regardless. And 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 you know, consider the disciples of our Lord on Good Friday. What did they see? What did they experience? There, I ask, what did they feel? Uh, but what did they know? Right, the one who you know we, we hear of this with the on the with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We thought this guy was the Messiah, and he did wonderful things. Um, and then there's this strange report that his body was not in the tomb. Right? He almost wanted to knock him on the head. <laughs> Do you remember that Jesus told you this, right? Um, but uh, they were they were literally down and out. They they literally placed all their eggs in one basket. And they thought the basket was broken. They were human. They were human, yeah. Hey, we are too, aren't we? You know, and, and remember Jesus says to them, do not fear. Because I. Jesus says that to us too, doesn't he? Uh, so so this is not the time to, to stay away from church, regardless of a pandemic and the like, but even more so to be in church and hearing the word, being fed with the bread of life. All right, let's uh, let's look to First uh, Kings chapter three, Old Testament, <clears throat> uh, 
often referred to as uh, the history section or a part of the history section of, uh, of the Old Testament. First Kings chapter 3, and we've got a, a, a few more verses to read here. Put that back. Can we start with uh, Wayne over here with verse 3, and we'll work ourselves around to verse 15. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense in high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth righteousness and an unrighteousness of heart with you. You have committed this great kindness for him. You have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? All right, and we hear, um, you know, of course, that God will not be ever so My eyes are deceiving me. Go ahead. Verse the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. You asked for this, God answered, and you didn't ask for a long life or riches or the death of your enemies, but you asked to be able to understand how to be just and give him judgment. Behold, I have done according to your word, and given you a wise and understanding heart to that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no evil honor. And if you will walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offering and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So he had dreamed this, uh, but in the dream, what does he ask for of God? Wisdom. Yeah. And, and notice, it, it, what, what's intriguing to me is it is not Solomon who said, Lord, give me according to your will what you desire. It was God who said, what can I give you? Uh, and, and he gave him that wisdom. Uh, you know, everything was in the Lord's hands. And, uh, and and we see also that the Lord gave blessings that Solomon had not asked for. Right? So he asked for discernment, he asked for wisdom, mm -hmm. uh, but the Lord also gave him uh, riches and uh, and uh, the certainty of his, uh, of his kindness to him. Okay. 
Okay, and then immediately after, of course, then there's this, an account, which is really profound, um, of, uh, of a demonstration of the Lord's wisdom given to Solomon, you know, which, which really stands out. Because uh, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, if you go to the courts, they'd be arguing this for, for ages, probably. Yep. But, uh, but he just says what he says, yeah. So in the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy will be done. But that's not enough for us. We want to know what to do. And to know what to do or to say is wisdom. Right. And, and you know, one of the classes I teach is, uh, is it's called uh, Calling. Christian on Christian vocation, and, and the majority of the students actually think that you have to know what God wants you to do in order to be doing it. Um, and and, and it's, it's in the sense of vocation, but you know, I mean, you don't have to ask a mom. Um, you know, do you know that? Uh, uh, do you know what it means to be a mom? Or do you have to know what it means to be a mom to be a mom or dad? just kind of do it, right? I mean, you mess up along the way, but you also learn a lot of stuff along the way too, right? Yeah. You know, um, but, but this idea, and I, I've, I've uh, you know, commented on this uh, quite often, I think, but this idea that we have to know what God's purpose is in our life to, to do it, that's false. Um, you know, the, the small catechism of, of, of Dr. Luther says it very clearly, as does scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the, the essence of the commandments is love. What is my purpose? Love. To love others. How do you do that? Well, if you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're a citizen, you know, uh, you know, towards your enemy and, and so on and so forth, you know, similar things are going on. I mean, that, that word love encompasses all of it. Um, you know, another component of this um, in, in terms of, oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say another component of this is uh, thinking that uh, only, only, or if, if I don't know my purpose in order that God wants to use me this way, then I've got to find it out. And that becomes kind of the goal. Yeah. And once you find it, okay, now what? Because I know what I'm supposed to do. Um, but, you know, uh, to, to many, I, 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 uh, I give these words that it's it's not about trying to find out what you're supposed to do. It's doing what's right in front of you. You know, so uh, you know we can talk about years ahead, but but that's not the only or the primary concern of the Christian. It's the here and now. And uh, you know, with, with reference to prayer too, um, and and that's why you know. You, you, you probably know this already, but what are what, what is uh, what are the three ways that God answers prayer? Yes, no, and wait. Yeah, wait, not yet, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I kind of surmise that that oftentimes God has answered our prayer, but we keep praying for it because we don't want to we don't want to we don't like the answer. answer. <laughs> you know, um, why are we so dare I say stupid? <laughs> Fallen. At least I want to say that about myself. But yeah, we, we are fallen. We're, we're fallen creatures. We're poor, miserable sinners. Uh, and have you ever noticed that, that, that sometimes God just kind of, he, he'll kind of tap you on your shoulder sometimes, but sometimes he just knocks you over. Yeah. And long it's like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, 
For the sake of time, I and, and this is a, this is a appropriate. Let's look at Daniel. And yes, we will be looking at one of the uh, the the, uh, the more memorable accounts of Daniel, <coughs> specifically before he's thrown in the in the in the den of lions. So let me set this up by just way of reminder. There there were uh, there, there were political leaders uh, who convinced the king to basically uh, give an order, given an ordinance saying, you will pray to no one else other than, you know, other than the king. Right? Uh, and if, if, uh, if uh, anyone makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Okay? Now listen to what happened. Uh, could someone read verse 10 of chapter 6 in Daniel? Daniel's response. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Yeah. And then if, if we were to continue, basically the they noticed. Yeah, they recognized. They, they were he had his window open. Who does that? Who opens their window when there's when <laughs> when there's basically a, a 30 day lockdown? Oh, maybe I shouldn't use that term. <laughs> there's a 30 day period where they weren't supposed to pray to anybody except the king. Notice what you know, Daniel, and and it doesn't seem like he's doing this arrogantly or rightfully. He just does what he normally does. Because who's the greater, God or the king? Of course, we know the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but, but I, I I wonder, and this is all speculative, but I wonder, like, oh, well, the government says we can't pray, so we better not. That'll uh, be the day. That's all I'll say. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think, uh, you know, when you, when you throw... When, when you throw uncertainty in there, you know, um, then, you know, that's something else. And then uh, also love for neighbor and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a lot we just did not know, I think, with reference to the pandemic. I think it's becoming clearer, though, what is true and what is not. And uh, so I, I'll just leave it at that. We can talk afterwards if you'd like. Uh, I'll, I'll draw your attention. Uh, to uh, you know, to, to read the other sections on your own, uh, but uh, th- this is just a, a, a kind of a quick list of other prayers that are made during the service. The confession of sins that too is a prayer, right? Where we're petitioning our Lord to forgive us our sins. Of course, we have the collect of the day. We looked at this already. The collect of the day kind of gathers the, the the thoughts concerning the gospel in particular, and, and moves that into prayer. The Lord's prayer. Of course, we'll, we'll come to that uh, in more to greater detail coming up. The post-communion collect, and I'm just kind of going down here, but a confession of sins. The offertory also is a prayer, and we talked about that. The proper preface, which we're coming to, and then also the nuptimittis. We sing it, but it's also a prayer, right? Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. And this is one of the, the, the beauties, I think, of the hymnal, too. Uh, what were the three 
Yeah, the, the 3D devotional books used by, by Lutherans many years ago, and that are still available today, by the way. One is, of course, the Bible, right? Yeah. Small and large. The small catechism, yeah, you could include the large. I mean, I would add the Lutheran confessions too, but but um, but the small catechism and then the hymnal. The hymnal. Um, not only do you have devotions um, or prayers in the hymnal, um, but you also have, of course, confessions of faith. Uh, you have prayers in the hymns too, um, and that that's uh, that, that's a neat thing to do, and it's uh, it's very encouraging sometimes to go through the hymns and then actually pray the hymns because the words are right there. Uh, so you know, I, I'm not at all opposed to written prayers. Um, you know, and certainly the Christian does pray ex or extemporaneously, um, and and we do that. But at, but there are times when we want to where we pray prayers that have already been written, um, and especially with reference to the prayer of the church, as mentioned, we pray for everything. It's not just about us. It's not just about our congregation, but it includes petitions for our congregation. And for our local context as well as the broader context. I'd like to say that the Lutheran service book is the most useful hymnal type book that I have ever used for a long term. Yeah. It has everything in it. Yeah, and, and even meditating on the hymns. I, I, I was joking with, uh, well, not really joking, but I was telling my, I, I, I was mentioning uh, to, uh, to family that. Uh, I know of, uh, you might know the name Preuss. Preuss, yeah. Preuss. Uh, I, I think it was probably under, I want to say Jacob. Was he the father of Rolf? Or, or who was? Well, Jacob Preuss was one of the brothers. Robert had all those. Okay, maybe it was Robert, but I, I, I'm i guessing his sons probably followed in the same line, but uh, they would actually, this was a time when, when their kids were younger, um, they would they would uh, say okay memorize this hymn and I'll give you five cents <laughs> you know kind of thing you know but they would memorize the hymns you know and, and like it uh, and, and it's um, but but the the thing is like we, we, we speak of memorizing scripture and I, I pray that uh, we still retain the written word uh, in our nation uh, yeah um, go along with what Earl just said, I, I find it useful, especially being in the pew now, uh, opening the hymnal before the service starts and looking at the prayers in the very beginning of the hymnal. And they have a whole page of appropriate prayers for the divine service. Right. There's a prayer before the service starts. There's a prayer for confession of sins. Right. You know, preparing. It's very preparatory. Right. And then there's a prayer for the word being preached and proclaimed. There's a prayer for before and after receiving the sacrament, and there's a prayer after the service is over. Yeah, rather than just kind of jumping up and talking and all that visiting is great, but to kind of put a, a prayerful thought at the end of the service, it's just and it's so they're short, you know, they're short little collects, really, but they're right there. You don't have to go looking for them. They're right on the front on the inside of the hymnal. All right, um, I'll leave you uh, with uh, just two more slides. Uh, 
if you're in, I'll, I'll just kind of read them through them quickly. These are from uh, Luther's large catechism. Uh, the handout, you know, that uh, we have, we won't be able to get to today, but uh, continuations of uh, Luther's large on prayer. He says, we are in a situation where no person can perfectly keep the Ten Commandments, even though he has begun to believe. The devil, with all his power, together with the world and our own flesh, resists our efforts. Uh, and by the way, this is um, the copy from last week. So if you don't have it in front of you, uh, just uh, kind of kind of listen closely. The devil, with all his power, together with the world and our own flesh, resists our efforts of keeping the Ten Commandments. Therefore, nothing is more necessary than that we should continually turn toward God's ear, call upon him, and pray to him. We must pray that he would give, preserve, and increase faith in us in the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters, which includes what? The world. The world. Politics. Our own sin, right? Uh, and our, our sinful flesh and also the devil. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters of, of keeping his word. So that we might know what and how to pray our Lord Christ has himself taught us both the way and the words. Okay, the Lord's Prayer. Continuing, let this be the first and most important point. There's another one. Uh, but that all our prayers must be based and rest upon obedience to God, regardless of who we are, whether we are sinners or saints, worthy or unworthy. We must know that God will not have our prayer treated as a joke, but he will be angry and punish all who do not pray, just as surely as he punishes all other disobedience. Furthermore, he will not allow our prayers to be in vain or lost. If he did not intend to answer our prayer, he would not ask you to pray and add such a severe commandment to it. So, I mean, this is another aspect of their prayer, too. We, you know, we come before God uh, not only because he promises to, to hear, but because he commands us to pray. You know, and on that basis, then we come before him. He says pray. If we don't pray, we're acting contrary to that word, right? Um, also, by the way, um, and this is very much related when, when Jesus says come, what does that sound like? When he says take, drink. Yeah. Yeah. Take drink. Yeah, it's an imperative. You know, take eat, take drink, and then the promise for the forgiveness of sins. Let, let, let us do open the prayer. Heavenly Father, you are merciful unto us beyond measure, and yet there are times when it is more difficult to see your favor upon us, especially as we undergo trials and have struggles and face challenges as your beloved people, as part of your body. We pray that you would give us confidence in you and certainty of your mercies, your favor, your forgiveness, and your peace that passes all human understanding. Give us that peace that we so desire and that we are so undeserving of. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we started uh, looking at some of these last week. Uh, specifically, I think Matthew 18:20. Remember, that's where uh, Jesus says, "Where two or three are gathered together in my name, in the midst of them." We looked at a little bit at Luke 11, 
that is the account of the Lord's Prayer where the, in Luke's Gospel, where the disciples, after Jesus prays, the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he says, when you pray, say. All right? Um, and we looked at uh, 1 Timothy 2, which uh, we also mentioned, or at least there was mentioned in 1 Timothy, that when Paul is writing to Timothy, they were still under Romish rule. And here Paul is saying, this is commendable to God, and, and urging them to pray for rulers as well. You know, and God desires all people that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, and it, it, I think it, it, it can be very striking when we hear in our prayers, the prayer of the church in particular, especially in days forthcoming, how we will pray for our leaders. So I, I think this past Sunday we prayed for the president-elect and vice president-elect. Um, we still pray for our enemies and for those that we dislike. For various reasons, uh, we might dislike them, but God calls us to pray for them and also to love them. Remember, uh, this might be kind of a by-the-way thing, but I, I think it's important. Love does not demonstrate itself simply because the person is lovable. And you know, all we have to do to reflect on that is is look at God's love for sinners. Is there anything worthy or deserving of sinners that God loves them? And the answer, of course, is no. And yet, what does he do? He continues to love. Uh, God so loved the world, John 3.16, um, and the like. And this is love, not that we love God, but the, that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. Okay. So, you know, thinking of all this, I mean, it does have to do with prayer, right? And it does have to do with the times that we're living in currently as well. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this, the early Christian martyrs, for example, um, they kept to their faith that they loved their enemies and uh, to such a degree that, that many, uh, many of their persecutors, or at least uh, more than a few, became Christian. You know, and, and I, I wonder, I mean, this, the, I'm, I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit already. I, I, didn't, but, um, I didn't open my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not your fault. Uh, this time. Yeah. But, but you know, just, you know, how many are asking about, you know, like in the early church, why are you doing this? You know, yeah. non-Christians would ask Christians, why are you doing this? Why are you suffering? Wouldn't it be easier just to, you know, light that candle and, for the emperor? Mm. You know, um, and, you know, they, they, Christians were given kind of this, uh, you know, this test, and if they passed it, then they were okay, but if not, then they were tortured and, you know, they suffered. And one was simply, okay, light a candle to the emperor, you know, kind of thing. And some did, but many didn't, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our people asked me that today, well, why are the Christians so gathering? Why are the Christians saying this? Why are the Christians loving those who are um, not worthy of being loved and so on and so forth? I wonder just a hypothetical, but it is practical too. And how many are saying that at the Christian church today? You know, speaking the truth when it's not politically correct to do that. Can I say that? Politically correct? <laughs> um, but, uh, 
get, and people just uh, aren't getting it. But, um, anyway, let's uh, let's continue. Open to James chapter one. And my my plan today is uh, at least uh, you know before break uh, to uh, to uh, review this and uh, maybe perhaps another slide or two, and then uh, get into some Luther about what he says concerning prayer for this large category. Which I, I think does, uh, is uh, uh, relevant to uh, the study of the prayer of the church, but also greatly relevant for our day as well. Okay, so uh, James chapter 1, could someone read verses 5 through 8? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Okay, so what what is the what is the uh, the request? Here referred to uh, for uh, with reference to prayer. Lack of wisdom. Yeah, lack of wisdom. And uh, you know, it, it's 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 written right here, but sometimes uh, you know, with uh, you know the, the catechesis uh, that we're using with the adults as well as uh, with with the younger people, um, we're looking at scripture, and oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll we'll read a little bit and then we'll stop and talk about it. Right? Another method in catechesis is kind of question and answer. So, you know, uh, sometimes, okay, so what is the main thing that is being asked here uh, or asked for? Wisdom. Um, let him ask who? God. Right? And then, you know, because that's a way of uh, teaching, a, a, a way of training and uh, drawing attention to the text itself. You know, um, I don't know if you guys if you find this, but especially in the public square, but even in church, so often there will be references to the Bible, but they're completely taken out of context. Yes. You know, um, and, and it's taken out of context in such a way that it benefits the speaker and doesn't really get at what God himself is revealing this word. Yeah. Well, speaking of context, like that open window, and Context here, I think, is important. Verse uh, four, especially verse three, where it says, "Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance." Um, the idea of verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom, I think a lot of us in our life will say, "Why, Lord?" Yeah. Okay, we're we, we're kind of without answers. Yeah. And that usually is prompted because we're going through difficult times. And so the context there says, you know, verse 2, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials or, or challenges. So, um, you know, it's not just wisdom, like make me smarter, right. but rather helping in faith to tie into his will. Yeah. You know, in that regard, right? Yeah, I, well, and I'm, I'm thinking one of the examples that we'll be looking at in just a, in just a bit is, is Solomon's prayer. You know, which you know, I mean, you might not.
call that a trial, um, but he does ask for discernment. Right. You know, because he, he finds himself, you know, not uh, not not as strong in that area. Perhaps. You know, uh, you know, somewhat weak and needing needing assistance, needing yeah. help. Being in touch with our weaknesses. Right. Yeah. And and. You know, I was almost going to say, you know, you read that, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, and I don't want to swim in, you know, the, a, a, a gut reaction is, what? <laughs> you know, what the heck is going on here? Count it all joys, you know, and then Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are they, blessed are you when they persecute you? Yeah. You know, and say all kinds of evil yeah. things against you on account of me. And then, you know, um, for suffering, um, you know, for true godly suffering, uh, I encourage you to read Peter's letters, First and Second Peter. Uh, and uh, you know, the, uh, again, you know, God has a, a uh, how should I say? He's 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 on a different plane, or His word is on a different plane than we are. You know, we think of suffering. Oh, I have to deal with this, and it may be suffering, but the kind of suffering that that God reveals in His word. It's like it comes among Christians is not merely physical. Yeah. We pray, Thy will be done in the Lord's Prayer. And we end parts of prayer with, If it be Thy will. And it's, it's not only for bad things, right. but going back to John 3.16, God wants us to be saved. And that part of his will, you know, we all agree with. But uh, being but human, we just... Yeah. How he answers that is received only by one who has faith. Uh, because, you know, we, we might pray, take this away, take that away, make, make life easier, and, and God essentially says no. And he does that for our good. Right? I, I mean... You know, Paul speaks of this way, crucifying the sinful flesh. You know, Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know, I, I kind of tend to think that uh, part of that denying self also is very related to what we encounter in life. Not good. You know, as we see it, not good. But in God's eyes, this is a means of purifying Right? I mean, so, you know, he talks about, you know, iron or, or silver being purified, right? Getting the impurities out of the uh, out of the metals, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we, we, we say trial by fire, but, but uh, you know, how much one is strengthened by that. You know, uh, someone had mentioned earlier about uh, nurses getting the vaccines with, you know, the huge, you know, muscular, right? Uh, but how does one get stronger? Vaccine. <laughs> practice, exercise. Well, exercise. You know, you work out. You're, 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 you're uh, maybe you know. You know, I, I never served in the military. I, I, I probably said that before, but you know, it's amazing the transformations from what I understand that can take place in a 12-week period of time. Is that 12 weeks? Is that usually depends on what branch? Depending, depending on the service. Yeah. Okay. Air Force is eight weeks. Yeah, they got okay. Okay. I'm not talking about them. <laughs> no, but but uh, you know, just the, the the change that can take place in just a minimal amount of time. 
you know, when, when you have to change basically everything that you've done in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So you're eating, it's all irregular, right? You're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're stressing out your body pretty much almost 24-7, right? You know, uh, not getting sleep, from what I understand. Right? That's true, yeah. Um, you know, being at the ready, and you know, so you're training your body, um, but, but where you started is very different from where, where you end up. Afterwards, your thinking changes too. Yeah, and you get haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> your your thinking changes completely, unless you're already a, uh, a military person. ROTC, you probably already there. If you are ROTC, you were probably already on that mindset. But but you know, it's you know, I, the, the the point is, you know, how does one grow? You know, and, and you know, I, I think many will, will say this. Um, academics, you know, will, will, and, and others too that uh, are aware of these things will say that the greater growth takes place with disappointment than it does success. Sometimes you have to go to rock bottom, I guess, too. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like you fail a you, you fail a test, for example, if you're in school, you fail a test, and, and you might think, you know, oh gosh, I'm so bad, you know, um, and and some will just kind of wallow in their sorrow and their grief. You know, there's nothing I can do. Or others, for example, they'll 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 use that as kind of like, okay, this is a kick in the pants for me. You know, I'm I'm going to apply myself more greatly. Mm -hmm. uh, but what, what's amazing with with this is, you know, um, you know, we do pray, Thy will be done, O Lord. We pray His kingdom come, um, and the like. And I was almost wanting to say we have to be careful with that too, though. Um, you know, I, I've heard it said before. Uh, you, be careful about praying for patience. Oh, no. <laughs> but on whose end are we talking from? We're talking from our own end. Um, you know, but what would what would God have us pray for? Right. I mean, that's the question. So then, you know, saying you know, you know, Thy will be done, and then placing ourselves as Luther does in in. The, the morning and evening prayer into your hands I commend myself, as all Christians will do. Um, it can be a scary thing because um, because God has a plan sometimes, often, but we don't. You know, and, and, and God knows what he's doing even though we do not. Right? I mean, and, and his will is far greater than ours, and he knows what he's doing even though, you know, we think we know what we're doing. You know, going this way, doing that thing, uh, and the like. Um, and, and by the way, this would also apply to the church, too. Um, compromise is never the answer when it comes to the truth of, of God's Word. You know, and, and yet, and and I, I, I am kind of, uh, you know, the, the way that they, the things are going today, I, I just wonder how many congregations, how many church bodies, how many pastors and, and, and Christians are going to stand firm in their faith. On Christ, because um, there's uh, there's been a lot of compromise over the last 20 years. Four thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what what is what is truly valuable and what is priceless is the Word of God, and you know um, that's where we take our stand. And you know we we we've we've, we've said this. Uh, Know, and, and this is part of our proclamation, but it, it, it's not based on numbers. It's based on God Himself and His Word and His grace and His mm -hmm. mercy. You know, um, 
So, uh, you know, and, and, and that also applies to prayer, too. Um, who was, you remember uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, um, who was told by Samuel uh, to wait for him. I think it was a Gibeon. Uh, he was to wait, and uh, he didn't. He was supposed to wait a certain time until Samuel came, and, and he was like, I'm, you know, ad-libbing here. He was looking at his watch. <laughs> you know, okay, uh, he's, he's not here. I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice. Yeah, that was a bad move. And that was the first time that, that it's recorded, from, from what I recall, in, in Scripture, when he goes against what God says through the prophet Samuel. The second time, just as bad, um, you know, is, is when uh, when Samuel said, okay, wait in this uh, certain place, and uh, by the way, um, demolish the Amalekites. Do away with them, everything. Don't keep anything for yourself. Kill the king, you know, you know, uh, destroy them completely. And Saul took it upon himself not to. And he used the justification in his mind of keeping the best booty for sacrifice and offering to God. And and Samuel, uh, you know, comes and the the memorable phrase is something like, uh, you know, uh, I hear the bleeding of sheep. Yeah, yeah, I hear the bleeding of sheep. And uh, he was pretty ticked, I think. Um, and certainly God was. You know, and he confronts Saul to his face and he says, what did God tell you to do? How come you haven't done it? And then he said, much like Aaron did before him, well, the people did this. Um, yes, but you have charge and authority over the people. Much like Adam did. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's not, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's not like he had, uh, I, I guess I want to say, you know, he may have had good intentions about offering to God the best thing, the, the best things that he found, but the problem was God told him not to do that. You know, in the same way, you know, when we look at, uh, we, we talked about uh, Genesis 3 last night, uh, you know, concerning the fall, and, you know, some would say, well, why would God punish them in such a way because they ate fruit? I mean, you guys eat apples and just grapes. And, yeah, yeah, it's just an apple, right? But that was not the issue. The issue was that God said, don't do it. And they did it. Right? So, you know, we, we don't worship God our own way. We worship the way that he demands that we be worshipped. If we don't understand. So, even if we don't understand it. So, you know, Luther... Um, you know, comments in his uh, in his large catechism on baptism, I think it is. You know, if, if God had if God had given us straw to use instead of water, or another element, um, then that would be the sacrament attached with the word, or the element attached with the word that makes a sacrament, because it's not dependent on us; it's dependent on His word. Right? I mean, water by itself is just what? Water. But with the Word of God, it becomes a blessed means of grace. Means of forgiveness. Right? So uh, we're not done with James yet, by the way. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, and, and this is in the context of uh, trial, and, and perhaps also, you know, with, with re reference uh, for uh, 
you know, suffering and, and uh, trials of all kinds, lacking wisdom is to recognize that, hey, I, I think a part of this is, is, is also to be able to say, you know, God is not punishing me because of any particular sin. As if, okay, I've got to change this sin and then God is going to start loving me again. Because I, I think there, there is that quite prevalency of, uh, of belief that, okay, if I'm sick, if I'm in the hospital, it's because of what I've done. Right? Um, and yet, for the Christian, we know that all punishment, all punishment, and not just the punishment of, of sins before baptism, as the Catholics teach, uh, but all sin has been taken care of in who? So that means if I'm in the hospital, um, you know, with, with this ailment, it's not because God is judging me uh, because I did this or because I did that. Now, this is a different thing than if, if someone is in the hospital because they smoked for three years. I, I've heard, maybe you've heard that too, kind of a side note, but some will say, why is God doing this to me? And you want to say, God didn't do this to you, you did this to me. And, uh, I mean, that, that's kind of hard to hear. It's probably hard to say, too, depending on the, on the relationship. Um, but, but, but again, you know, what has God said, what has he not said? And I, I was reminded just recently of this, what has God promised, what has he not promised? Um, so I, I was uh, responding to, uh, to someone uh, recently who, uh, who basically, I, I don't know if they're Christian, uh, but... Uh, but they were they were stating essentially that uh, they, they they had suffered in their life. I think their mom died or her mom died years ago, you know. And there was anger and bitterness towards God. And uh, you know, um, I, I think uh, there, there is there there are those who are angry at God for this or for that. Um, but at the same time, when we say Thy will be done, we're also including that in there too, right? I mean. So if this person dies, or if he lives, it's not up to me. It's not up to us. And, and we believe God to be gracious and merciful, uh, even if that person does suffer and die, right? I mean, and even that person who is suffering and dying, as they're Christian, they also believe that too. Why? Because Christ himself suffered and died. Because of the promise given. And and, and my part of the response to to, uh, this individual was God has not promised us a griefless and a sorrowless life. Remember what he said to his disciples, and maybe this isn't the time to say this because of our circumstance with the government and, and fear, right? But I, I think it's a perfect place. And that is, you know, when Jesus says to his disciples in the world, you will have tribulation. But what does he say after that? But be of good cheer. I will overcome the world. You know, and in, 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 in uh, 1 John chapter 5, the evangelist says, uh, this is what has overcome the world, our faith. But not a nebulous, vacuous faith, but one that is centered on Christ Jesus, who is, by the way, coming again at his own time. And in the meantime, while he is, uh, you know, uh, absent, at least... Uh, you know, in such a way before he returns, uh, what is our confidence? What is our hope? 
not only that he is returning, but also in what he gives us daily now, right? His word, his mercy, uh, his, his grace and favor. Let's, uh, let's, uh, so he gives, God gives generally to all without reproach, uh, but notice the emphasis here in verse 6, asking in faith. Now, uh, in, in terms of prayer, uh, prayer is not saying, God, give me this or I'm not going to believe. Years ago, I, I heard of some uh, some students who, uh, who were not Christian and yet then they claimed to have prayed and they got an A on a test and they said, oh, now I believe in God because he gave me an A on this test. I, I really, truly hope that there's more to it than that. Um, because I, I, I think we're, we're kind of geared in that direction. If God answers me and gives me what I want, then he must be true, right? Then he must be my God and favorable towards me. Uh, but that's that's all, you know, in, in one's mind, you know, they're at peace with God. But what happens when when, when, when the, the building crashes? What happens when the rain falls? And you know this, right? When it rains, it pours. Yeah. What happens at those times? You know, that the temptation is to say, well, God loves me if things are going well, or when things are going well, I know God loves me. But when things are going not so well, yeah, I mean, we, we still confess that, right, because of, because of Christ. Uh, but there are those who say that, well, you know, all this is happening, God must not love me too much. Um, but uh, you know, perhaps we also ask for the wisdom without knowing it that um, even when things are not going the way that we would like them to, but they're going the way that God, um, in His uh, in His merciful will, um, and also according to His hidden will, uh, you know, to us, uh, we know that God is doing what He does for our good, that we remain in the faith. Um, I had a professor, and you. Um, uh, and, and he's deceased now. He, he was the one who wrote the commentary on Revelation. I don't know if you ever had a chance Louis to have Bright. Professor Brighton. Yes. Uh, Outstanding. I, I had him for a number of classes at, at the seminary. And uh, I remember him saying this in, in one of the classes. And it was startling then. And it's kind of startling now. But I, I think there's uh, you know a, a lot of uh, good that comes from it. And he said... Um, of his kids, he, he actually prayed, he said he prayed every night, and he was one, and he was one in particular compared to other seminary professors, I think, because I had him for a number of classes. He said, he seemed to say this similar things in different classes. You know, and, and uh, ask me about it later, he said some, some really wild things too. Uh, good things, but, you know, really shocking. Uh, but one of the things that he was mentioning was, uh, Every night he would pray that his children would remain in the faith, but if they were tempted to lose their faith, then he actually prayed that the Lord take them before they lose their faith. And I mean, you could you could see, I mean, if you've ever looked at the commentary, Revelation commentary, or if, if, if you've known him or, or, or heard about him, I'm sure there's uh, probably audio from issues, etc., and, and some other places uh, with him on there. But you could see the the intensity, the uh, you know, the uh, the love that he had for God and for truth, you know, and, and to pray that Lord, if it's your will, you know, take the child before he loses faith. Um, 
it, it just it, it, it's really striking because when we pray thy will be done I mean that then encompasses more than just right what's right in front of us you know and uh, you know who knows I mean I, I don't want to you know say speak as a prophet here but what we're facing as a society could it be God's will I'm not sure what I was watching. Charlie was watching it with me. It was one of the news, the conservative news, I think. That, and they said that there's more, actually more Christians in China than non-Christians. That very well could be. I mean, and, I mean, that's God's will. And, you know, God's will is to, to do that here, too, to change people. I'm not sure how. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I think... Uh, who was it? Uh, well, actually, Luther, um, you know, before he was converted, um, he was still Catholic, but before he was converted, um, you know, he reports that at the rustling of a leaf, his conscience would be struck. Mm-hmm. Because he was so burdened by the law. And uh, it, it wasn't until, you know, when he, when he uh, you know, when he believed the gospel that all of that weight was lifted. And uh, it, it's it's amazing how how often and, and it, it, it demonstrates the um, you know the tenacity and the uh, you know the, the the greatness of our sin and our arrogance and pride mm-hmm. um, that we have to be beaten as we do uh, in in order to to recognize that it's not about us. It, it, it's centered on God for us in Christ. You know, salvation, you know, I mean, so many people think that they can do it themselves. They can't. You know, and, uh, you know, I, you know, mentioning uh, hitting rock bottom. Um, in my understanding, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, you know, and the other Anonymouses, we say that, you know, fill in the blank before. I mean, don't most of them, you know, say that before you can improve, you have to hit rock bottom. You have to realize you need to. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in, in the, you know, using the Bible, what else is that except, you know, being, being struck by the law saying, no, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. You are condemned. You are judged. You don't deserve anything but God's judgment and wrath. Uh, remember in, in, uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached that sermon, they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptized. Yeah. Uh, I think our country's in that place where they have hit rock bottom before it was back. I think the depression brought a lot of people back to God. You know, they got to where they couldn't depend on the government. They couldn't depend on so they, they yeah. turn to God, and I think the time probably coming again that people will turn back to God. I, I, I pray so. Um, I, I just wish, yeah, wish we weren't so hard on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it, yeah, you know, and it's, you know, thinking of, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy to, to, to fear, I think, about what might be, you know, especially when, you know, because media, you know, even if even the the right media, and I, I don't mean uh, I, I mean opposed to the left, 
right? You know, the, uh, you know, the, the more conservative uh, rather than the more liberal. Um, what they say um, you know, can, can cause a great deal of concern to the other direction, right? Um, so, you know, what about, uh, what do they call them, preppers? You know, like, well, there's, there's going to be a time when, when uh, you know, the electric grid is going to shut down and there's going to be pandemic and, okay, so we have to start stockpiling in our homes. And, yeah. You know, there, there are the extremists, I, I think, in, in both directions, right? Um, but, uh, you know, God calls us, and, and, and again, I, I think wisdom is needed here. Um, God calls us to continue to believe his promises, but at the same time, not take for granted the gifts that he has given and the preparations potentially to be made, you know, um, and the like. Um, I remember a time years ago, and actually I should, shouldn't say I remember because I really don't because I didn't live through them, um, but in the earlier uh, years of our church body, wasn't there a time when, uh, when insurance was seen, you know, purchasing insurance was seen as a lack of trust in God? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> right? You mentioned Luther. Yeah. The movies show him in the Greek, and he reads, The just shall live by his faith. It's an epiphany. He realized the whole thing right there from that one phrase. I can read the just shall live by the faith. Yeah, sure. Okay, what's next? You know, it just doesn't hit me the way it hit him. Yeah. So I don't know if that's uh, dramatic license. That's just you, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Aww. <laughs> don't worry, Earl. Earl, it doesn't hit you that way because you didn't grow up as Catholic constantly doing penance and wondering if it was enough. I think that's why it yeah. hit him in that way. Because he kept thinking he had to make all of that up and, and oh, yeah. wipe out for his sins. And as a Baptist person, they don't have that same emphasis. I mean, it's a terrible burden. Are you saying you people? I'm saying people that didn't grow up Catholics. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think people. <laughs> and, and, and in addition, Earl, it also has to do with language, too, because, you know, we kind of, I, I think, generally speaking, we take for granted, you know, just. We take for granted faith, you know, um, even by live and by. We take for granted these things. I mean, we're, we, 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 you know, for many of us, we were raised Christian, you know, uh, somewhat, and the like, yeah. Um, but the just shall live by faith, yeah. Um, if, if you go by, you know, what did he um, understand concerning the just or the word righteous? You know, those who do good, not those that are good, right? So, I mean, there's a difference, right? You know, so so the belief in the Catholic Church, and correct me if I'm wrong um, on this, but, you know, there, there was this yeah. um, ideal, you know, that, that you were saved by grace, but this grace moved you also to do good works. So essentially you were saved by God's grace by what he had done, but you had something to do too. You had a part to play in it as well. Um, and uh, the belief then, 
as well as I, I think in, in large degree, I mean, still today, of course, in the Catholic Church, but in other areas of, of, of Christendom, as a whole, the, the you know, to speak of a righteous God, you know, is not only to be speaking of a perfect God, uh, but that one um, who demands righteousness, and this is the, and he does demand righteousness. But the way that it was understood by uh, by Luther and uh, others then as well as now is that you know the the righteousness of God is the righteousness of God also to judge and to condemn whereas Luther came to the conclusion by reading scripture that the righteousness of God is the righteousness that God freely gives for Christ's sake God is a just God he does judge he does punish but the righteousness of God um, you know prevalently is that uh, righteousness by which God also gives or declares, and I'm speaking justification objectively given, you know, um, and, and very different. Um, you know, so he came across those words and, and he saw God as an angry God. He didn't love him at all. And uh, I, 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 for one, am thankful for his openness. For his? Openness. You know, in terms of, you know, like, I remember this in, in Roland Bayton's uh, Here I Stand, uh, you know, book. He, he says, I hated God. I mean, how could I love a God that is so unmerciful and uncharitable and demands what I cannot do? And uh, all non-Christians, uh, and, um, and I'm including in here uh, in the, that definition of unchristian, those who claim to be Christian but have no faith and confidence in Christ. It, it's still all about what they do to God or before God, and uh, th that's what's so disheartening. Because even now, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard on some stations anyway, uh, you know, okay, so what's next? What are we going to do now? You know, uh, namely conservatives, but Christians might say that too. Well, are we going to do anything different than what we've done for the last thousands, couple thousands of years? Believe in God, trust in Him. Keep doing what he says to do. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Crazy stuff, right? Uh, but that's what God would have us do. And, and, you know, it's not about reinventing the wheel. The wheel is already there. It's, it's perhaps using it. Yeah. Well, those of us that have loving fathers and discipline us, we can understand God's discipline, but people that are raised, even their fathers may be loving fathers, but they don't discipline their children. It's hard for them to understand. And of course, now today, since many people even had a father figure in the house. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a different world. Yeah. These kids coming up now, it's a lot harder for them to understand things. And, and just to clarify, I, I did not mean that we, we, we keep doing the status quo thing. Either, uh, but uh, you know, I'm thinking like in our education systems, um, and like I'm, I'm not, you know, that that needs to be changed, but it doesn't start from the top down. We need a, we need to start with our school board and have them yeah. put all the books on display that they're teaching in the schools. Yeah. But you know that that's part of the issue though too. I, I think because uh, school boards and others, I mean, they they have a, a different ideology. You know, and they need to put everything out that they're teaching so that yeah. the people that want to 
find out what's going on there at school, so just walk in and, and help over and talk. Yeah, and, and some, I'm sorry, go ahead. There were so many things that were just starting to turn right correctly, like education, you know, the parents being aware of things from education, yeah. what was being taught, and, yeah. and um, making sure that history is taught and that we remember right. history and, yeah. you know, all those things. And we thought, boy, you know, we're getting this all straightened out. Yeah. And then, boom. And, but at least we're more aware of all that. And we right. learned a lot. And, and I, I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll cover this in, you know, basically, uh, you know, I, I'll say two things with what I'm referring to, and that's speaking the truth. Not your truth, not my truth, but the truth. Um, and then calling sin, sin, calling good, evil, or calling good, good, and evil, evil. You know, let, let's be honest and upfront about what's really going on. Education's went downhill ever since they yeah. done away with small schools and consolidated the schools. Yeah. When the local school board had pretty much controlled what was taught in the schools, and, and the, the community was involved in the, in the small schools. Everybody knew each other. The, the one-room school, the older kids went home and told the kids kid talk to the younger kids. And everybody knew what was going on. Right. All right, one last thing, and then uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at James 5 after the break. Uh, but notice in, in James 1, we're still there. Um, but uh, notice that, the, you know, let him ask in faith, verse 6, with no doubting. And then he gives an illustration. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, right? Notice also, you know, how, how James admonishes, uh, you know, those who have that... Uh, who have the lack of faith or who don't have faith, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. You know, uh, in, in, I think it's in Hebrews, um, he says that uh, one who uh, believes in God or, or believes in, or one who, who prays to God must believe that he is. Yes. Right? I mean, that's fairly clear. I mean, it's not a, um, God, if you're there, if you hear me, knock, knock. You know, that's not faith. Um, faith is a confident trust in what God has promised and what God has given. Right? So, you know, we, we think of Abraham, for example. God told Abraham in, in Genesis 12, you know, go to uh, this land. And what does Abraham do? He doesn't stop off and go in the other direction like Jonah did. But, I mean, that's the amazing thing about Jonah is that God still used him. He went the other way, and, and God said, no. You're going where I'm telling you to go, right? Um, even like with Moses too. God calls Moses. Remember, take off your sandals because the place you're standing is holy ground. And uh, he says, "Okay, I'm going to send you to the Israelites, and you're going to speak to Pharaoh, and you're going to get, you know, you're going to lead them out of the out of the, the land of Egypt." Who am I? I can't speak. That's what he said, right? Well, you brother, right? And <laughs> and then God says, "Who gave the mouth?" <laughs> and he still said, I, I, I don't want to do this. And I'm paraphrasing. And then he says, is it your brother coming? Your brother Aaron? He's going to speak for you, but you're going to go. right? And yet God also provided him with the gifts and the abilities. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, um, when did Moses leave Egypt, do you recall? Was it when he was about 40? Yeah, I think that's right. 40, yes. 
he left when he was about 40. And he was trained, he was he was brought up in Fairwood's house. Which would have been given him the best education in the land. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so he knew, right? I mean, he knew how to speak. I, I don't know if they took oratory, you know, speaking and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but, but I'm sure he had various gifts that way. Um, and, uh, you know, that could be seen as a means of training then, you know, to be used uh, later by God in that way. So James chapter 5, we're in James. Um, so, a, again, this is concerning prayer. And, and this, uh, this list, of course, is not at all exhaustive um, in any way or shape of the term. Uh, but I want to start actually at verse 13. Uh, of, uh, of James chapter 5. Mm-hmm. Again, quite relevant. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, I would suggest to you that this does not necessarily mean that one who is sick and then prays is going to immediately get better. They may, in fact, end up dying. But that does not mean God has not answered the prayer. Right? I mean, save, you know, we'll save the one who is sick. Save is not is not only meant in a physical way, right? But eternally save. Right? I mean, th- this is what's so profound in, in, in a number of the Gospels where Jesus heals somebody and uh, and he'll actually say, your faith has made you well. That's, that's the English translation. But the literal is, your faith has saved you. Um, which kind of gives a bigger picture then than just, you know, getting over that flu. Or that COVID, or you know, uh, that cancer. Um, this has to do with eternal life. You know, which uh, remember before the fall, was there any sickness? No. There was no death. There was no disease. Um, so you know, you know, God healing, Jesus healing people was a, a foretaste of what was to come. You know, when uh, when when uh, when the Lord returns. And we rejoice in the new kingdom. There will be no sickness, no pain, no suffering. Um, so that's restored, you know, to uh, to what it was before the fall. Right. Um, so continuing, the Lord will raise him up. Uh, that seems to have the connotation of resurrection, too, doesn't it? Raise him up. Um, you know, and I, I could see how uh, you know some will say, "Well, save the sick, make them better," and then also uh, just on a physical level, and we'll raise them up and make them feel better about himself, you know, kind of thing. That's not what Scripture is talking about. Yeah, Pastor, please. Uh, I'd like to, particularly from a pastoral vantage point, you know, after kind of doing that vocation for a few years, to emphasize what he says in verse 14: "Let him call for the elders." Because time and again, you hear about people saying, well, nobody ever called on me, and I was down and out, or I was sick, or I was in the hospital, and nobody visited me. And that's sad, and that's unfortunate on occasion, but sometimes pastor's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. 
and sometimes you need to call the pastor. You tell him, inform him, I'm going into the hospital, I'd like a visit. You know, or I'm going through some tough times at home, I need a visit. Come come visit me, or call the elders. You know, and I, I, I include the pastor with the, the, the elders. Yeah. You know, so whether the lay elder or the clergy elder. Yes. Don't sit around waiting yep. for, you know, somebody to just show up at your door. I mean, you know, if your cable's, you know, TV is on the blank, you don't wait for the guy to just maybe show up and fix it. Do you? <laughs> so you got to call them and say, my cable's on the blank. Yeah. So you call the pastor, let him know. Inform yeah. him. Don't just wait around. Could could this uh, could what you're saying be uh, kind of contrary to this individualistic way of handling things? You know, individualistic in the sense of okay, I, some some will say, well, I can manage this myself. Yeah. You know, I mean that's that's another component, but but also well, I don't need to ask for help. You know, or or you know, if if if, if, if they love me, then they'll call. You know, kind of thing. Uh, you know, that's kind of an extension, but yeah, I mean, you know, the uh, the, the Christian church, uh, there's a reason why, like, Paul makes reference to the, 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 uh, the church as the body of Christ. Not one member, but many members. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, not this is not a theological term, but just keeping in touch. Right? Uh, not only from the pastor... To the people, but also perhaps to the people, from the people to the pastor too. If he's so blunt as to say, Pastor, would you say a prayer with me now? You know, sometimes you know the pastor will offer to say a prayer, but I, I love that when people would ask me, would you say a prayer, Pastor? Just come right out and say it. Yeah. You know, ask for the prayer. Especially, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about this, and I'm thinking of some of the people that have not shown up just because of COVID. We haven't heard from. Them. You know, it's kind of like a, it's like what you're saying, you know. Pastor Blake says, you know. I know we've tried to contact those people. And it's like, cool, thank you. But, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, much to uh, much to consider here. Notice also, uh, you know, in verse 15, James continues, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. I don't know, maybe somebody's praying. I don't think so. I do know some people that don't like rain, so really? he's prized me. <laughs> yeah. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Yeah. I mean, unique circumstances, certainly, in Elijah's day. Um, you might recall that there was the account of uh, Elijah being, uh, I think it was Elijah in the, 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 the jar of oil, wasn't it? Was that Elisha? Um, they're similar accounts, but uh, uh, Elijah uh, was staying at, or would be staying at, uh, at a widow's house uh, who had a son. And uh, she was uh, very concerned because she was going to have to basically sell her son 
know, in order to, to survive, I think. She wasn't even Israelite. Like yeah, yeah. And uh, and Elijah said, "Help, you know, gather as many jars as you can." And the Lord filled up the jars with oil, and they sold the oil. You know, um, so they were able to, to make uh, the the correct payments. But, uh, yeah, and this is, uh, you know, I, I also want to say this, too, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, I mean, this is not a hypothetical question, but what happens when you have Christians, um, you know, from, like, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that there were Christians in Germany at the time of, uh, in, in the 1940s, and you have war going on, and, and, you know, so you have American Christians praying that the Lord give them their victory. And then you had German Christians who were praying, Lord, give us victory. Um, you know, you know, some some will speak that way with reference to football games too, right? Yeah. <laughs> or baseball, which, which doesn't work. Yeah, anytime, it, we know, anytime you've got two people in conflict, somebody's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the the thought is, you know, some would say, well, we won, so that must have been God's will. Yeah. As if to say that they knew God's will. <laughs> You know, and the like, uh, but but really placing placing our hands into into God's care and keeping means just that. Even if we lose, what difference does it make, right? I mean, we still win, right? I mean, and Luther kind of expressed it this way. This is I, I think from I think from uh, two kinds. Of, a, a treatise called Two Kinds of Righteousness, or actually it, it could be the Freedom of the Christian. Um, that he wrote this, but but uh, you know he comments, and I'm paraphrasing, but he comments one in a jail cell is not imprisoned. Say that again, please. One in a jail cell who is Christian is not imprisoned. Right. His body is, but his soul is not. And which is the greater, right? You know, um, and and I'm, I'm reflective of uh, you know the the last few words of uh, I think it's the is it the first line of a mighty fortress. You know, let them take my, what, my wife, my home. Mm -hmm. I forget the exact wording. But uh, let them take all that is mine. God remains God. And, uh, those, those words, uh, I, I believe, uh, are to be heard. You know, at, at all times. Not just when things are going the way we like them to go. Um, but even when they're not, because God, again, remains God, regardless. And, 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 you know, consider the disciples of our Lord on Good Friday. What did they see? What did they experience? There you know, I ask, what did they feel? Um, but what did they know? Right? The one who, you know, we, we hear this with the, on the, with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. We thought this guy was the Messiah. And he did wonderful things. Um, and then there's this strange report that his body was not in the tomb. Right? He almost wanted to knock him on the head. <laughs> Do you remember that Jesus told you this, right? Um, but uh, they were they were literally down and out. Yeah. They they literally placed all their eggs in one basket, and they thought the basket was broken. They were human. They were human. Yeah. Hey, we are too, aren't we? <laughs> You know, and, and remember, Jesus says to them, "Do not fear." Because I, Jesus 
just says that to us too. Uh, so, so this is not the time to, to stay away from church, regardless of a pandemic and the like, but even more so to be in church and hearing the word, being fed with the bread of life. All right, let's uh, let's look to First uh, Kings chapter three, Old Testament, <clears throat> uh, often referred to as uh, the history section or a part of the history section of uh, of the Old Testament. First Kings chapter three, and we've got a, a, a few more verses to read here. Put that back. <laughs> Can we start with uh, Wayne over here with verse 3 and we'll work ourselves around to verse 15. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense in high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in unrighteousness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. Therefore give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? All right, and we hear, um, you know, of course, that God will not be ever So my eyes are deceiving me. Go ahead. Verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. You asked for this, God answered, and you didn't ask for a long life or riches or the death of your enemies. But you asked to be able to understand how to be just and give him judgment. Behold, I have done according to your word, she and given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no evil on and if you will walk in my ways and keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offering and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So he had dreamed this, uh, but in the dream, what does he ask for of God? Yeah, and, and notice it, it, what's intriguing to me is it is not Solomon who said, "Lord, give me according to your will what you desire." It was God who said, "What can I give you?" Uh, and and He gave him that wisdom. Uh, you know, everything was in the Lord's hands, 
and, uh, and and we see also that the Lord gave blessings that Solomon had not asked for. Right. So he asked for discernment. He asked for wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Lord also gave him uh, riches and uh, and uh, the certainty of his uh, of his kindness to him. Okay. And then immediately after, of course, then there's this, an account which is really profound um, of. Uh, of a demonstration of the Lord's wisdom given to Solomon, you know, which which really stands out uh, because uh, it's it's one of those things that you know if you go to the courts they'd be arguing this for for ages probably. Yeah. But uh, but he just says what he says. Yeah. So in the Lord's prayer we say Thy will be done, but that's not enough for us. We want to know what to do, and to know what to do or to say is wisdom. Right, and and you know one of the classes I teach is uh, is, is called uh, calling Christian vo- on Christian vocation, and, and a majority of the students actually think that you have to know what God wants you to do in order to be doing it. Um, and and it's in the sense of vocation, but you know, I mean, you don't have to ask a mom, um, you know, do you know that uh, uh, do you know what it means to be a mom? Or do you have to know what it means to be a mom to be a mom or dad? You just kind of do it, right? I mean, you mess up along the way, but you also learn a lot of stuff along the way too, right? You know, um, but but this idea, and I, I've, I've uh, you know commented on this uh, quite often, I think, but this idea that we have to know what God's purpose is in our life to, to do it, that's false. Um, you know, the, the small catechism of, of, of Dr. Luther says it very clearly, as does scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the, the essence of the commandments is love. What is my purpose? Love. To love others. How do you do that? Well, if you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're a citizen, you know, uh, you know towards your enemy and, and so on and so forth. You know, similar things are going on. I mean, that that word love encompasses all of it, right? Um, you know, another component of this, uh, in, in terms of, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say another component of this is uh, thinking that uh, only, only, or if, if I don't know my purpose in order that God wants to use me this way, then I've got to find it out, and that becomes kind of the goal. Yeah. And once you find it, okay, now what? Because I know what I'm supposed to do, um, but you know, uh, to, to many I, 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 uh, I give these words that it's it's not about trying to find out what you're supposed to do. It's doing what's right in front of you. You know, so uh, you know we can talk about years ahead, but but that's not the only or the primary concern of the Christian. It's the here and now, and uh, you know, with, with reference to prayer too. Um, and, and that's why, you know, you, you probably know this already, but what are what, what is uh, what are the three ways that God answers prayer? Yes, no, and wait. Yeah, wait, not yet, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I kind of surmise that that oftentimes God has answered our prayer, but we keep praying for it because we don't want to we don't want to take we don't like the answer. Answer. Yeah. You know, um, why are we so Dare I say stupid? Fallen. At least I want to say that about myself. 
But yeah, we, we are fallen. We're, we're fallen creatures. We're poor, miserable sinners. Uh, and have you ever noticed that, that, that sometimes God just kind of He'll kind of tap you on your shoulder sometimes, but sometimes he just knocks you over. Yeah. Headlong, it's like, okay, I got it. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, for the sake of time, I and, and this is a, this is a appropriate. Let's look at Daniel. And yes, we will be looking at one of the uh, the the, uh, the more memorable accounts of Daniel. <coughs> Specifically, before he's thrown in the in the in the den of lions. So let me set this up by just way of reminder. There there were uh, there, there were political leaders uh, who convinced the king to basically uh, give an order, given an ordinance saying, "You will pray to no one else other than you know other than the king." Right, uh, and if if uh, if uh, anyone makes a petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Okay. Now listen to what happened. Uh, could someone read verse ten of chapter six in Daniel? Daniel's response. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house. Where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Yeah. And then if, if we were to continue, basically they they noticed. Yeah, they, they, they were waiting. He had his window open. Who does that? Who opens their window when there's when <laughs> when there's basically a, a 30-day lockdown? <laughs> There's a 30-day period when they weren't supposed to pray to anybody except the king. Notice what you know, Daniel, and, and it doesn't seem like he's doing this arrogantly or frightfully. He just does what he normally does. Because who's the greater, God or the king? Of course, we know the answer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 I I, I wonder. And this is all speculative, but I wonder, like, oh, well, the government says we can't pray, so we better not. That'll um, be the day. That's all I'll say. Because <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, you know, when you, when, you throw, when, when you throw uncertainty in there, you know, um, then, you know, that's something else. And then uh, also love for neighbor and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a lot we just did not know, I think, with reference to the pandemic. I think it's becoming clearer, though, what is true and what is not. And uh, so I, I'll just leave it at that. We can talk afterwards, if you'd like. Uh, I'll, I'll draw your attention uh, to, uh, you know, to, to read the other sections on your own. Uh, but uh, th- this is just a, a kind of a quick list of other prayers that are made during the service. The confession of sins, that too is a prayer. Right? We're, we're petitioning our Lord to forgive us our sins. Of course, we have the collect of the day. We looked at this already. The collect of the day kind of gathers the, the, the thoughts concerning the gospel in particular and, and moves that into prayer. The Lord's Prayer, of course, will we'll come to that uh, in more to greater detail coming up. The post-communion collect 
and I'm, I'm just kind of going down here, but a confession of sins. The offertory also is a prayer, and we talked about that. The proper preface, which we're coming to, and then also the Nuptimittis. We sing it, but it's also a prayer, right? Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. And this is one of the, the, the beauties, I think, of the hymnal, too. Uh, what were the three... Yeah, the, the three devotional books used by, by Lutherans many years ago, and that are still available today, by the way. One is, of course, the Bible, right? Yeah. Small and large. The small catechism, yeah, you could include the large. I mean, I would add the Lutheran confessions, too, but but um, but the small catechism and then the hymnal. The hymnal. Uh, not only do you have devotions uh, or prayers in the hymnal, uh, but you also have, of course, confessions of faith. Uh, you have prayers in the hymns, too. Um, and that, that's, uh, that's a neat thing to do, and it's, uh, it's very encouraging sometimes to go through the hymns and then actually pray the hymns, because the words are right there. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not at all opposed to written prayers. Um, you know, and certainly the Christian does pray extemporaneously, um, and and we do that. But at, but there are times when we want to where we pray prayers that have already been written, um, and especially with reference to the prayer of the church, as mentioned, we pray for everything. It's not just about us. It's not just about our congregation, but it includes petitions for our congregation. And for our local context as well as the broader context. I'd like to say that the Lutheran service book is the most useful hymnal type book that I have ever used for a long term. Yeah. It has everything in it. Yeah, and, and even meditating on the hymns. I, I, I was joking with, uh, well, not really joking, but I was telling my, I, I was mentioning uh, to, uh, to family that. Uh, I know of, uh, you might know the name Preuss. Preuss, yeah. Preuss. Uh, I, I think it was probably under, I want to say Jacob. Was he the father of Rolf? Or who was? Well, Jacob Preuss was one of the brothers. Robert had all those. Okay, maybe it was Robert, but I, I, and I, I'm guessing his sons probably followed in the same line, but uh, they would actually, this was a time when, when their kids were younger, um, they would they would uh, say okay memorize this hymn and I'll give you five cents <laughs> you know kind of thing you know but they would memorize the hymns you know and, and like it uh, and, and it's um, but but the the thing is like we, we, we speak of memorizing scripture and I, I pray that uh, we still retain the written word uh, in our nation uh, yeah um, go along with with uh, Earl just said, I, I find it useful, especially being in the pew now, uh, opening the hymnal before the service starts and looking at the prayers in the very beginning of the hymnal. And they have a whole page of appropriate prayers for the divine service. Right. There's a prayer before the service starts. There's a prayer for confession of sins. Right. You know, preparing. It's very preparatory. Right. And then there's a prayer for the word being preached and proclaimed. There's a prayer before, before and after receiving the sacrament, and then there's a prayer after the service is over. 
Yeah, rather than just kind of jumping up and talking and all that visiting is great, but to kind of put a, a prayerful thought at the end of the service, it's just, right. and it's so they're short, you know, they're short little collects, really, but they're right there, you don't have to go looking for them, they're right on the front, yeah. on the inside of the hymnal. All right, um, I'll leave you uh, with uh, just two more slides. Uh, you're in a, I'll just kind of read them, through them quickly. These are from uh, Luther's Large Catechism. Uh, the handout you know, that uh, we have, we won't be able to get to today, but uh, continuations of uh, Luther's Large on prayer. He says, we are in a situation where no person can perfectly keep the Ten Commandments, even though he has begun to believe. The devil, with all his power, Together with the world and our own flesh, resist our efforts. Uh, and by the way, this is on the copy from last week. So if you don't have it in front of you, uh, just kind uh, of listen closely. The devil with all his power, together with the world and our own flesh, resists our efforts of keeping the Ten Commandments. Therefore, nothing is more necessary than that we should continually turn toward God's ear, call upon him, and pray to him. We must pray that he would give, preserve, and increase faith in us in the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters, which includes what? The world, the world, politics. our own sin, right? Uh, and our, our sinful flesh and also the devil. We pray that he would remove everything that is in our way and that opposes us in these matters of, of keeping his word. So that we might know what and how to pray our Lord Christ has himself taught us both the way and the words. Okay, the Lord's Prayer. Continuing, let this be the first and most important point. There's another one. Uh, but that all our prayers must be based and rest upon obedience to God, regardless of who we are, whether we are sinners or saints, worthy or unworthy. We must know that God will not have our prayer treated as a joke, but he will be angry and punish all who do not pray, just as surely as he punishes all other disobedience. Furthermore, he will not allow our prayers to be in vain or lost. If he did not intend to answer our prayer, he would not ask you to pray and add such a severe commandment to it. So, I mean, this is another aspect of their prayer, too. We, you know, we come before God, uh, not only because he promises to, to hear, but because he commands us to pray. You know, and on that basis, then we come before him says pray. If we don't pray, we're acting contrary to that word. Right? Um, also, by the way, um, and this is very much related when, when Jesus says come, what does that sound like? When he says take, drink. Yeah. Yeah. Take drink. Yeah, it's an imperative. You know, take eat, take drink, and then the promise for the forgiveness of sins. 